Antonio Meucci invented the telephone, and he got robbed. Everybody knows that. Well, who invented baseball betting? I think people in New York. And we got the right guy. Scott Seidenberg is going to join. We're doing a extravaganza, extravaganza of baseball previewing. And at the end, I had an opening day, like 12% ROI system. And then he, Scott, helped me handicap the games. And then Fez came in, I would say, over the top with parlays associated with it that were correlated. If, if AJ's all his basketball talk at the beginning gets to be much, go to the end. I think you're going to enjoy the basketball, too, because, quite frankly, great depth of knowledge. And we've killed it on these uh, bets on this pod. I mean, what was it, 12-2 and two or something? 10-2. and 10-2. and two are On best bets. Our uh, brackets, we both were over 88%. It doesn't matter. Once you get there, who cares, right? Right, yeah. It's not a competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we found out somehow AJ could win his best bet but lose the week. His, pr- I, I, I mean, it's not easy. I found a way. Let me ask you a question. When So what happened was his best bet won easily. I wanted to bet against him on his best bet, and he said, it's really a lean. I didn't say it was really a lean. That's what your actions said. Okay. How did you feel when you won? Were you happy you won, or were you sad when you won? I was happy I won. But you felt very ambivalent. Uh, No, I just knew that (laughs) this moment would happen. Well, it's happened a few times. Yeah, and it, it lessened the excitement of my win. He's full of opinions, though, in some contexts. Very opinionated. <laughs> and he's funny. <laughs> All right, baseball starting. Here's the offer. $75 off any of these subscriptions. And you know what? We've got the first half. Because let's be honest. Some people bet baseball aggressively all the way through the World Series. And some, like Fez, bet through about the All-Star break. And then you're spot playing at that point. Yeah, CFL starts. I keep spot playing. And then once college football kicks yeah. off August 27th. So you the rest yeah. of the year, about another month. But you might yeah. get a play a week at that point. So we give you the chance to bet or, or get the picks for the whole season. Guy like Scott, he stays on it the whole year. We got guys like Fez at half a year. You get to choose. But you get $75 off with this special offer. And that is coupon code PLAYBALL75, P-L-A-Y-B-A-L-L-7-5, one word, PLAYBALL75. You get 75 bucks off, and I can say, well, look how good the records are. I will. I will. We got Greg Shaker up 60 units last year. Fezzik somehow with his spot plays was up 37 units. Wow, look at this now. And I talked about this later in the pod at the very end, and I forgot a key part of it. So it's even better than what we thought at the time. But since you're listening to this first, you're going to say, RJ, why didn't you mention the second part? It was so good. Say, like, huh? Now you know. Here's the offer. Baseball, as you know, is starting. And we're giving you two choices. You can bet the whole season or get the picks effectively for the whole season. And it's so cheap. Even if you're not betting every day, it's worth it. But why would you want the whole season versus what? What's the alternative? The alternative is just through the All-Star break. Now you might say, well, why are you breaking up that way? I'll tell you why. Fez is a guy that really did well in the baseball last year. He won over 37 units. But, Fez, we're pretty candid. You get to the all-star break, and then you maybe go another month or so, but then your focus wavers. You should have spot baseball plays, but the second half of the year, not as much. Exactly. Because you're betting football. Count on me through August 27th, approximately, and then it's— It's It's spotty. Yeah, it's very spotty. So if you want it all, great. But if you want just through the All-Star break, a guy like Fez, that's going to be the answer with him, I think. 
A guy like Scott lives and breathes baseball. Yeah, he likes football. He's going to be on it. He's good at it. But baseball is one in hockey. Your two loves. Would we agree with mm-hmm. that? Is that fair? Yeah. What's Baseball's your... my first love. And hockey's your second love. Or uh, what, what else? I don't want to call it my second Why? love. How did you get I so involved in the hockey handicapping? Uh, I was 10 years old when the Rangers won the Cup in 94, and I've been in love with it ever since. So you I mean, are in love I mean, with yeah, it. I, I thought so. Here's what we want to do. So hockey goes through what, early June? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. If you win the first week, so from Thursday through Monday, if you've got a winning record. Of the Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put together a special hockey for the rest of the year, baseball through the All-Star break, discounted special for you. I like it. Now, if you bet hockey, and here's the commitment I'll make to you guys. If you buy anything of Scott's with this offer, Email us about the hockey if he wins the first, you know, four days, and we'll roll it in where you get even a better deal. So we never want you to wait. Waiting is bad because that means what? Well, one, we don't have the money. We want the money. Let's be honest. But number two, we believe betting early is better, and we we believe having more games to consider is better. So if you wait a week, you're going to miss some games. Why not get them, especially if you're going to get at least the same deal, if not better? So that is something for next week, perhaps. But right now... Through the All-Star break is the Feds kind of deal. And there's others. A guy like Greg Shaker won 60-plus units. Now, listen, I'm not saying Greg Shaker's evil, but he won 60.66 units. I see, you know, mm. hey, would you if the devil had winners, would you bet with the devil, AJ? You wouldn't associate with them. Right. I wouldn't want to, like, hang out after the game. But if you had some guy that says, I got the devil's picks, and you see him win, like, 14 straight. What are you doing? I'd play the 15th game. Fez? Sympathy for the devil, baby. <laughs> now, I don't have that necessarily, but I'm going to play it. I'm going to have AJ maybe put it in for me so I can say I didn't really play it. A messenger bet? Ex- oh, <laughs> never thought of that. All right, so <laughs> you got a guy like Shaker that has one, we'll just say almost 61 <laughs> units. Now, what are the offers? You get $75 off either one of these. That's special to this offer on the pod and the coupon code for both of those. So all-star break or the whole season play ball 75 P L a Y B a L L 75, 75 bucks off. But then you get steak knives. No, on top of that, you can get, if you play just the all-star break, you get a hundred bulk dollars to spend any way you want. All right. So it's four seventy seven regular price four seventy seven. You save 75, so that takes you down to 402. Okay, right? You mm-hmm. following so far? And now you get another 100 in bulk dollars. So it's like 300 bucks for Scott's Pigs to do the All Star break. It's a pretty sweet deal. It's hard. It's hard to beat. Now, if you say, I want the whole season, it's 777. You get off the 75 and you get 150 bulk dollars. But you're making a discount, you know, in a way you're getting the second half of the year for cheaper. Mm-hmm. Than, so both of them are crazy good. It just matters how much you're going to play, when you're going to play through. So one more time, for up through the All-Star break, you're getting your $75 off by using Playball 75, and the 100 bulk dollars comes after the fact. You'll get it immediately, you know, like within a 24-hour period to spend. You can wait for football and buy Fez's picks with these bulk dollars. I mean, it's, it's that sweet. And then if you went through the season, it's the same play ball, 75, 75 bucks off. But now you get 150 off. Well, not 150 off. You get 150 in bulk dollars. 
A lot of stuff. What you know, though, is effectively your per day price is crazy low. It's like three bucks or something per day. And don't quote me on that. It's right in that range. Fez, it's hard to beat that. Hard to. I mean, like being like you, said, you can be like Fez's best friend in baseball for like 90 bucks a month. It's pretty hard to beat that. I um, you know, I I got distracted. Wisconsin didn't score for nine minutes. The final nine minutes of so, the game so has you, that you, ever you, happened? It's funny. At the end of the pod, he was going, you know, I don't even hardly look at scores anymore. Yeah. And now he's like, <laughs> I, I got I got distracted. Has that ever happened? The last nine minutes of a college basketball game, a team didn't score. He goes, sometimes I look yeah, at my Michigan, Michigan did it for ten minutes this year. The Some, last ten minutes, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sometimes I look at my account and there's an extra five thousand in there, and I go, "Where'd that come from?" I'm sorry. Go ahead, so, RJ. Did you say that or not? Yeah. yeah. Now he's like, "I'm distracted because I just lost a bet." Oh, no, I won a bet because oh. you looked at his account and there was less than five thousand dollars in there. And he's like, "Where did it go?" Wait, this was a win. Yeah, I, I played. I, I personally played a bet on the the under, yeah. that, and it was sailing over. And then Wisconsin, literally the last nine minutes of the game, in a close game, they didn't score. How so, is that possible? So what we're saying is, no, we don't talk exact numbers with you because of, you know, whatever with your lawyers, but sometimes you'll throw them out. But what we're saying is probably the cost it would, someone that works in fast food for a month, he could work or not, he or she could work or not work and the swing would be less than that just one. Oh God, yes. <laughs> So those that think like the French Revolution, let them eat bread is coming. Yeah. Fred might be part of the let problem. Let them eat cake. Yeah, exactly. Cake, Marie Antoinette. You got five hours for gas? <laughs> On to the show. <laughs> Final four upcoming, plus baseball opening day, and there are some betting opportunities. Plus, yes, win totals in the NFL have been released, and Fez already has a opinion on them, right? We may look at some of these. They're not open nowhere in Vegas yet. Scared. They're sc- I, I tell you something, and let's be candid. I, I used to be really tough on the Vegas bookies here, and I was like, there's so many things they can do, but they just want to eat pistachios and, <laughs> you know, and, and give out bologna sandwiches that are room temperature with Wonder Bread. But I think DraftKings and FanDuel and all the Jersey things, a lot of those, they've, they've shamed Vegas in a way. And you would think we'd be looking to catch up. And I think Circa's done a good job trying. But, man, how, like, how long do you wait to open a win total? It's opened at, what, William Hill, Caesars, not in Nevada, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's Iowa. I don't know if it's Pennsylvania. I just know select states have season win totals at William Hill, Caesars, but not Nevada. You you know what? You would think Nevada would be the first one, not the last one. Well, you would hope. DraftKings has it. So, you mm-hmm. know, not in Nevada. And then I think there's a third. What's the third? Bet Online, I believe. Okay. So, you know. I, uh, but they always start micro limits. You see, they're 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 what they always they 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 come first to market sometimes. Well, that, bet online. well in NFL sides, they I think they take five thousand. Yeah, that's different. That's is that micro to you now, Fez? No. no. <laughs> now, real quick, just an update. Did you have any like six figure losses that got reported in the national media this week? None that were reported in the <laughs> national media. All right, all yay! Right. We got <laughs> AJ Hoffman to my right. We got a full round table. Steve Fezzik and who's going to be, in a way, the, the foundation of our baseball work, which 
Well, there's some weeks will be a lot of it. Like this week, some it won't be much or any. Scott Seidenberg, I'm R.J. Bell. All right, let's get right into This is going to be our order here. We're going to start with college basketball. We're going to start looking backwards. What happened? What does it mean for basketball? What does it mean for the Final Four? Then we're going to do a preview. You got a best bet in one of these games. I do. Right? Then we're going to go to a little NBA talk and bead, Jokic. Is that how you say Jokic? Close enough. All right, the Joker. <laughs> and Giannis. I still don't try to say his last Guy name. Guy nice. <laughs> do that? Let's see how close you are. Guy nice. But, but yeah, but what about the name after I don't remember how he said it. Right, let, she said I it. think it's a she. Let's see here. Guy nice antitoko umpo. Guy nice antitoko umpo. That is the best imitation I think you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Damn with faint praise. And uh, yeah, a little NFL, but then baseball. It's an extravaganza. Let's get to it. AJ, main takeaway, <clears throat> and it can't be, oh, my bracket beat yours. I would never even have brought that up. Because I got to be on. Oh, well, you, you would have, <laughs> I'm sure. Because we ended up, I tell you, no Final Four teams between us. Am I right on that? Right. And somehow, some way, and through, you know, I had two brackets, one that was a for a small pool, one for a long shotty kind of pool. And I don't see the numbers. Where's the numbers at? They are right here. So you your uh, your small your small pool bracket got 540 points, which was 88.3 percentile. Your large pool bracket was 480 points. That was 71 71st percent. And then my bracket was 570 points, 94.3 percent. A lot of numbers. Yeah. So, so, but, but, but I think what we're saying here is all of them were. Let me see that real quick. Mackenzie, can I? Can you find my version of this that I'm supposed to have? Oh, you know what he does? He always puts stuff up here, and I never look up there. And you think I, I would finally start? I don't know. Is that it? I'd walk out. I'd think about walking out, maybe. All right. Um, all right, so what we're saying is this. We, the, the worst thing was 71%. So we're better than set, set 7 out of 10 when we start. Yes. With our worst. Is it really going to be he didn't give me one? No, I definitely did. <laughs> might be underneath. Uh-huh. All right. Here we go. <laughs> and then we said, but that ain't good enough. RJ's second one, 88 percentile. You think that's uh, almost 90. That's almost 90. But then AJ said, nah, you sit down 95%, That's pretty damn good. So, I, it helps that no one had the, this final four. I mean, it was a very rare thing that anyone was going to have more than uh, there were some people who had UConn. It was going to be less than 5% of anybody who had the other three. Well, I wanted to go UConn, and you said, no, the size against Kansas, they're going to get crushed inside against Kansas. Didn't you want to bet me big against UConn last week? No, I'm the one that had the UConn. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that, that. That I know that shaming is coming too. No, 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 no. Here's the thing: you got to realize, I didn't like the other side. I just know you're scared. If I say if I say the sun's coming up in the north, it's coming up from the sky down like a ball on disco night. You'd be like, I didn't burn that. I, I'm going to give you so many losing things that I know you won't bet. You'll finally bat me. Yeah, and then that it's might gonna, be the move. It's going to be worth it. <laughs> um, speaking of predatory batting, 
<laughs> what do you think about the odds that some of these books have put out? There'd be no perfect bracket, like at ESPN. I think it was Yahoo. They had a couple of the, mm-hmm. the big ones. And I think they were paying, was it 50 to 1, if there was one? Well, like, it's got to be more than that. Well, it got to be like a crazy yeah, number. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I think they were offering 50 to 1. Did you hear they were offering better? I, no. I, I, I did hear that, and so I, I was welcomed by the fact that someone out there was making a worse bet than I was when I lost with Purdue on the money line. But do you, but do you think it's fair to say—it's uh, not all about you. Do you, think it's, <laughs> do you think it's fair to say that that's predatory, that, oh, you can't, make, you can't offer that because people are so—really, the subtext of the, that's predatory is people are so stupid. If you're offering something that seems appealing, they're going to lose their shirts over it, and that's we, it's our responsibility as a society— to be a nanny state and make sure people don't bet that. I mean, what what other reason could you shame a book for offering? It's a it's a great point, and in fact, I believe, and I got to look up gaming law, but there are guidelines in terms of the maximum house edge you can have in slots and the like versus yeah. the player. And I think it's ca- I don't know if it's capped at fifty percent or thirty percent or what it is, RJ. But um, obviously, it doesn't apply to sportsbook theoretical hold. Yeah, it does not it apply. Plus, there's not unless it's a two-sided you bet. You don't know what you don't know what it is. Exactly right? right. So you can go ahead and take full advantage of the unsuspecting public to the maximum amount. But well, speaking, that- speaking of that Purdue loss, that was no one had a perfect bracket after that Purdue loss out of twenty million. And that was on was Friday. that <laughs> that was the that was early Friday, right? Twenty fifth game of the tournament, I think. <laughs> so, uh, here's the thing: I think the way to shame books from offering bad offerings is not to do business with them or not bet those offerings, right? But I, like, I don't. I mean, like, if a book could get away with charging minus two hundred on sides and they just bet and people were just going there batting like nothing, they'd be stupid not to offer to make it minus 200, right? Yeah, and by example, one major book in Nevada, don't want to shame anyone, but if oh, you... Let's just say the facts. Who is it? MGM. All right. Uh, the first half lines, college basketball, during the tournament now, and during the second half, second half line, sides and totals, minus 115. What is that? Sides and totals for the first half? And the second half. You want to bet the first half at the MGM? You're laying minus 115. Sides and totals. Every game. Well, they got like a 40, some of these places, not MGM, have like a 40 cent straddle on these first to 10 and first to 15. It's just whatever you can get away with. Well, but isn't that the right way? And isn't there a company, if, if everyone went to minus 120, let's say on sides, there'd be a company saying, all right. Let's bring it back to 110 here. I mean, there's been a lot of companies that try to go minus below 110, right? Pinnacle offline online. And uh, they, what we found out was people aren't that price sensitive. They, like can bet was an Australian book for a long time. That was out Great there. Great example. Minus 107. Yeah, yeah. And, and what happened, what they found out is that they were attracting the all kinds of wrong Betting audience, people who are price sensitive, or, people yeah, like you. Yeah, so you, you had a camp bet count, I'm sure. So, you Good know, day, neighbor. Someone did. Well, it happened here in town last week. Wasn't uh, South Point and Rampart doing minus 105s? Okay, yes. on both sides, on, on, on sides, sides of, only. On yes. sides only, and they're still doing and it, was it in, which is exceptional. Great job by it, the South Point. I think it's in person only, though, not on the app. Yeah, and you have to know. I saw, I, I saw people going to the window, and they're like. Um, I'll go ahead, and they're laying a dollar ten because they didn't know the betting number, and the ticket writer didn't correct them. Just punched in the ticket, and gave it to them. That that actually is interesting because, like in that one, that seems wrong. Because if there was a different kind of bet, let's say you had, 
and again, maybe the ticket writer made a mistake, whatever. But I, I, but let's say that there was a way you could bet something different, and it was at minus one hundred five. But it was a different proposition, right? You could say, but if it's a tie, you lose. Mm-hmm. Not a tie of the spread, but if the game gets tied, well, there's no chance to the game tie. Okay, great. So it's two different propositions. That I get, but like. How could they even have it in the system at minus 110 if it's supposed to be 105? Their argument is that for parlays, you have to lay a dollar 10. So they have to have in this, they have to have the other betting option in the system in case somebody wants to play a okay, parlay. Okay, so but if someone bets not a parlay, wouldn't it default to 105? You think so, but you've got to give the right rotation number. Otherwise, you're laying a dollar 10. Okay, so if you give the rotation number, it would be a dollar five? If you give the right, the minus 105 rotation number, it's like you got to bet 8104, not 8102. Wait a minute, though. Okay. So you're saying it was a different offering. Yes. Okay. Then I think that, I mean, we can talk ethics, but I think legally or whatever, it's fine. I mean, it's like, and you know, that happens online all the time where you, you know, there's a place like over here at the website where they give you 30% off, like you're buying vitamins or whatever Mm -hmm. you're buying. If you go there and you don't have that, it might be a site-wide thing. It might be at the top banner, uh, 30% off today. Use code MEMORIAL. If you don't use code MEMORIAL, they are charging you a fair price Mm -hmm. or full price. And you know what? Isn't that the same thing? They have a widely promoted offering. I guess it also happens like if a game is lined to like one and a half and mm-hmm. like the steam comes in on the dog and they drop it down to pick them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, so the money line might be minus a dollar 18, but now the pick them lines minus a dollar 10. That happens all the, even though it's the same thing. Yeah. They and, don't mind having one that charges you more. They just don't want to get yeah. scouts. <laughs> yes. Right. So yeah, it, it goes to show you, I think in general, in this world, you know, buyer beware, like in general, you better, like there's sometimes I'm, you know, when you're, as you could guess, it, sometimes it gets exhausting thinking like that, meaning that I'm constantly seeing, trying to see if there's an angle or someone's conspiring against me. I know I'm getting ripped off on everything I buy, and here's why. All right, everything you buy? Everywhere? Everything. Because I see it all the time in the sports bay. Oh, I see how all the books are taking advantage of people with like same game parlays and things like that. Yeah. And I see it on the, like, when I go through like the Wendy's drive through and I see them hyping the Baconator, and it's like, it's like, Twice as expensive as it should be, like if you add up all the meat and the bacon, if you ordered it separately. So now, now we're comparing if you made it at home, you, how much no, it would No, no, just if you went there and ordered like the junior uh, bacon cheeseburger, uh, like three of them. You're saying you're getting th- more meat and cheese and, and bread than getting the Baconator, which is going to be more expensive. Well, how, right? that branding ain't free. <laughs> <laughs> so so where, where I'm getting is when I, right. in the few areas that I have the acumen to assess this, I'm good. But when I, whenever I, I'm hiring a plumber, a mechanic— huh. Anything else in the yeah. world, that, that gardener, I am getting screwed royally. Well, that's actually something, Scott, you'll like this. And, and AJ, The Wire, a lot of people who were in the press and they loved The Wire, they said once they did the fifth season, which was partially about newspapers, they said that was so, in their opinion, so far from the truth that what They've always believed everything they saw the first four years was like, this is really what it's like with cops. This is really what it's like with drug dealers. And then they see something they know about and say, this is nothing like what it's like. It made them question a lot of this stuff in the first four years that they have no insight into. Oh, you mean newspaper guys didn't know a lot about gangs and drugs? That's But in this case, they're saying The Wire doesn't know about newspapers. Right. So I don't know. Maybe they just didn't like what The Wire said. And I bet a lot of cops don't like necessarily what The Wire says about cops. But I don't know. Generally, we agree season five, the worst, right? Well, let's just say this. Who was the worst deci- Like, who was the worst angel? 
the worst angel. Yeah, what I'm saying is like, let's take a son. Like, who's the ugliest Miss America? Oh, okay, okay. I, I, mean, I see what you're saying. Okay, worst isn't probably the way to say it, right? Were you a wire guy or not? No, I still haven't. Oh, uh, I thought still for some reason it. you liked that. But you like. But you. How many times have you seen The Sopranos? Full rewatch, yeah, start yeah. to finish, maybe four, five. And you figure like, out, like watching it in consecutive order. When's the last time? Oh, uh, I think COVID. Okay. Yeah, 2020. Maybe. Before, but that's not the last time I've watched like a random yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. before the sixth one, you should watch The Wire. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Which, real quick, favorite <laughs> Sopranos? Oh, I mean, I don't know about full episodes, but there are scenes that like stick out. Like well, well, Just one. My favorite scene is um, when AJ is going when AJ gets uh, drunk and, and at the party and he glue his eyebrows are glued uh, to the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tony Tony comes home and Carmela's laughing at him. Not the green, right? he goes, goes, What's different about you? And she's like, He's got no eyebrows, Tony. <laughs> He uh, grabs his chin and he's like, "What's different about you?" Yeah, that doesn't say that. Like, what kind of sick gay sex are you <laughs> yeah. having? Or something? That or 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 Chris, Christopher's intervention is oh, amazing. Oh. Where she's like, "Where?" where oh my god! You know, Adriana well, said, "You know, <laughs> when you was high and you sat on corset." <laughs> And Tony's like, oh, geez, you killed the fucking dog. That's actually just, I ought to sit on you. <laughs> Christopher, I, Christopher, I just, you were puking. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> that was his Silvio. I think he had just killed Ralphie for yeah. killing a horse. Yeah, yeah, so he was, yeah. Yeah, like, he was very emotional about animals. And yeah, the fact that Christopher sat on the dog, he must have climbed under there for warmth or something. <laughs> he does pretty good imitations, would you say? Pretty good. I got to see this thing. Now, now the funny thing is the two lines I would have said you didn't mention yeah. from that scene <laughs> was when Paulie goes, they had him write something. Paulie goes, I don't write nothing down, but I'll tell you this. Because <laughs> they're serious mob guys that yeah. won't write anything because they figure they can manipulate it. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who was running the meeting... At some point, Christopher looks at him and goes, he goes, he, he goes, we're here because we were concerned about, he goes, aren't you the guy that like, like stole lamb chops from the church? You're like, he goes, we're not here about that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like what they're doing, they were saying anyone that's in recovery probably had a men yes. to make. Yes. And like he was, and we think of them like that. Instead of giving him a chance at something new. Mm -hmm. So, AJ, you won't be the guy that was afraid to bet me on your best bet that won. I, I hope after that, this show. After this show, I won't be. Yeah. yeah, but up until then, it is. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Give a little background. Uh, I bet UConn minus three against Arkansas. Well, you bet or you didn't bet. You had a best bet on it. I had a best I bet. I know you bet it, but that's not the issue. I had right? a best bet at minus three and a half on the show. Uh -huh. You wanted offered you a better price. You wanted me to lay four points. Mm -hmm. no, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! You're telling a lie now. You had two options. We were going no vig, mm -hmm. so you could have had lay four an extra half point, but get ten cents reduction in your lay price. Right, your lay uh, vig, and thus it's a better bet than three and a half minus one ten. Right, you understand yeah. that much. Or I was willing to bet you three and a half. Just give me. Well, I was. I wasn't even asking for one ten. No, you, you one hundred five or something. You were yeah one hundred five. Yeah. So in each case, you were gaining like three cents or a nickel of value over how you bet it. Yeah. You said it's a lean, really. It wasn't a lean. I just didn't want to take a worse number than I had. No, no, he, he's actually correct here because he what? personally bet minus three minus a dollar ten. Okay, on his purse in out out of but pocket, but not for his clients. For it, his clients, he was getting a better number than his clients. But RJ wasn't going to book all my clients. Yeah. So here's the thing: <laughs> is 
if somehow you had, um, let's say you had someone paying you 500 to one on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You talk someone into that. And I didn't somehow interrupt and stop it like you typically do with me. <laughs> is if I came up and said, huh, the market, let's say you like the Chiefs. And the market right now is what, seven to one, six to one, let's say? Sure. All right. And if I said, hey, Feds, let's, uh, I'll, I'll fade that. I'll give you eight to one. You can't go, well, I got 200 to one from this guy. Excellent example. Yeah. yeah. Now, the only difference. Unless be, I bet 10 zillion. Exactly. Already. If it was a money management risk of ruin issue. I'm guessing AJ didn't bet 10% oh, of his bank. And ours was going to be 300. So, yeah. so really what happened was it dawned on me after the pod, you couldn't win. Because if you won, and I think it went the right way. You would win, but you'd be having to deal with this. And a lot of people would be like, yeah, that's a good point. He doesn't even want his best bet. And then if you lost, it'd be like, loser. Yeah. <laughs> so why didn't you bet? I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight. I should have. <laughs> All right. So you got a best bet today. I'm, I, I might just, should I blind press? But, but in a weird way, you've been killing the tournament. Like in general, especially on this pod. What are we doing on the pod now? It's like 20 and 2 or something? 10 and 2. Who had the losers? I had one. Fez. So other than Fez on the first Friday, <laughs> what was the other loser? Uh, Scott from uh, Scott had uh, Alabama to win the South. So I'm perfect is what you're saying. Yes, you're perfect. <sighs> I think that's really all we needed to – wait, Alabama to win the South is something that we counted as a best bet? That was Scott's last that week. That was your best bet. Well, listen – what was the payoff on that? It was minus 125. Okay, that's fair. Because in general, if you're taking big underdogs, you know, it, all right. What was your loser, Fez? Uh, I somehow oh, lost. what I was telling you not to play. I lost Syracuse, the stupid. Right? No, it was or, the first or, half Michigan State exactly. game where you said play the game because Izzo comes out it, scoring too high the first half. And the and the game went under 138, but the first half didn't go under the 64. <laughs> Before we do our best bets, yes. I want to talk about, meaning here in like 45 minutes or whatever, I'm going to talk about the joy I got from that that Alabama San Diego State that might have been my funnest betting experience in the last year. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But first, let's get into it. Uh, the actual tournament to date, and we were talking about like what your takeaways were. I, the takeaway is, and we we talked about this before the tournament started. And Fez had a different way of wording than I did. I said, "There's more parity this year than there's ever been." And Fez said, "Everybody sucks. There's no good teams." And in a way, it seems like maybe he was right. Like it, maybe the, it, not that these teams aren't good, but there's certainly there was certainly no great teams, and that's hashed out as as the tournament's going. The first time ever, there's not a top three seed in the final four. First time since 2011, there's not a one seed in the final four. I'm going to go ahead and project now. This will be the lowest rated championship game in the history of the tournament. Like, well, it's uh, every year's the lowest rated. It's cord cutting and stuff, but you're saying it's going to jump more. I or, yeah, or fall I, more. I think it'll be pretty bad. Uh, but I, I do think that we're seeing now how the the transfer portal being just wide open. All right. So now the question is: Well, first let's let's question if your premise is right. Okay. So Steve, you thought this before the tournament. It seems to affirm your thought. Does it? I think so, and I think what magnified it is they switched out the ball. So they brought in 
a, a, a new ball that the players were unfamiliar with. Well, now, who's that going to help? Well, a team that can't shoot very well and that's crappy, it probably doesn't make as big a difference as if you've got, you know, Seth, if you've got Curry shooting, okay? So the, so the most skilled, best teams, I think, got hurt more by the changeup of the ball, which basically so, so made it more difficult for everyone. So the theory is if we were shooting half-court shots and the wind was blowing— well, great example. I mean, it, we're not making many anyway, so the wind's not going to affect much. Yeah, basically, they the basket has to get put where the ball winds up going more versus the opposite. Yes. Yeah. So, and thus that would, in theory, that would fatten the middle. As in, good teams are the qualities that make them good get depressed. At least offensive. Now, that would make me think defense becomes more important. But now you might be saying, yeah, you don't need defense if it was open shot. I mean, San Diego State's got some amazing numbers defending threes. And second, all- second best team in the country. Up to this point, but they've done even better. In the tournament, it's been absurd. Yeah, it, McKenzie- No one can make a three against San Diego State. So they have they packed it in the paint and watched their opponents brick. Opponents in the three. tournament shooting 17% from three. Okay. So here's my question. You just said something, Steve, that feels different than this. You said they're packing the paint, which implies they're letting them shoot threes. They they do. So they welcome three-point shots. They want you to shoot threes. Unlike like the normal thought process, today's basketball is don't let the other team shoot yeah. threes. They want you to shoot bad threes. They don't let you get by them. They they mm-hmm. they force you into taking bad shots, and it, it's but that's really not kinda, packing the paint. No, I wouldn't call it packing the paint. I call it protecting the line. Like they get out on their man, and they don't let them get n- near the three point line. If you're going to take a three point shot against them, it's going to be from far away. You don't get the corner. Or it's going to be you someone right in your face. Corner three. Yeah. So they're playing mostly man to man. Yep. And they are picking up their guy outside the three-point yep. line. And so it that's won- the opposite of p- pound or packing the paint, right? What they've done well is is they don't allow the dribble penetration and then kick out to the open three-point shooter. Most of the time, if you're going to be covering past the three, they're going to get by you a decent amount, and there's going to be those little mini four-on-three yeah. type. They don't allow They don't that. let you get by them. Okay. Yeah, so they defend at the three-point line, basically. So the on-ball defense is strong. Incredible. Okay. Well, I that, think that has to do with the way that they, you know, fight through screens or, or switch off screens and their screen So it's tenacity? Defense, yeah. It's grittiness? Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of team that old-school guys would like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's all juniors and seniors. Okay, you got that, too. Now, that and the transfer, for, transfer portal are two different things. Sure. Because, in a way, the, this Florida team is a situation where they got older— senior, junior-type guys, but they're kind of new to this team. Down transfers, yeah. So explain that. Uh, Three starters from Florida Atlantic. One came from Texas Tech. Uh, One came – one actually came – Bobby Knight's tough. He said, I'm not going to be there. It's been a while since Bobby Knight. One came from UConn. One came from Minnesota. But they were all in power conferences, not getting the kind of playing time they wanted – transferred down and found a uh, a home there in Florida Atlantic. So, Steve, we were talking about this before the show – it seems like the cast-offs from one team shouldn't be making the Final Four, or from teams shouldn't be making the Final Four. But it also seems like that the um, the context, as we called it, matters more in sports than we realize sometimes. 
uh, context. It, oh, in terms of how the players inter- yes integrate the, the with each other, the, the, the way they exactly. integrate with each other, the way and the coaches exactly if, if getting laid. Like if they find, meet a girl with this new play, who knows? Some right? guy, you know what? We got we got three beach city teams in the final four, so some players maybe get distracted on the beach, and some players just like the good climate. It all varies. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Yes, but 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 Florida uh, Atlantic had a good. They, what they have three losses this year. Yep. They were really good, and yeah. and you know what? To be fair, if you look at Florida. Atlantic's conference, it it really like we talk about pay attention to which conferences are doing well. Well, you know, North Texas and UAB, uh, those teams have won every one of their their games in their tournaments as yeah, well. Yeah, so this is like some crazy. So what's the name of this conference again? Conference, conference USA. USA. All right, and what do we have the record th- this postseason? Mackenzie, look that up. It's uh, sixteen and one. Yep, sixteen and one. And Mackenzie, if you don't mind, can you look at the ATS on that? Maybe the margin. All right. So they could we'll, legitimately win all three postseason tournaments. Yeah. So Charlotte <laughs> won the CBI. Now, isn't this conference pretty much breaking up? Yes. <laughs> so go ahead. Charlotte won the CBI tournament. Uh, there's a game being played right now, but the the favorite in the game that's being played right now is it from Conference USA. The other team who's going to be in the championship game of the NIT is from Conference USA, so it could be an all NIT matchup in Conference USA. Is, where's the NIT out here? here? Here, Orleans. Is that the place your mm-hmm. brother worked? I, I always romanticize the NIT. You want to go? Scott I'm, can get you tickets. That's what I'm thinking. Thursday night. You want to sit courtside? Who's going to play? Who's in the finals? <laughs> It'll probably be North Texas and you. You want to get a suite? What do you, you want to do? <laughs> you, I mean, who wants to? Does anyone want to go? You, would you go? I don't well, know. Why don't we think on it? If sure. You, if you want to go, yeah. I mean, Steve, if you want it, why don't we do it? I got to make money. You, I live wager. Oh, it's opening day, Major League Baseball. Ah, uh, all right. Well, we'll do something at the Orleans at some point. Um, MJ, I know you guys just had the MJ experience. What Ooh. Motown? What, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, see, the, like the we had Scott's brother hooked it up. Well, like nice. Gonzaga St. Mary's, like it was clearly a hot ticket, and we were front. Oh, and the center. Gonzaga travels well. Oh yeah, we were center court, two rows off the floor. I, I tell you, even oh, go ahead. I bet there's a lot of good seats available in the final ten minutes on the St. Mary's <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah. Yes, the, there the, were. The St. Mary's, so the Gonzaga student section was packed. St. Mary's is like nobody. Now, that brings up an interesting point. Now, I've never seen an NBA game. I've seen a lot of college games. Like in person? Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, Vegas, the rumor is Vegas it got a team. I mean, it's like it's yeah, already they're building, they're building an arena on Las Vegas Boulevard. So you, but it's not official. But what they're building the arena? Yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron but, has said he yeah. wants to own Where? a franchise in Vegas. That's, my guess is they're casino. not going to tell him no. By, uh, and that's my understanding is LeBron will be part yeah. of it. Las Vegas Boulevard by uh, 215 and Blue Diamond. So, oh, okay. So like not... in between the South Point and Mandalay Bay, like so in tip that of area. the strip. Okay, yes. Bally High, yes. by Bally High. Yeah. yeah. Because I tell you this, I will seriously consider getting season tickets. Because to me, if you can sell them, you can sell them when you don't on these ticket sites yeah. now. Absolutely. And then you know, just pick, go to ten games a year, but mm-hmm. just see Giannis when he comes mm-hmm. to town. I mean, that's a good. I mean, probably that's, won't play. Well, game time decision. Giannis isn't that type. Yeah. But it does. It does. Tend to show you. I know we're hitting Embiid here. <laughs> Poor Embiid. We'll get to that. Um, another question: Do we look at? Is that mine? Do we look at Gonzaga and 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 Houston? And do we say that if you're not in a major six now? Again, maybe it's different now if we're looking at this Florida Atlantic. But it does feel like in general the top ten type teams that aren't from a major six conference underperform. 
I mean, Gonzaga has underperformed now year after yeah. year after year. Now, they do make the Sweet 16. Yeah, I don't know. if They, they underperform once they they get past the first couple rounds. But I, I think— Because when, so when they play teams like they play in the regular season and they're favored the, by 10, they do fine. The body they beat UCLA. The body of work was fun. Well, I'm not saying they never do. They beat a UCLA with their two best defenders out, but I never am they saying they covered against UCLA. I, well, yeah, because but what I'm saying is not that they never win, but in general, there's an expectation. I mean, if you look at their ATS record from the round of 16 on, it's going to be pretty bad. I agree. And my question is, isn't that the first time they're playing teams that are better than the standard uh, conference? Opponent for three months, yeah, because they've they haven't played anybody good since d- d- back in November and December of the holiday tournament. You're making my point. Yes. It does seem like, and wouldn't Houston fall in that category? Yeah, and Houston's. I mean, I guess they won. A, Houston won at once. No, they they oh they almost they lost in the final four to Baylor. Yeah, so I mean, well, re- I, if you're talking recently, yeah, five slam jam, they did not win. But yeah, twenty twenty one. They lost to Baylor in the final four the year Baylor won. So do you think there's anything to this? Sure. But you keep saying Gonzaga every I didn't pick Gonzaga to win the tournament. Go to the year. Final four? I did. So I mean what Well I'm... generally they get to the final four. That's that's No, they don't. I mean, it's like wherever they are ranked, they usually fall five or six slots below that. So if they're number one coming in. They'll make the finals, maybe, but we'll lose, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the undefeated year, they went to the finals. Yeah. They lost in the championship, yeah. Exactly. But what I'm saying is, at the point where they are getting... I you wonder know what? what they to, are to be, as underdogs. I know they got their butt kicked by Baylor, but if 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 you flip one game, the narrative totally changes. No, like the, the Buffalo then Bills. Is it, no, the narrative would be, except for that one... Is what we'd well, be we're saying. talking about what, what big losers Virginia is of all time, but since they won the championship, eh, they're okay. Well, net net they are, but they are susceptible. Because they won that one year. They if they are, didn't, they'd but be... they are susceptible. Virginia is susceptible to being upset. Yes, but if they didn't, if they'd lost like in yeah. the semifinals, then we'd say they're losers. Steve, I understand that this country counts rings. Yes. I, but but I'm saying in general, when there's a trend, like if if there's a politician that someone hates, but they do something good, like Trump did. Uh, prison reform he worked with some people and it was really you know if you like prison reform it was a great thing even the democrats would say yeah trump was fine on that reform but man and then boo 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 is in general you can have one thing that people will acknowledge but if it still is the other things are still 90 to 1 or 90 to 10 against i think people will say yeah but mm-hmm. right um well let's think about this. Who's like a big choker right now in any sport that we think that's a choker? James Harden. Yeah, yeah. If James Harden wins a title this year, that's a good good example. If James Harden wins a title this year, they're gonna say, Yeah, but he wasn't the number one player on his team. So there'll be some acknowledgement of it, but people get their narratives they don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. but but I guess my question is that's interesting. Mackenzie, can you look at Gonzaga in the tournament? When they are favored by uh, three or less, or are underdogs, give me a game by game. This this would be when they're playing someone as good as them. Yeah. Let's say, but it seems like in, I mean, but I guess Butler when they were rolling, they almost beat Duke. So was getting beat in the final. They, Butler went to the final four back to back years. They went to yeah. the championship. Yeah, championship. Yeah. And I they were never seated better than, and I, I think they were like a seven and maybe or an eight, and then the other yeah. year maybe a four. So that's exceeding expectations Big for time. sure. 
So you don't do you? I'm asking you as the college basketball expert, trying to find patterns in this madness. Do you see that for now on that maybe, at least based on the current realities of the market, that these teams and small conferences struggle? I mean, UNLV certainly did when Tark had the Rebels rolling here. They would underperform in the tournament. They'd be like thirty and two. They were playing in the old whack, I think, and and they were rolling. And then they'd get, and they they'd get. I mean, they got beat in the finals with the best team ever. Some people think it does seem like there's something about not having close games. I agree. Then you it have makes when sense. you have a close game, and it, you're you, not battle tested. You're not battle tested. What do you think? I think there's something to that. Oh. We see. I mean, but we also see two teams from non-power five conferences in the final four right now. Okay. So if one of them wins, does that invalidate all but this? I think it doesn't. It's one more piece of evidence. Right. But I don't think they have. I'm saying teams that see, here's the thing, though, and we'll move on. Teams that never play anyone as good as them are different than being in a small conference. So this Florida Atlanta team was what, like 30 and three or whatever yeah. entering the tournament. That one you could say, hey, they, they don't play anyone as good as them. But did they how many games did they win? As let's say Pickham or Dog, did they have some nice wins against good teams? They were Dog in their conference tournament final against UAB. Yeah, so I would say maybe that's what. To me, it's I know this. Whenever you play anything, poker, whatever, when you get to a level that's above your typical level, even if you're two levels above your typical level, it feels different. I can't play five ten. I like I suck at five ten because. I, I, my, I, I play. I, it feels no. I, I don't play my 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 B plus game. I play my C game. I I just collapse. So Scott, you had I'm really admittingly an amazing performance with your softball team. You guys went to Florida. What's it been about a month now? Oh, more than that, that was in January. That was January. Yeah. Boy, time just keeps flying. All right. All right. And you um you guys got what place? Fifth, Fifth. out of how many teams? Fifty six. And it was literally, it was open softball, meaning there was no, like, you had to be over a certain age. You couldn't play yeah. pro. It was anyone. Mm -hmm. could, and there were, like, numerous, like, what percentage of the opponents of the teams you guys played would you say had at least a minor league, like, a stint in the minors? Was there any sense of that? I'm sure a few. Most, I mean, I'm sure a lot of former college ball players. And, yeah. You know, so guys, people with ex ball playing experience for sure. And you never played college base. Did you play college baseball? Yeah, for a little. Oh, you did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but but did you like? La I mean, like, let's just say you didn't. How much did you play? I would just say it like that. Didn't make the team. All right. So you didn't make the <laughs> division team. three. All right. So, so perfect. All right. So meaning these guys' pedigree was a lot better than you were in the team coming in, but you guys overperformed greatly. But the, I'm guessing the first game or two, unless you have played in this level tournament before, it felt like, did you feel nervous? Did you feel like this Thought is I was going to urinate my pants. <laughs> okay, right? Literally. And you guys lost the first game, right? No, we won oh, the first oh, game. Right. Well, you, we put, you play two pool play games, and then you go into the double elimination bracket. So we won our first pool play game, and then we lost our second pool play game to South Florida, Four to three, uh, four to three, or Central Florida, excuse me, four to three. Central Florida wound up winning the entire thing. Wow! And they went undefeated in the bracket. When they won the entire thing, and had we have beaten them, I, their path to the championship would have been our path to the uh -huh, championship. Uh -huh. And they had said we were the best team they played the entire tournament, which makes me like feel like proud, yeah. but also makes me feel upset because, like, if we would have just won that game, we would have probably beaten the teams that they beat because you know. They said that we were their best competition. But you know what? I, I think what RJ's talking about is like, so think about this. Well, okay. when, when you guys say, like, when the, their softball rankings are like A through E or whatever, right? 
if you guys played if you guys played in the next division up mm-hmm. that you weren't used to playing in. Like Which in a way, this tournament was compared to the normal softball that they play. Yes, it would be my analogy. They're playing softball here in Vegas all the time. All yeah. the time. Now you've stepped up on a it, national level. Yeah, at a national, and it feels like it's maybe that you're not good enough. But it's maybe you're good enough, but you don't know it yet. But I would say like these teams going up and facing power five teams would be like you going from a a, a D bracket division to like a, a C or a B, right? No, no, no. Because the theory is, and maybe it's not applicable here, but if you're tearing it up, if you're the best city team and you're beating, no one in Vegas can ever beat you – and you go national after that, there's going to be a sense of like, wow, these guys are different. It's like tennis players say that all the time. When they when you go up a level in tennis, they're putting spins on the ball, things that you just can't even fathom by watching it, and it's just different. Yep. And, have, I mean, you play a little tennis, right? Uh, yeah, and the, and the big difference is not that necessarily these guys hit the ball harder. But the the spins are just incredible. The way they can disguise it, and 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 they they've got every shot. You know, yes. And it's something I, I, watching you don't even see necessarily. No, I think there's always an adjustment when you when you step up in in level of competition that you might not not necessarily know where you stand until you face that competition, until you get to that level, until you play these teams. I mean, so isn't like, it if, like- you, if you look at like the non conference schedule for some of these teams that never play a top caliber team. You don't know how they'll do until they actually play. And they don't know. Again, that's what I'm saying. They don't know. You don't know. They don't know until they actually do play a team. You know, fighting is your, you know, your UFC expert, AJ, is like well, the first time Ta- Tyson got stood up to, he was never the same after that. And you know what? It's not that his, he deteriorated so much. At least initially he was still, it was like people weren't scared of him anymore. Yeah. And and to me, I do think, I mean, we got the numbers. Mackenzie did a good job. When Gonzaga's been an underdog in the tournament since 2005, they're 6-9 and nine against the spread. All right? That's minus five points per game. And their straight-up record in those games, 4-11. and 11. All right? So that's to the left. So, I mean, again, we got, what, 17 years of data. It's 15 games. They underperform, and I bet their record. Can you give me the record in the other when they're favored? I bet it's pretty damn good, right? And yeah. it, it's a different game when you're favored by 14 than when you're a three point underdog, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's why, like, going back through, like, if you go like the last 20 years, there's one team that's won who didn't come from a power conference, and it's, it, I think it's a, it's a very tall hill to climb. And that team is. Uh, the 2014 UConn team that was when UConn was in the American Conference. Yeah, but that well, you would it was say. a better conference then than. But but I would make the case that UConn had just come out of the Big East, right? Yep. So I mean, and like L- Louisville was in that conference, Cincinnati was in that conference. It was a better conference. It just wasn't a. It wasn't considered a power conference. Man, I'm looking at this score. It's just interesting. The Hornets were up on the Thunder. Thunder was on the brink of making the playoffs or the play-in. And they were down by like 12 points with like four minutes left. They've tied it up. 32 seconds left. It's, it, I tell you, the NBA did a good thing with this play-in. Oh, it it, it makes so much sense. It, it's, it's, it stops the tanking. Or it minimizes the tanking. I mean, I yeah. And, and who who doesn't like single elimination playoffs? Yeah. So we could play unders. So, <laughs> so, so I, I I like that. I, you know, it's funny. To me, I I didn't like ever do like adult sports. I mean, I I enjoyed playing when I was in my twenties a lot of basketball, but I was never at that level. Is I think even just having played even on a high school team and suiting up and and, and you know 
you, you learn a little something. Maybe you know 20% of what a pro athlete knows, but, but if you don't do that, you don't know any of it, right? And at least the stuff you can learn from doing it. So I think it's always interesting. I, I always, whenever I meet someone that used to play professionally and I'm on the radio with them, um, what's this dude's name? He's a, he, he was on ESPN New York. You'll know him. Uh, the, the, he played for the Giants. He was like a D tackle, and then he ended up getting something national. Uh, Chris Candy. Yeah, Candy. Um, he's a he's a prickly guy on air <laughs> for sure. And it was so funny because like I was like whenever someone is a I did that show for three years with uh, Rothenberg, right? Dave? Rothenberg. Yep. Yeah, Rothenberg. Mm -hmm. Nice guy and um, real nice guy. And um, he and there was one other guy on the show and. Canty was like really combative right off the go. <laughs> I had no idea who he was or anything. Yeah. So whenever someone's combative with me, I just go full on. So I'm attacking him every week. I'm coming in like, like, <laughs> like giving him like a dunce cap when he says something dumb. And then finally Rothenberg goes, you know he's 6'8", right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was so much easier on the on the yeah. ISDN not to worry about it. <laughs> but he, he was fun. It was fun. We actually did a... Um, $5,000 charity bet two years in a row where we bet heads up every week, one mm -hmm. game each, and whoever lost had to donate 5000 to the other charity. Now, somehow, I actually lost the last week. I We were tied. When I, I lost the... His charity was the Chris Canty charity, right? <laughs> oh, his so foundation. Not him himself, but his yeah, foundation, no, yeah. which I think it was probably on the up and up, right? Sure. It took like three days when I hadn't sent a check out, he was like texting me nonstop. But okay. <laughs> I won the second year going away. Somehow our charity never got the money. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The, the human fund. <laughs> so <laughs> listen, hopefully maybe you'll hear about this and want to yeah. like, like donate. Cause we, I think we did a, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, because I'm always, a, I mean, to me, whatever charity you feel for adults, I feel a lot more for kids. Mm -hmm. Just because I'd say they don't, they can't help it, right? Like, yep. like, I mean, adult, you could say, oh, his dad was mean to him, or, but still, you got control. You do. It, you might not have the same opportunity as the next person, but you got the chance. Kids don't have a chance. A little eight-year-old kid ain't going to overcome his, you know, if, if he's got someone beating him up, what, uh, is the foster home owner, what are you going to do? Nothing, right? Nothing. And Chris Canty doesn't care. <laughs> Is that the headline? <laughs> no, I'm guessing. It's true. It's true. I wouldn't say if it weren't. It's because he's 6'8". But, but I'm guessing it was an oversight. We'll see. I mean, it's been like two years ago. So. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think maybe, you know, he left the show and then he, you know, nah, nah. now he's national. Yeah. yeah, you would think that's when you pay. You know, that reminds me of the famous story of a guy uh, in college I lent him like 200 bucks, right? He was a good friend. I mean, I grew up with him. And he came to Vegas like 15 years later and he hit a royal flush. I had forgotten about that money. Royal on the machine, right? Doesn't, nothing happen, all right? He hits a second royal like 20 minutes later. Oh. He says, you know something? I think I can pay some of that money back, he goes. And I'm like, some. That, that's what it took. It took two royal flushes. To pay some of it back? To pay some of it back. Wow. As they come over for the hand pay, he's like, you know, you give RJ like 20 of those bucks. They said when Stu Younger late in his career would ever win a poker tournament that there would be like a line around the corner. Oh, <laughs> Time to pay me back, Stewie. The hunter becomes the hunted, Fez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they say that back when he would he played one last time at the Bellagio, at Bobby's room, 
This is in uh, one of a kind. And he, he somehow got a bankroll where he was playing like the highest limits. And they said the, li- the, the list was long. <laughs> yes. Because they knew he was going to blow up at some point. All right. So Gonzaga and those teams, we question. Uh, it's a good thing with Connecticut because maybe we segue here. If you had to pick a tournament winner at the current odds from here, who would it be? You had to have thought about this. Uh, I hadn't actually. Scott, we were talking before the show. There's that famous Ken Palm criteria to for champions. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's go over that and see who meets the bill and who doesn't. Yeah, so you have to have a top 20 uh, adjusted offensive efficiency mm-hmm. and uh, 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 up, uh, adjusted defensive efficiency okay. as well. So this is Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. He gives him a number on offense and defense. It gets adjusted for things like strength of schedule, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And when we say top 20, we mean one of the 20 best teams in the country, even though there's 300 and almost 60, I think, right? 363. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and since 2002, mm-hmm. if you add up the national champions, both offensive and defensive efficiency mm-hmm. numbers, the, every single champion except for one of them, the sum was less than 50. Okay, but if you have to be top 20, it would be less than 50 no matter what. That's what I'm saying. So that, that, I'm just giving you the background of... of I, I think what I think what you're saying is the top 20 is the criteria, mm-hmm. and that's been met maybe like all times but three maybe in the last 20 years. And then the whole 50 thing shows even the outliers were close is what yeah, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. Does that make sense, Steve? Yes. So, so since 2000, the only, the only outlier was 2014 UConn. Who had that incredible run? So with they Shabazz went outlier Napier. another yeah. time. Wow. Right now, there's only one team left that fits that criteria this year, and that is the UConn Huskies. I got to tell you, McKenzie's got a nice little look at this. McKenzie's got a nice little sheet here. So we've got the all right. So this is the overall ranking. Then you got the offense and the defense. All right. So Florida Atlantic on offense is 25. On defense is 29. Right, I think that adds up to more than 50, Fez. Is it? Agreed. Okay. But that said, let's be candid. That's close. That's close. Okay. San Diego State, 75 on offense, four on defense. Good under team. Good under team, but 79. I mean, that's way off. And now Miami, a five ranking on offense, a 104 on defense. And Connecticut, number three on offense, number 11 on D. And you were saying entering the tournament, Ken Palm AJ was uh, had him. Can I get four? Yeah, it? they're number one now. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying top twenty offense, top twenty defense, mm-hmm. and it's all teams except one. Every champ since 2002, except for one, and that was the 2014 UConn team. So does that, Steve? Does that make you like UConn more? In this case, they would meet the criteria. Certainly doesn't make me like them less. How, having said that, well, yeah, obviously. I, well, it's an obvious question. <laughs> well, but no, what I'm saying is, is does it? But that's an interesting point because the reason I asked that question was to say, does this make it where it's almost like the conversation's over? Maybe is the way I'm like how how you're right. That was a loose question. So let me be more specific. How big of a factor is that for you? Not the numbers in Ken Palm, but just history tells us that teams got to be pretty good on offense and pretty good on defense. And if you're not, you don't win. And we got only one team that's pretty good on offense and pretty good on defense. I think the fact that they're very good on offense and very good on defense is telling. If they were, if they just qualified, I'd say, ah, big deal. Everyone stinks this year. Because it's kind of an arbitrary. Like if one of them was 19 and 18 and the other was 24 and 29, like like Floor Atlantic is, you're saying, hey, it's close enough. There was an arbitrary split 
that was reverse engineered. And make- everyone sucks this year. So being top 20 is no big deal. But the fact that Connecticut st- st- were staring at like single digit top five numbers for offense and defense does make me think. But, but when you say everyone sucks, the stats are relative. So how much a suck or don't suck is built into the numbers, right? Well, I guess what I'm saying is if you took this Florida Atlantic team and they would have played their, uh, the same schedule like seven years ago, they wouldn't be in the top 20. They're benefiting from the fact that the field across the yeah, board is but, weaker. But every but w- the question is your competition, right? Yeah. So let's say there was a stat that said, okay, in high school basketball, if a team is less than six three, they never win the California state title if they average. Okay, well, if you go to the NBA, maybe that six seven is the but it's the same concept, but it's relative to your competition. So right now, Connecticut is the third best offensive team relative to competition, and they're the eleventh best defense. Does it really matter how good if the league would like back in Patrick Ewing's days, things were so much better? But wouldn't the question be what your relative score was or ranking was? I guess where I'm going is that I think if you were ranked 15th, like like 10 years ago, you're way better than the 60th best team. And now I don't I don't see much. Of oh, a difference okay, so at you're all. saying because you think things stink, it's not that the whole normal the distributions all moved down. You think it's fattened up in the middle? Yes. Okay. Okay. See, I don't think See, you had much... a loose answer there, Fed. Yeah, so I don't think like like to use an example, Miami, uh, Florida Atlantic, Sa- um, San Diego State. You know, all these teams. I think you could just throw them. You know, Michigan State. You know, Indiana. You could throw like fifty teams. And and if you look at like all these teams were very unlikely to get here, and the, the, other than Connecticut coming in. So let's look at the opening odds. Uh, and then we also have Ken Palm has this low point saying, what's the worst point of each game this team was at? And we figured, hey, let's do some multiplication and figure out yes. what the real odds were. First of all, let's look at the preseason, uh, or not preseason, it was entering the tournament, right? Pre tourney. Connecticut was 17 to 1. San Diego State was uh, 65 to 1. Miami, 45 to 1. Florida Atlantic, 200 to 1. All right. Now, they were a nine. It was a nine eight. Was it? Yep. Yep. And who they play? Memphis. Memphis. Man, so Memphis might be like the fifth best team. Memphis almost won. Memphis is not the fifth best team. Well, they the almost won. Right? The game was a coin flip. I know. And then I mean, Drake almost beat Miami. Well, that's the point, right? <laughs> There's a lot of randomness. So there right is, now we could be talking about how good Drake and and Memphis are. <laughs> you know, keep those odds up. I want to see what the low point was or the high point on the season. So entering the season, Connecticut was eighty to one. You could have an 80 to 1 ticket. Uh, someone would be, I got a 61. Yeah, in I got, pocket. I got an 81 in pocket. All right. San Diego State was 100 to 1 as of early February. Wow. And Miami was 100 to 1 at the start of the season and 200 to 1 for Florida Atlantic. So every team was available in triple digits, except, well, I guess Connecticut was 80 to 1. That's wild. It is. That is wild. So, AJ, you said something earlier. You said you think Florida Atlantic is better than San Diego State. No. Oh, better than, than Miami. Miami. I think Miami is the worst team left in this tournament. Oh, okay. And, and Miami could play Florida Atlantic in the finals. Yeah. That was your point. But but the seeds were way different. Yeah. And, and entering the tournament, one's 200 to one, and Miami was 45 to one. So they thought more than a 4X chance for Miami. But you're yeah. saying, no, Florida Atlantic's better. Florida Atlantic's better. And you think, now, correct me if I'm wrong, they beat Purdue, right? Or they uh, weren't the one to beat Purdue. No, they they got they got a bye. They got to play Fairly Dickinson because okay. they because Purdue got beat. Okay, by Fairleigh but Dickinson. in theory, this would have been 
a real if you like Florida Atlantic, you could have thought Final Four just because Purdue was the weakest number one seed for sure, yes. right? That now that's interesting, isn't it? So Steve, I always like to lament when we miss something. Should we have caught this? You're gonna get mad at me. If Not you got, only, if you got a bet on it, I got half of it. No, my my buddy Will Hill told me to bet it. And I didn't bet it. Yeah, but I mean, listen. He I, nailed I, it. That's fine, but let's be honest. If, if you bet every time someone you know says something, you'd be broke. True. So what I'm saying is, someone had it. Give him credit. I, I, you know, apparently he listens to the show. I wish we could take credit for it. But, <laughs> but, but the, the guy. Hey, listen, he had conviction too, though. And and he's what, done what, well what, throughout. Yeah. yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is, it's easy. Like on my bracket. I could have easily had someone in the final four. Sure. I wouldn't take any credit for it if I didn't if I didn't say bet this thing. He had conviction saying this this is a team that's gonna do something. But I'm saying could we in so credit due for sure. Could we have seen this? Meaning, I gotta be honest with you, I blame you. <laughs> and <laughs> I could blame me, but it'd be a mistake. Here's what I mean. You are so frazzled, you're so, you never sit. And it seemed like I'm thinking about the second take on it's a you got these instant moves and like you make you, you a lot of short term micro transactions you do well with. But the big thing, I think we you know, you need to do start smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Can I go cigars? Cigar. Yeah. Like sometimes I like pot. cigars. Here's why I don't I, I don't blame anyone for not catching this. I think you're right. Purdue was the weakest one seed. But I think if you replayed the East region five times, you'd probably have five different winners. I liked Memphis, but if that's get, why I thought it was a tough matchup round one. What were the odds to win the or to make the Final Four for them? Anywhere from forty to one to twenty-five to one for All right. Florida. Atlanta. So if if you replay a bunch and there's a bunch of different winners and you got a forty to one, that's one of those winners. You've done pretty well, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think maybe that's what we got to do for now on. Is and that's going to be a rule. Actually, I'm I'm making a decision. This is going to be like instead of the gavel, we're going to have. That means that we made it a rule, which is whenever we go into something new, the NBA playoffs, the NFL playoffs, the NCAA tournament, whatever, a whole season of NFL. Everyone is going to have to propose. This isn't likely, but I could see this happening, and we just talk it through. Mm-hmm. Right, I could see like the Jaguar. I'll give you one today when, uh, we, when we start doing Major League Baseball. You got that? I love it. I'll it's, give you one. This isn't likely, but I can see it happen. And you, you can see a path. Lay out the path, yeah. and, and that's it. Because if you lay out the path, we can counterpunch it and sure. say we disagree. We, but I think we'll come up with some nice long shots that way, because it does feel like this was this was discernible. This was one you could have seen. I I, I Certainly agree, and I also agree with your point. Like, like Connecticut, like on on paper, they should win this tournament. There's, uh-huh. there's. I do have one trend that's anti-Connecticut. Go ahead. Okay, so how does a team do in the final four? That's absolutely kicking ass. Let me define kicking ass. Oh, I like this. They won last game by 15 or more points. Mm-hmm. Check. They won all their other games in the tournament by double digits. Mm-hmm. Check. Mm-hmm. So trending up in theory. Four straight blowouts and the most recent game, you know, blow up by 15 points. How do they do in their final four game, first game? One and seven against the spread. Oh and five as a favorite. Now, I like that. I like that a lot because it's the pricing of it. Yes. And it's college kids with a second week at home. Strutting around, that I mean, they're done Sunday or whatever, or Saturday or Sunday. I guess based on you know what 
Well, yeah, because some tournament, some regions ended Saturday, right? Right. And now, now it doesn't. Do we think AJ that that rest? I guess Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Saturday doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. Okay. Um, but I think those kids are going to get fat headed. Some of them do. I know I would. Well, yeah, you never won anything. You're already fat head. I mean, like think. Well, I guess not in sports, but you're not fat headed in sports. So, okay. Yeah, if I won two super contests, I you know. Right, AJ, you'd be like I'd, I'd strutting be a, around. I'd be a little strutty. But let's admit, Scott. Before the show, we were talking about you guys are going to enter a baseball. Like uh, um, Westgate has a win baseball totals. win total mm-hmm. prediction contest, and Fez won a um, uh, over. Uh, it was over under for the NFL win total at the same place. Like what year ago? Or two I, years ago. The last two years, I placed in top five. Okay, second place and a fifth place. Okay, so he goes. I go. Hey, you guys going to run down and do that? And Fez goes. I will. And then he leans back and goes, maybe I'll just put another notch in the belt. <laughs> that that was a little much. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, yes. <laughs> but I'm not saying I wouldn't mm-hmm. be confident if I was him. <laughs> All right, so where are we? What are we talking about? Oh, um, I do think the pricing on that's the factor in the kids in the head. So so and this is the late game. Okay, so this is 530 uh Pacific time, uh, 830 Eastern. So Saturday night. No hurry. No hurry to bet the Miami Hurricanes. Current line's painted five and a half. I'm confident mm. that you're going to get a six on this game, if not better. Now, do, is this your game of your best bet? No. Okay, so give me your handicap on this game. Uh, the handicap is I actually like the over in this game. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of points to be scored in this game. But UConn is a – like Miami got lucky in a way that Texas's big man, Dylan DeSue, didn't play in their game. It let Miami have a lot at the rim, and he's he's their number one rim protector. He wasn't there. They got their first 10 points off of layups. Like, they were just attacking the basket, mm-hmm. which is what they want to do. You can't really do that against UConn. UConn has elite shot blockers. They, they're going to make it very difficult on you to score around the rim, which means Miami's going to have to shoot, which they're willing to do. They're just not good at shooting. Uh I think that they they're going to force. So I'm confused. So you're saying against Connecticut, the teams that's going to do well against them shoot outside and shoot well from the outside. Yeah. Okay. And have they played any of those teams in this tournament? Mm. I mean, Gonzaga is probably the best of them. But you remember Arkansas? I said Arkansas can't shoot from outside. Mm-hmm. Arkansas couldn't shoot from outside. They had no chance. Like it was pretty well, evident. Apparently, they had enough chance to scare you off a of bat in it. <laughs> if we can just move forward. <laughs> but, I mean, it was obvious about five minutes in that the Arkansas had no path to points. Did you they, call me? And no, I, I, mean, I, I definitely wasn't going to call you. <laughs> but it, because they couldn't, they had a hard time getting points at the basket and they can't shoot, it, there was just no path to, to offense for them. Miami, what, they, what Miami does do is they get to the line a lot. They got to the line a lot against Texas. Well, uh, now that's interesting because the way you get to the line is drive to the basket and yes. contact. And UConn will foul you they they foul at a very high rate which is why i like okay so you're saying get to the double bonus or yeah all right any instinctual thoughts on that i like the over i i there's talk they've they they switched out the basketball they had the basketball that no one could shoot with and now there's talk that they're using the basketballs when did the switch happen when the totals went six and two over yeah no no they the, the when when we went to the round of 16. So, the, so that's when the totals were. I mean, you realize that, that when you say you hear, what does that even mean? I can't find anything. I'm trying querying it on so, the internet. So Nobody's wh- talking about so it. So where did you hear it? All, all I heard was like like Mark Few and everyone complaining about how the basketballs uh-huh. like sucked. So, But you were saying you heard they switched them out. 
buddy of mine, Vito. Oh, Vito. Okay. Um, you got the you got the over unders for the tournament and for yep. the last round or two. Yeah. So in the Sweet Sixteen, the uh, overs went six and two full games, and in the Elite Eight, it was split two and two. Okay, so eight and four. Yeah, mm -hmm. and first half unders in the Sweet Sixteen, th uh, unders went three and five, so the overs five and three, and then Elite Eight split two and two. So I would say in general that whole first half concept feels less. I guess it's more pertinent because the venues get bigger. So in theory, the sight lines, the first game of the weekend. And if, uh, that's a great point. Now we're playing in a football stadium mm -hmm. for the Final Four. Yeah. But I would say the teams are less nervous. These are teams that, that now are multiple games into the tournament. They're usually more pedigreed programs. But now they're not pedigreed. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Now, listen, this this might be simple, but it's a powerful concept. Only one team worse than an eight seed has ever even, if I'm not mistaken, even made the finals. It was Maybe that Kentucky right. team that was an eighth seed, I think. So no team worse than a seven's ever uh, – Made the finals. Villanova won as an eight. Okay, so oh, you know maybe that it, they're either eight or nine. They were in the they were at eight. Yeah, I think that yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was against Georgetown eighty five. Yep. Um, Mackenzie, can you find me the final, the, just whatever the most pertinent final four stat is with the break point? All right, so eighty five. Yeah, that, they yeah. were poorly seated though. All right, does, four, I don't, I don't four times that. a number eight seed has made it. To the finals. To the right, finals. So no one worse than an eight. Villanova, 85. Butler, 2011. Kentucky, 2014. So my original point stands. No and team, UCLA in No team worse than an eight. Where I was wrong was the, the Kentucky was an eight, but so was Villanova. Yeah. No team worse than an eight has ever made it. Has ever made it. And there's three teams. Oh, wait. So the seeds here currently. Nine, five, five, four. Okay. Florida Atlantic Florida Atlantic's the nine. the only one that would be the outlier. Yep. Yep. Isn't that interesting? We don't have one double-digit seed, though it's supposed to be such a— like, We had—there there was uh, there's been four 11 seeds that have made the Final Four. George Mason, right? You had Loyola? George Mason, you had VCU, and, and UCLA, mm -hmm. and Loyola, yeah. They were playing, right, when they, they did the—UCLA was a playing, I think. That yep. So it was VCU. Right. Oh, okay. VCU and UCLA went from the first four to the Final Four. So— Faz, this tends to back up your theory that it's just we've lopped off the top 20 teams, just smooshed them into the now the top 20 and the top 50 are kind of all mixed up. And you've got the numbers. Is that, that, how, is that how you see exactly. it? Exactly. You've got the numbers to show how fortuitous three of these four teams making the Final Four are indeed. I, yeah. I also think one one thing that's going around is, like, I mean, UConn is, it's the first Final Four for the other three teams ever. Yeah. UConn's the only one who's been to a Final Four, but everyone's saying, well, they're going to be less nervous. Miami's got the only coach who's who's been to a Final okay. Four. Okay. Okay. And that was... Um, Larinaga coaching with, uh, George, George Mason. Mason. Yeah. Okay. And George Mason, who beat UConn. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that being with the... Pro I mean, I was talking about the Marines or whatever. Like, imagine if you are in something... Like, I was watching... I love the Steelers, right? So I was watching uh, uh, the GM, the former GM, his farewell press conference. And... He said, I think I mentioned this before. He said, he goes, uh, he was tearing up a little bit or getting, you know, and he said, Colbert, last name. And he says, uh, he goes, I'm just proud at the end. I added two trophies to that, to the room or that room. So they must have a, you know, a place where the, tro the, the Lombardis are. And when he joined, they said, here's the four. And then when he left, he said to his guy, here's the six. That. Is powerful. If you're Omar, uh, I can't remember his last name. I, I think the new guy's a cap guy, but uh, Amir, I don't know. Look at McKenna. Well, don't worry about that. Is he 
now has to have confidence. He has pressure, but he also has to have confidence. I do agree. He does that kind of thing. I do agree. Like if you go into the Final Four. As someone from Duke yeah, even or Kentucky, you've never been there, or even the coach hasn't been. There. Yeah, there is, and if you're a, if you're a team, if you're from Florida Atlantic, and you look across the floor and you see uniforms that say Duke or Michigan State or UConn, you feel like, oh boy, we're not supposed to win this. Like, I, I do think there is like a a, a mindset think, of that. I think so. But and UConn would be the the fourth program ever to win a title with three different coaches if they were to win this year. Oh wow! It's Kentucky, Kansas, and North Carolina. The other three, so it's pretty damn good company. And did Naismith even win one? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, let's look at the well. Let's two things. Let's look at Connecticut and pressure because my point would be though they are pedigreed as a top, you know, fifty program generally. Whatever they were in the Big East, right? They're a top uh, like from pedigree standpoint. They're a top ten program of all time. Yeah. What's that list? It's UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. UConn's I'm just in, wondering when UConn gets in there. They're, they're at the, the bottom end of the top ten. All right. I think that's fair. I mean, they got three championships Indiana, in the last 20 years. Indiana, Michigan State. Yeah, but it's been going on since the 50s or the 40s, right? Sure. And and it's like saying, well. Is Indiana is Indiana not on that list? Is UConn above UConn's ahead of Indiana. Well, that's then you got the wrong list. I'm okay. talking about in the pedi- I'm talking about in the laurels of all time. Well, look at all time wins. That might be the simplest way to yeah. do it. Right? I'm it's, it's hard because you got programs like Georgetown that's like the, the, that have hit. Hard times. Well, that well, if you're a great program, you never hit hard. Well, but times. it's like I mean, yeah. if you or, count up exactly for short periods of time, you might. Like if you count up college football championships, Yale has as many as Michigan, okay. and it's like. Right, but but then then you could make the case, hey, what's the modern era? But I would certainly make the case, unless you want to like make John Wooden's uh, titles not count, that it's not going to be post 1980. Right? It's going to be Michigan's I, a good example by AJ. Michigan or Connecticut, like like which one of those make cracks the top ten? Right in, in, in college basketball. Yes, I could see that competitive. Right? I can't it's see Indiana. Close, right? But, but yes. Indiana's got the undefeated seventy six. Well, Indiana's just okay. So here's here's the top ten in wins all time: Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Temple. Do you think Temple is a top ten no. basketball program of all time? Well, yeah, I do, but I think they're on a. I think when what was his name? John Chaney. Chaney. Mm-hmm. They were a top. They were an elite program. Now it's been down for a while. So if we're talking about five year period, never you're won right. a championship. Though. Yeah, that's the thing. You've never won a championship. Never. Are you a top ten program? Yeah, you never you won a championship. You can't be. You can't be top ten. Uh, you never got one. I don't know. All right, go ahead. Uh, Syracuse is six. Okay, fine. UCLA seven. Uh-huh. Yep. Notre Dame eight. Uh-huh. St. John's nine. Okay, that all makes sense. Indiana ten. Uh huh. Where, where's Connecticut? Uh, Connecticut is twenty six. Yeah, but they twenty seventh. They haven't been around as long. As no, they've been around since nineteen oh one. Are we so, counting eighteen ninety four? So that's the point, right? It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. So here's something about the legacy. So Dan Hurley was on uh, a barstool podcast, and and he was talking about Jim Calhoun's uh, the advice, a conversation he had with Jim Calhoun when he first took the job, and he was upset about. The program that he inherited from Kevin Ollie, he said the program was pretty much, he said he was, quote, complaining about just how big the mountain it was to climb, how messed up the program was, and he, meaning Calhoun, looked at me with a serious scowl, then called me a bleeping baby and said, get your head out of your bleep, this is UConn, son, end quote. 
Now that's interesting, right? Now it, that that's what you're talking about, right? So it if, is, it, 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 you know, is, like that's is. what you're talking about. It's it's living up to this legacy. And so Dan Hurley takes this job. He has that conversation with Jim Calhoun. Now there's a legacy to live up to. Connecticut I, has the. I, I think it's right on. Connecticut has the same amount of national championships as Kansas. They've got more than Villanova, more than Michigan State. If they win this year, they will be one of six teams with five national titles. And, and I think it's fair to say that, the, and we don't, we're not going to get the right answer here, but they, some blend of how do you rank in wins, how do you rank in national titles, and then with a weight of emphasis of the last 10 or 20 years, probably is the algorithm, right? And, and I think Connecticut would be somewhere uh, in the teens. I don't. I mean, when I look at that top ten you listed, I don't know who they're supplant. Maybe Temple, but again, Indiana was eleven, right? I think the Indiana one is the one you can't say Indiana. I think you're probably right. Yeah, and it, and Indiana is one of those teams with five titles. So if if Connecticut wins this year, they've got the same amount of titles as Indiana. And, and you know, so the, but there's the movie Hoosiers. Like I don't know what, what, what the Huskies. Huskies yeah. The Huskies just isn't going to be the same thing. Well, they can make a movie about the women's program and Gino Ariema. <laughs> That's true. That, that, didn't they not make it this year for the first time? They got their butt kicked yeah they'd been final four like 10 plus straight years the idea i can tell you this at various times in my life i've never been a joiner so there's not a ton of times that i would say i've taken great strength from some organization i was part of but the few times i've ever felt any of that like with the steelers i'm not even part of the steelers but there is something to that the idea saying there's two more I think that if it affects me it's going to affect almost everyone because i think i'm just less inclined to that I think it's a powerful concept, man. It's a great joy to think, if anything, it keeps the generations going. The idea of you winning or losing or trying hard at minimum, that it's going to affect people in the past, that is coming up years later. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful concept, man. I mean, like, listen, the military in the U.S. is one of the most powerful, or let's say this, it's the most powerful ever. It's one of the most productive organizations that's ever walk the earth, meaning that for what their intention was and what they do, the American military is elite. And they have a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's a lot of, you know, hey, if you're in your dress, I'm no expert. You're in your dress fatigues or whatever. I guess fatigues and dress don't go together. You, I mean, you're in it. Like you, uh, or you were in it, AJ, is when it came time to, I still remember in Heartbreak Hill. When he, you ever see Heartbreak Hill? No. It was a Clint Eastwood movie. No, I don't he think He was so. like a Marine. Okay. And he was like always getting kicked out of shit. You know, he was tough. And, um, oh, mate, what was that movie? When he had the presidential, or he actually, when he went in his dress fatigues, he had, what is the one where you, uh, it's the Purple Heart, right? Is when you get hurt. Yeah. But, oh, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay. I can't remember what, Which, what. I don't, think ever, they've, I don't think they've ever presented it to a person who's alive. Like, it's almost always posthumously. Oh, uh, okay. But so, I think I think during this movie, they represented that, like, like they were talking about heart, some of, Heartbreak Ridge? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think it was that, or maybe it was, but um, that's a that's a movie where. But it it shows when he dresses up, it's like it's like this is the history. Like in Godfather Three, they said a V or a Michael. He goes, he's got the map of Sicily on his face. That the that the idea of look at him, you know what he is, right? Well, with the service, if you see like if you see someone, it, they could have been in it for twenty years, but if they don't have that special for like uh, foreign war, whatever, I don't. And you got all the, the ribbons and medals. Like yeah. you see, you you can tell a lot more about where someone's been and what they've done when you see yes. them in their dress. Where uniform. they've been and what they've done, and you were in the service, and I'm getting you're not a joining type generally. You're not like a club guy, you no. know. That you had to be stirred by that at different times, yeah, for right? Sure. 
I think it's just human, right? And to me, it's basketball. But if someone, when he says, this is Connecticut, that is... He says, son. Yeah. This is UConn, son. That's a great statement. <laughs> I mean, so he said it like the right way. Too. I mean, because Connecticut doesn't work as much, no. right? It's your, yeah. I think it matters. I, I don't disagree. And I can't help but, like, the eye test. They're, the Connecticut's just so much better than everybody else. They're going to kill everybody. And yet I'm looking at these trends that these teams fall on their face. So it's very what, difficult. If I want to take the field, what do you give me? Let me look at what the odds are. If you, I, I'll let you lay a nickel less. You let me have minus one twenty. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lean at minus one twenty. Come <laughs> you on, just you said know they're how gonna much, kill everyone. I, no, I said that was my gut. Uh, and then I, I also said, like, I looked at this trend, and I'm like, you'd have to be a fool not yeah, to. But that's about look. covering. That's not about. Well, the line's only five and a half. Yeah, that, that, yeah. it was uh, soon to be six. How about one ten? You can lay minus one ten, three hundred. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. All right, thank you. I think this, I think Connecticut is never not used to, they might be UConn, but they're not used to being a favorite. Like pretty much there's guys like Fed saying they're going to kill everyone. That's a rare, very few teams are ever in that spot. I, you know, I, I think I can, I'll be probably rooting for you because I think all these lines are good. The, the, the Miami line's going to inflate and I'm going to be betting Miami plus six and a half. And then whoever, whichever one of these well, hopefully two. Hopefully Connecticut wins for you. And then whoever these, whatever crumb bum they play in the finals. The, 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 am I right that the line's going to be comparable six and a half for the finals? It'll be shorter. Shorter. You're sure. My, yeah. Even against Florida Atlantic, Florida Florida Atlantic would be probably five. Okay, uh, so project your lines in the uh, Florida Atlantic. UConn would be five. Uh, San Diego State UConn would be three and a half. Okay, okay, it's interesting. I think San Diego State's going to get more love than you because everyone can that de- like we've heard about three point shooting so long, and the way they shut down threes is a, a powerful like for the public. and they got the, the the eye test. They got athletes. And, and listen, Kawhi, that's where Kawhi was, right? Yeah. It, it, they can't a, shoot, but they got athletes. Just like Kawhi it, there <laughs> was, at the time. There was a sense, you know, if you can have Kawhi Leonard, who at the time was probably the best player in the NBA, that means you recruit, you know? I, yeah. I, people well, have this impression. There was a time in 2020 when the tournament got canceled. San Diego State, Brian Dutcher's team, was 30-2. and two. They were, they were expected to be a, a a Final Four type of team. Like there were people who thought this was like a, a team that could seriously challenge for a title, at thirty and two. And there, of course, there was no postseason. So tournament, that conference has just done horribly. They've had bad over luck the last the like t- bad sure. luck, or they they've, they've underperformed greatly. But would we say that San Diego State is more like a big? conference team well i remember when before the tournament started when we were talking about the mountain west teams i said this san diego state team is different than the san diego state teams of the past they're more athletic they're more like a team that 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 works in the tournament you know what i'm I'm gonna disagree here i know you're the college basketball expert but it sure looks like this is a carbon copy of every good san diego state team i've ever seen i assure you it's not they've got these great so what's the difference so that 30 and 2 team they were 332nd in tempo. Mm-hmm. Like they, everything was they a, a grind to them. This is like a middle of the road. Two, like they're about 260, but this is a team that has relatively Wait, 260. That's yeah. not middle of the road. There's not 520 teams. Uh, that's fair, <laughs> but it, it's. I mean, it's it's not a, a it's not, complete it's not slog. Sl- they're not the slowest. In the it's country. not but like like Virginia the year they won the championship. Their whole goal was to make the game as few possessions as possible. You, you know, but I read up about this, and they're kind of a slog noggle team like the past 
like two months that they they their pace was much faster, like non-conference, and then they went, they've reverted back to what San Diego State is. They've they've been really slow. But if anything, the past two months. Okay, now that's interesting. I thought you were going to say the tournament because to me, the problem with being slow is if you fall behind, you don't have another gear. If you can play moderate paced and be competent and you prefer slow, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. See, because AJ is right that, like, for the first half of the season, I think they were like middle of the road pace wise, mm-hmm. and they've been like 285 since, since, since okay. January. But let's admit, it seems like they have another gear that they're competent at, which is different, it sounds like, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> You know, I, I look back on these other San Diego why State are they, teams. Why are they doing so well? Luck, fortunate. Oh, well, unlo- the, the San Diego State teams lost a lot of, like, they, they, they'd win a couple games in the tournament, but then they'd lose in the sweet, so it's 16, right? I, I mean, they were competitive. No, but remember, we, we talked about games. the Mountain West hadn't won a tournament game in yeah, six years. Yeah, this is like they've been just horrendous. This is also a program that in 2020 was 30-2 and two mm-hmm. and going to be a two-seed in the tournament before it was canceled. Yeah. So it's I mean, who knows what kind of run they would have gone on then. Hmm. And Thirty and two is no fluke. Yeah, but and I agree. But in general, however, it's like Gonzaga that we were talking about. Is sure. You're going to have your expectation based on everything else, and now there's an influence saying maybe this conference is no good, or maybe. And I'm thinking thirty and two. Maybe they lose in round two. Like if they lose even the Sweet Sixteen, you would. Well, I guess they maybe. were going to be a two seed. So I mean, yeah, boy, if you're 30 and two, shouldn't you be a one seed? Um, <laughs> Depends who you play. <laughs> so, so your point. Oh, now have you been looking at that shot quality stuff? Oh yeah. All right. So we can tell how lucky it is. I mean, the luck is going to be how many of the opponent's shots. These yes. Is what's the sense on the shot quality? Maybe if you need a minute, you know, you you want to look at that? Yeah, I'll pull it up. All right. So why don't we do this? Uh, forced bet. We'll start with you. Not forced bat, forced opinion. AJ, if you had to take minus 110 or plus 110 on the field, Connecticut minus 110 or plus 110 on the field, what would you want? So Fez is bat. I want the field. All right. I want UConn. All right. Oh, now you, are you make you want to join the bet? Oh, I was going to go against AJ. Oh, you guys want to get <laughs> 100 yeah. on it? All right. Yeah. 100? Now, yep. I have a futures question. All right. So UConn minus 125 to win the, the title right now is the is, is that's the odds, mm-hmm. right? You have, mechanical parlay? You no. Oh. You have two of their players, Adoma Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins, are your two favorites right now to be the tournament most outstanding player. Sonogo is at plus two seventy. Hawkins is at plus three thirty. Everybody else beyond them, Isaiah Wong from Miami is twelve to one. Darian Trammell of San Diego State is twelve to one. Uh, so clearly, the the odds are indicative of UConn winning the national championship. We better off playing those two players or one of them to be the tournament most outstanding player. Is it a lock? That would be one There's of There's no two. other UConn player that's even close in the odds. So let's say let's say it's 80%. Yeah, it's got to be 100. Okay. Well, well one 100. of those two players will win. Okay. Well, well, if UConn wins the national championship, one of those two I'm, players I'm going to simplify win. the math here. Mm-hmm. So there's a 270 and a 330, dude. I'm just going to pretend they're both 300. Yeah, close yeah. enough for back well, of the envelope. here's this math right here. So if it's, it's minus 125, so let's divide that into two. So it's two, you know, 60, 250 bets. Right. It, instead of risking one twenty-five to win hundred, we're risking one twenty-five. You're getting even money. Splitting them. You're, you're getting even money betting it the way you're you're advocating playing the two. No, you'd actually ones. win a little more because no, no, why don't we do this? Let, let, I got the math right here. Let's let him walk through. Well, let's do this. I already did the math too. Mm. Okay. However, you guys want to do. It. <laughs> so Just, I'm let's gonna, make it quicker. All right. I'm going to bet hundred on each dude. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm risking two hundred. All right. If Connecticut wins it all, one of them's going to win MVP. Beautiful. I'm going to lose 100. I'm going to win 300. I'm going to net plus 200. So I risk 200. 
I win 200, so I get even money. Even money's better than what we're talking Minus about. Minus 125. Yes. Yep. There right. you go. Is that how you say it? Yes, pretty right. much. But but we're talking literally. If there's any chance of someone else, then you can't do it. Yeah. Even even if even if it's only ninety percent, that's going to compromise all of this. Yes. And so really, it sounds like it's priced exactly right. That it's there's almost a sure thing that it'd be one of these two, but there's a small chance it wouldn't be. Like uh, Andre Jackson Jr.'s plus fifteen hundred. Yeah. So he's fifteen hundred. Is in fifteen to one. Yeah, so well, he's like five percent. Yeah, that's a that's the difference, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I think that's price right. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like Scott. I think that that bet, if you had to choose between minus one twenty five and his bet, I think I like his bet. Okay, yeah. Now here, I think that's a good catch. Now here's the thing, I got a couple of other thoughts on this. I like Sunoco. I like saying that. <laughs> there, there, there was a gas station brand that was Sunoco. Yeah, but this is Sunoco. Oh, okay. S A N O G O. Oh, by the way, I was hearing people talking about Cockbringer. Kalkbrenner. Yeah. And they were doing it without laughing. And I just thought right You mean away, the professional announcers? Yeah, I just thought it's inauthentic. Okay. Well, I, I, I was very dismissive. Well, no one brought up how good of a three-point shooter Dixon Waters was. But, you know, I texted everybody when, uh, when the game was on, you know, and no one reacted. That That's code that he should have used on the show. I'm just saying no. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, in the last the last two rounds, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, the only team that was supposed to win both games per shot, shot quality was Miami, which is shocking to me. Ooh, so the one I bet, Miami, right? Yeah. All right. So Connecticut was supposed to lose. Connecticut was supposed to lose to Arkansas. So they just couldn't throw it in the ocean. So maybe you were right not having that bet. Uh, maybe so. I have no idea how watching that game. But, but, but the San Diego State opponents – did they do better or worse than they should have by shot quality? San Diego State should have lost to Alabama per shot quality. They went three for 27 from three. <laughs> Something yeah. maybe Alabama not that could, bad. So it was saying it, defense can't be that good is the point. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Um, Florida Atlantic was supposed to go 0-2 per shot quality. <laughs> okay. I got to be honest. The more, and again, I don't know that site all that well, but boy, it seems like the numbers the time, don't make sense. There anymore. are a lot of times when I'm, I watch a game and then I see the shot quality score and I'm like, that doesn't make it. But, but again, I'm you know who knows, and and it's just it doesn't it doesn't feel as intuitive as it. But you know maybe that's part of the value of it. But okay, here's my thought on the MVP. If someone other than Connecticut wins, mm -hmm. chances are pretty damn good. You can't have a team that's that weak relative to NCAA champions of the past and win it if your best guy or guys don't dominate. Most of those, like the scenario of Florida Atlantic winning involves their best players playing really well, right? You could see uh, Connecticut having one of their two having an off game and still win. Oh, that's, that is a right? point. That is a good point. So yeah. my question is, do we think about maybe picking one guy from each of the three other teams? Like, what are the odds? So here you go. You got uh, Isaiah Wong from Miami. Is he the best player? He's the third favorite to win the most outstanding player behind the two UConn okay. players. 12 to 1. All right. Now, here's the question. If Miami's odds by themselves... To win it is what? Because, I mean, it's going to have to be... Miami's plus 450. All right. But you're probably mechanical parlay a 6-1. to one. Okay, okay. But we're getting the range here, right? Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is, is there a 50% chance he's the MVP if they win it? The next highest Miami player is Jordan Miller at 19-1. to one. Okay. And then who's after that? Nigel Peck, 21-1. to one. So they all okay. could, there's three so there's guys a, that could win. Yeah, okay. No good. All right. Now, what about... The other teams, John L. Davis for for Florida Atlantic. It, it John L. Davis is fourteen to one. Now, so their odds to win it is 
625. Okay, so the question is, is he better than a 50% chance if they win it? I would say yes. Yeah, the next player from is Elijah Martin at 24 to 1. And do you see him as truly competitive? No. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, like the theory is we don't know these guys hardly yet, right? But if they win two more games, they're going to be right in our face. That's kind of a problem, though, because because we don't know any. They, of but these. they but they emerge. So in the, in the first emerge. in the first well, well, four games, that's the problem. Players emerge in Connecticut. The players have already emerged. It, we already know who well, their good so players are. We don't know who the good players are in right, these other teams. So I, I'm telling you, John L. Davis is the good player. Well, hold on a second. I got a question. Does the champion have to have the guy? Has there ever been a time that he has? They haven't. The champ hasn't had it. I don't think so. Because that's the question. Right? It's always always the champion. So then that's a question amongst this team that we don't know who's going to emerge. It's whoever plays well. Also, like last year, there was a big outcry because uh, Oshi Obaji won the most outstanding player. He was not the best player in both the games for Kansas. Which is implying. But he was the most popular player and the guy who. So we're implying brand has a big deal Mm. with this. Yes. Okay. But what happens if none of the players have a brand on the winning team? Well, you see, that's that's the issue I have with playing these these other teams. Like, I know these these Connecticut players. I don't know these players. They're not brand names. If you don't know them, how does that affect the handicap? So if one dude goes eight for 11 from three, that's a no name. He he can be the MVP for these other teams. Maybe it's the opposite then. Maybe you're right. That we look at the, the like, what's the most extreme odds? Is there anyone two hundred to one? Like, do they have the sixth man on there? By the way, that someone from a team that didn't win the championship has not happened since nineteen eighty three. Hakeem. Akeem. Yeah. Elijah Wan. Wow. So so North so NC State didn't get. They didn't have the most outstanding player. No yeah. wonder Valvano. And, and they had like <laughs> four really good comparable you know players. So the longest odds. Or is Nicholas Boyd from Florida Atlantic ninety to one? Uh, okay, now where's he at? Well, what, but Steve, what you just said is ex- you're saying all bad, to one. I'm saying they're all bad bets. They're all going to get priced like when you when you're doing to what turn the numbers. What happens if it's the field? Do they have a field bet? John L. Davis no. has scored thirty percent of Florida Atlantic's points in the tournament. All right, I'm I'm coming aboard on John L. Davis. All right, so now the so what we're let's think about this now. Let's assume for a second the the odds are right. Even though we know there's a lot of hold in there, let's just let that be for a second. What do you think the Florida Atlantic payoff should be? Meaning, like, what is the whole? What do you guess in this market? Uh, probably seven and a half well, to one. Remember now, this is shopped, right? I think this is our shop number, so, so that means we've shopped maybe seven twenty-five. All right, so let's say seven hundred just to keep yeah, it simple. So, and his payoff is over fourteen to one, right? Fourteen to one. So it sounds like if they win, he's got better than a 50% what, chance. Was he the MVP of the conference tournament? That's an interesting one. You want to check that? I uh, will check. Because if he wasn't, obviously, that's going to kind of... No, it's a good point. Yeah. Um. All right, last round. This is... Uh, AJ's going to do his best bet, and we'll end with AJ. First, Faz, one closing thought. Anything looking back, looking forward, Any anything? You got anything? How's your tournament doing generally? Right around 500. Okay, no wonder you're so sour. Yeah. Elijah Martin, who was a first-team All-Conference USA selection, scored 30 points in the final, and he he was given the MVP. And that's not the guy we're talking not about? Not the guy we're talking about. All right, about. then I'm down he's with that. He's 24 to 1. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, he's right there. Yeah. And Matt Bradley from San Diego State was the Mountain West Tournament most valuable player. He's 16 to 1. So this is what I'd say. This is where Fez is right. When the whole percentage in, in these markets, and here's the tragedy of this, they don't even have a field option. So you're telling mm. me if someone not listed wins, they just keep all the money. Then we get scooped. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. That should be illegal. 
I mean, like there should be there should be every there should be a possible winner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's just the beginning point. It does say other selections available on request. If the winning selection is not listed, bets are void. Oh well, that's good. Well, then that's stupid. They don't have a field back yeah. then. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's True. better that they're doing yeah. it. But I mean, you know, I bet that's a state law. I mean, like the offshore yeah. books are going to do what it should be. All right, you got any closing thoughts? I just think UConn's the best team, and and this is where talent wins out above everything when we get down to the, the final. Sure I think it's says that. You know, you know what? I, 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 this is my pet peeve, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, oh, because yeah. I've heard this like, like a thousand times but where people say, I truly do believe By the way, Connecticut. You just, booked, you, you just took UConn. To I play. truly do believe Connecticut's the best team. Well, of course they're the best team. They're minus a dollar 25 versus the field. But the, here's the question, though. If you're the best team in the NBA finals, for example, mm-hmm. Or in the NBA, any playoffs, mm-hmm. seven games, low variance games in general basketball is. Thus, you have, I guess the theory was 80% of the time, the better team wins in the NBA finals. Yes. And then I think this was Gil saying it, that there was, um, it would take like 42 or 45 baseball games. It had to be a 45 game series to get that low of, of luck factor into it. Yes. So if anything, the question isn't, is this team better? The question is, are they good enough that they should be laying this much considering the amount the of variance? variance. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I guess that is the question. For me personally, I can't imagine myself Googling list of NCAA basketball tournament champions and seeing Florida Atlantic on there or seeing San Diego State on there. No, I, I see year. I see the Blue Bloods. I see the historic teams. Did you ever think you'd be Googling it and see Baylor? No. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying. Pro- I, I do think Scott brings up a good point that implicit, the, the refs look at the – they're looking at the uniforms and one has Connecticut on it. Well, then why hasn't that stopped – Florida Atlantic so far. Here's what I'll say is this. Being a guy who, you know, is pretty good with the brackets, the, usually the number one seed makes the lead eight over – it was before this year it was like 72% of the time. So think about that. 72% is more winners than a fifth seed winning a first game. So a five loses to a 12 more often in one game than a number one doesn't make the elite eight. Right, so it's three out of four, almost. They then are pretty much coin flips the rest of the way, meaning mm. they don't win any more or lose any more than any other seed, pretty much. Except these bad seeds, obviously. Were you know the idea of Florida Atlantic would be that exception that would get to the you know finals with being worse than an eight. Thus, it tells me twos and threes, whatever the differences are, there's so much luck in a single elimination. I think in general it's an underdog's, but but again, ones have done better. The irony of all this parody is ones have done better in the last like 15 years than any time in the history of seeding. Yeah. Which is weird. Which tells me maybe before this year there was a chunk of four or five schools that were just better. Then there was the rest of a top 20 that we thought was together but really wasn't. And then there was a big middle. And just this year, there wasn't those couple top teams. Mm. Right? Wouldn't that explain this? Yes. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is this not like an aren't the Connecticut games like an Elite Eight game? Because they're 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 oh, power it, rated to be a one and they're playing teams that should be that are fives, basically. 
Yeah, so but it's the, like but an Elite Eight game. The difference is they're in the Final Four. You look down, there's a Final Four logo. I yeah, think that affects that's true. things. That's true. I do think you should go through these percentages, though, because they're staggering how un- how lucky these other teams have been to get okay, there. Okay, so we'll do these two things. One is the aggregate seeds of the Final Four. There's bets on that over-under. This is going to be number the number one of all time was a 26 in 2011. So you add That was them a up. George Mason year. Yeah. And then in 2023, second highest of these 38 years – uh, 23 this year. So this is the second most unlikely Final Four by that match. And the over-under Thir- was 12 for the seed numbers. Oh. That was a props. 37 brackets out of 20 million on the ESPN Bracket Challenge correctly have the Final Four. We it's don't have it. It's we don't. High. It's amazing. I know. I want to meet one of those 37 yeah. people. You wonder if some people are just putting in like 200 brackets. Yeah. I think there are a sure. lot. Of and also in. like people that, that you know, are alumnus of the school are just picking their schools to go to the Final But then they got to get the other three right yeah, also. Yeah, that's true. All right, so here's the thing. At the low point of each of these four games, if that was the truth of the game, what was the chance of coming back? So for all you underdogs out there, think about this. Miami of Florida, the we'll go in reverse order. The most likely outcome was UConn of the four. And it was less than ten to one. Meaning St. Mary's was up on them. Yeah, if you take yeah, the lowest point was thirty eight percent. They had a chance to win, but if you add up the low points in all four games or m- multiply them up, the product says nine point four to one. By That's, the way. That was they were down seventeen to nine with twelve minutes to go in the first half. That's the worst situation mm. UConn's been all <laughs> all turned down in half, but even better just because they were such yeah. a big yeah. favorite. Okay, now the second most likely, but we're now into unlikely. San Diego State, one hundred and forty to one. If you take the oh. worst case in every game, the odds of them winning all four, one hundred and forty to one. Now Florida Atlantic, two fifty to one. Wow. Their low point was 14% chance in the Sweet 16 at a given point. And the lowest for San Diego State was 9%. So they were even lower. They were down 9 to Alabama with 13 minutes left in the game. But I already cashed my first half. You'd already won. You didn't care. (laughs) I didn't care. All right. I don't give a care. Finally, though, Miami of Florida, 5,000 to 1. 0.02% 0.02% chance. Their lowest point, Elite 8, they had less than a 4% chance. Wow. Should have been one and done. The Drakesters had them crushed. Yeah, the fact that Drake, that Drake wasn't their worst situation. Like, That's, imagine, how is that possible? Imagine this: if, if they were eight percent against Drake at the worst, what percent? Eight point three. Yeah. So imagine if God stopped everyone frozen, kind of like remember when Mork and Mindy on the Fonz. You remember he Mork was able to never that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you remember that. You were home watching it. Now here's the thing: God came down and says to uh, Miami, Florida, "Hey, listen." It's a tough spot against Drake, let's say. You're going to make the Final Four, and this won't even be your toughest spot. Then he just disappears. <laughs> That'd be something, yeah. wouldn't it? That'd be almost as good as, this is UConn, son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, we're going to do your best bet? Now, you have you picked a tournament yet at the odds? It'd be San Diego State plus 380. It's like pulling teeth with you, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it, th- th- I liked your bet better of the field. When your kids when your kids were old enough to realize you worked but not old enough to know exactly, did they ever say, like, Daddy, what do you do? And then did you say, I give opinions, son, but it takes a lot to get them out of. <laughs> like, 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 I'm a stubborn, opinionated guy, but <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain it. Scott, I mean, you, you got to remember my job when they were old enough to figure that out was basically to tell dick jokes. So it was like, I wasn't. You're not funny. <laughs> I know. You don't think I'm funny. I get it. Who thinks you're funny? I, 
Who? I had a pretty successful show, RJ. But, but I don't think I think you're diminishing what you did. I don't think you were telling jokes, and that was why it was. That might have been why ratings at times dropped. I think that okay. You, I think you being a guy who is like a, a, an everyman that has a principles, and you stick to your guns. You're not afraid to buy. I think you have a lot of great qualities. Jokes aren't one of them, right. I would say. But I think you're underselling yourself. But let me ask you this, Scott. You work with a lot of guys, producer, whatever. Have you ever seen a guy that's less inclined to give a strong opinion that's been on air? Ooh, that's that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. I think we got to get your job to drag opinions out of him because I gave up. I mean, he does give opinions, though. But you're, you know, maybe you're right. It does take a little bit of coaxing. I think he just has to loosen up a little bit. Speaking of the what? loosening up, yeah. because I've listened, I've listened to their podcast, and AJ is very much more uh, forceful in his opinions on his podcast with Scott than he is with you, RJ. Well, then that means he doesn't really have strong opinions. He just doesn't. He figures, hey, no one's going to push back. Like, I, yes. Well, should, I, I think love, I'm the same way. Why would that be, though? I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to say anything wrong. It's like the but, quarterback but doesn't the, want to throw the interception. But, but, but let's be honest now. I like that you're saying this, but like when I disagree, I'm never like saying, oh, you're wrong. I'm going to chastise you. It's going to be, I disagree with you. You got to be like the Pittsburgh thing, mm -hmm. right? That was our probably biggest disagreement yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. I went, you're fucking, I don't know if I said fucking, I might have. You're crazy. And you go, no, you said, no, I'm right. And it doesn't matter who was right in the end because you might have been right at the time. But what I'm saying is you had Pittsburgh like 28 or whatever, right? Yeah. Did I like dock you pay? Did I do? I was like arguing against it. Then we moved on, right? Right. But I but I'm reluctant to say, hey, this is just my gut or my hunch without, okay, so, without being able to back it up. With okay. Some, but here's yeah, the beauty right. of it. Remember, we said, hey, I can envision this happening. Mm. I'm happy on those takes too. Listen, I don't even know why. I I don't know quite why I feel this, but I think. And then I'm going to back what because everyone's saying this is a less yeah. staunch opinion. I can envision a path for San Diego State. I, I think UConn is a rightful favorite, obviously. Mm -hmm. I can envision a path where San Diego State wins it. I can't with the other two teams. Okay, now that's interesting. And that's the bet, right? Yes. It's, it's not an ATS bet. All right, that's interesting. So let's make this a challenge for you, Fez. Uh, you pick a couple things in the next month, one or two, that you have a, a, a strong opinion on. Well, not even a strong opinion. Something that you think is outside of what normal people think mm -hmm. and see how I respond. You don't have to like make a big deal about it. Just do it in the normal conversation. Got it. All, All right? right, cool. So, Scott, you've worked with me a short period of time relative to these. Well, you know, AJ's longer, but Fez has been all, like a decade. Have you, has there been a time you've seen even with someone else that I try to quell, like, like I might have my own opinion, but have you honestly seen a time that I'm like saying, no, I don't want to hear your opinion? No. I mean, you'll come over the top, yeah. but, but you don't say, don't give me an opinion. And if anything, me coming over the top is that's you thinking I'm coming over the top with a better, meaning over the top implies I'm up in the ante by, by saying something even more compelling. You're re-raising. Yeah. yeah. That isn't that a good show? If you said, hey, I got a guy. No, that's what makes a good show. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I saw that 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 gal Sebst like like four bet with like a pair of fours against somebody. You see that hand? And then the guy the, her friend no, five bets with ace nine. No. Uh, uh, she's a professional poker player. But is this on what, what show? It was um just some poker. Like after dark or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So some big High poker stakes, tournament. Whatever. So they all they it's a tournament. So they they but they get it all in with pocket fours against ace nine, like 150 big blinds. And 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 Seb's just screaming at her friend, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, you got pocket fours. <laughs> what are you doing?" Which is the whole point, right? That's why the that's why the blinds can't be so high because once you understand what everyone's doing, 
it's you never can back down in a way. And right? he says, "Look, you sh- you're going to shove with Ace Five. There's a chance I've got you. D- I know how you play. There's a chance I got you dominated with my Ace Nine. That's why cash games are so much more <laughs> yes. interesting, I think. All right, so before we get AJ's pick, don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. So we're going to do best bets here and then segue right into baseball. AJ, best bet. San Diego State minus two against Florida Atlantic. And we talked a little bit about the the three-point defense. I think that matters a lot here. Uh, the, the opponents that San Diego State has faced, all of them are excellent three-point shooting teams. Furman, Charleston, Alabama, Creighton, all of them. The first Furman, Charleston, and Alabama are all top 12 in three-point attempt rate. These are teams that shoot more than anybody in the country. Florida Atlantic, 35th nationally in three-point rate, 44th in percentage. But here's the most telling stat. They are so reliant on their threes going down. 37.1% of their points come from three. That is the 25th highest mark in the country. Like, Kim Palm breaks it up. Three-point, two-point free throws. What percentage of your mm-hmm. points come from these? They're outside the top 300 in two-pointers and free throws. But then how in a tournament that's been so hard on shooting have they won? They've they've been fortunate. Well, with one exception, they've been fortunate to face defenses that cannot punish them. Mm-hmm. The one exception was Tennessee, who is the best three-point shooting defense in the country. Mm-hmm. San Diego State was second. But Tennessee's offense was broken. They were without mm-hmm. they were without key guys on offense. They couldn't take advantage of it because they only shot six of twenty three in that game. Florida Atlantic did. They left the door open for Tennessee. Tennessee's offense just couldn't get the job done. San Diego State beat Alabama. They beat Creighton. I would argue Alabama and Creighton are better than than anyone Florida Atlantic has beat all season. And as much as I respect what they've done, I do believe they're a good team. I just think San Diego State's a terrible matchup for them. San Diego State uh, plays with a level of defensive intensity that I think is going to be problematic for this team. San Diego State minus two, my best bet. Okay, okay. I think Florida Atlantic's been turning the ball over a lot, too. They have. So it's like somehow you rely on the three, and it's a tournament that three-point shooting teams have struggled. You can't be a smaller school and turn the ball over, and they're in the Final Four. I think it almost seems like they, they, there's no scenario they wouldn't have made the Final if Four. If we go back to the, the the percentages, like the chance that they'd be, but besides UConn, everyone else is lucky to be here. But like he, had multiple multiple times where you said, "Oh, that team got really lucky that they won that yeah, game." Yeah, but anytime you have a bunch, it's survivor bias, sure. right? Anytime you have a bunch of people, and now you're winnowed down to four. For the most part, you're going to have lucky situations. I think when NC State won the tournament, it was some astronomical number <laughs> from their low point of all their games that they got like it was like ten thousand to one. Well, see, I don't. I remember how unlikely it was to beat Five Sigma Jamma. The idea that they got lucky up to that point. Oh, they're down four against Pepperdine with forty seconds to play. Valvano, <laughs> round one. All right, good stuff. Let's. We're going to continue with the best bets. Next up, Steve Fezzik. You've got a best bet in the XFL. 
I do. Go. Houston Roughnecks to win the XFL championship plus 260. Plus, how many teams are there? There are eight teams. All right, so the average, let me think about this, would be seven to one. Yes. Now, how is it working? This is an outstanding wager, and what we're taking advantage of here is there's two divisions, the North Division and the South Division. Um, an assist to McKenzie, who helped me out with these, the playoff format just about three weeks ago. The number one team in the South plays the number two team in the South. There's four good teams in the XFL. Three of them reside in the North. One's in Seattle. One's in St. Louis. One's in D.C. But they're all up North, all right? There's only one good team in the South, and it's Houston. The other three teams in the South are complete and utter disasters. Mm-hmm. Below average team. So, so Seattle isn't in the South. Obviously. Seattle's not in the South. So what's going to happen is that Houston's going to make the Final Four, and they're going to be about like minus nine against whoever they play in the semifinals. They're going to be an enormous favorite, and then they're going to be close to pick them against the survivor. So the odds of them the not North. winning the division now is tiny, tiny, right. tiny. And then they're going to be in the championship, and it's going to be close to pick them against the survivor of the North. Further, I'm going to like them in that championship game because of travel. So all the teams. All right, let's think about this now. If it was pick them. What, so it's a mechanical parlay. So what's the chance of them winning the division? 90%, 95%? Eh, I call it 80%. All right. So 0.8 times. And what, how much are you going to be favored in the first game? Nine, you said? Or? Yeah. Yeah, that's So what's 8. the money line on that? Like 80%. All right. So 0.8. At 60, we're at 64% chance. So, so no, no. Point, there's only two playoff games. So 0.8 times 0.5 is their chance of winning the championship. Yeah, but w- there was a chance of them not winning the division. It's zero. They're, they're going to. Well, then why did you say 0.8? They're going to. They're going to. It, it, they, they literally have a 100% chance to make the playoffs. They'll okay. either be the one or two seed. All right, and, and the theory is this would be an adjusted if, – if they're like the two, they're going to have now two top – they'd have to play the two. They'll still the get three. a crumb bum. They'll still get – they'll get to play Arlington. Okay, um, so you think uh, – to make that – what do you think the odds are to make the finals? You're not making this too clear about it. 80%. Right? All right, now what, is you see, what do you see the finals odds being? Pick them, 50-50. Okay. So that would be 40%. Yes. Uh-huh. And so plus 250, what is the odds? Plus 260, and the true odds should be about plus 150. Okay. I like it. I like it. There's one further thing why I like them to win the championship game. All these teams play in Arlington. They practice in Arlington, and then they disperse each week to play wherever their games are. All right? So the teams in Texas— So wait, you just said something, again, that was confusing. They practice in Arlington? Yes. And they play where? They play wherever the home team is. Okay. So, so Seattle home games are in Seattle. Okay. Washington home games are in Washington. Mm-hmm. St. Louis home games are in St. Louis. So they're in three places in a given two- or three-week period where they practice, where their home games are— and then where a road game might be. Exactly. So all the teams in Texas have an inherent advantage, Houston being in Texas, because on their five home games, really short road trip, they go from Arlington to Houston to play their five home games. And then it's true they've got a few longer road trips, but basically seven of the ten weeks they get to stay in Texas. All right? Mm -hmm. Whereas these other teams in the north, Washington, Seattle, um, uh, St. Louis, they've got to travel – significant uh, amount, seven or eight of the ten weeks, Mm -hmm. such that they're going to be carrying much more fatigue going into the XFL finals versus a Houston team that won't have that fatigue. Okay, now is there any weeks off? There are no weeks off, though. Okay. Yeah. So, in general, that's a tip that would apply to the XFL going forward here, right? Meaning, as each week passes, the, the certain teams that travel the most are going to have a compounding disadvantage. Exactly right. Especially, think about the Seattle is so far away from Texas compared to all the other teams. But certainly applies to Vegas, applies to D.C., Washington, D.C., and applies to St. Louis.
I got the idea of back one of those leagues played all the home games in the same place. Mm-hmm. What would be the advantage of that? Like, I guess the facility costs and stuff that they, yeah. And, and so it's all the, um, the training staff, medical staff, everything is all in uh, one central hub. Okay. So it's not like each team, each team, yes, has it when they're on the road and stuff, but each team does not have to have their own training facility with their own training staff, medical staff, everything, equipment that they need to practice and all that stuff. It's all in one central location. Here's my thinking. Imagine that team did that in, or a league did that in Vegas. But now what you do is have half your home games be in Vegas and half your home games be wherever your home is. And now, in theory, you still get, like, if you're from Seattle, Seattle still gets to see you. But then if you like a team, you come into Vegas and, mm. and have a destination to see, like, a couple games over a weekend or something. That would be – and it's not like the cost – the thing about Vegas is if you're willing to be on the outskirts of town, the cost of living here isn't bad at all. It's not like it would be so expensive to have a facility here. No, that's – I mean, it's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when people get like Elvis got so old, or not old, but he was out of shape. Whatever he didn't want a tour. He was the first one of the first to say, oh, "I'm going to hang here. You come to me, <laughs> right?" So, and these residencies have become more yeah, and more exactly. common. With Wayne with, Newton's never left. <laughs> yeah, great example, Rod <laughs> Rod Stewart. Okay, but see, I think Rod Stewart is exactly what I'm talking about. Wayne Newton, I don't think he ever toured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so didn't Wayne Newton own that ranch? It's like he does. It's right down the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he still does. Yeah, at Pecos. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Wayne Newton, baby. He, I, I, that ranch is actually like 200 yards from the old office. Really? Yeah, we were right on that corner. Um, how, what's the limits on this? So you're betting limits on the opener, right? Two, um, three thousand on on every week circa. Mm-hmm. They ten minutes after the last game ends on Sunday, typically mm-hmm. they'll put up the line sides and totals. Three thousand on sides, one thousand on totals. And you're in 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 the first hour. Those numbers are up. Other than your bets, how many lines are you seeing move? Usually one. One other game. Yeah, somebody hit Orlando plus twelve before I got to it this week. I was pissed. What were you doing? Like watching sixty minutes? The that's a good point. Uh, I don't recall. You know, you got a trend, Steve. Whenever you, I think it was. The, I think there was some basketball game going on. Ah. You know, with the Final Four and all. Yes, coming well, up. I don't think, what time do games end on Sunday? They ended fairly early, didn't they? No, yeah. not till like it, there was. I think it was five thirty. Ended at like eight fifteen. Oh, okay. The XFL ended earlier, and I was screwing around with. So the, really, the your basketball. greed caused you to. Lose money. No, my folk, my my you my greed. universal focus on college. No, basketball. it's greed. Let me ask you a question. Perhaps, <laughs> if you how many how many games would you in game bet if it was play money? Zero. <laughs> greed. All right. I now what kind of limit bet would there be on this? Uh, circuit takes two dimes. Okay, I kind of like this. I mean, the logic is pretty strong. I'm gonna bet it right now. All right. What do you think, AJ? It makes a lot of sense. Although I will say I've stunk at the XFL. I I watch these games and I think I know what's going on. I have no idea. But but here's the thing. Remember, this is the process of learning. The handicap and new sport. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm thinking about handicapping the WNBA. Oh. Because I got a database now of the games. So I figure this would be interesting to say, how do I build? And this is a problem. That I think in the NFL, being an NFL specialist hurts me is I'm so used to there being prevailing opinions that I'm I'm contrary. So I'm saying I disagree with that. 
So it's not what I agree with. It's what I disagree with. And I think that works well in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But how would you build a power ranking from nothing? Right? Like if you look at ELO or different systems of, they say, give us any set of games. They can do college volleyball. They got a system of they're going to say, all right, we're going to assume everything's everyone's the same to start, and then th and then once you have multiple seasons, we're going to carry forward some percentage. We're going to take away half of the difference from the mean, all kind of things like that. I've never done that, and and to me, I want to learn how to build a team from the top, you know, from the from the bottom up, not from the the top down. Mm. Does that makes sense. Yes, and and it strikes me WNBA would at least with a day. I don't, I wouldn't be doing it like watching. I wouldn't watch the games. But I would be looking at the data enough to predict things. Mm. That might be interesting. I just limit bet plus two sixty. There's right. a yes no at circa. All right, and you. Uh, all right, yeah. Guess me, what they me. want. Guess what they want to. How much you want? I nickel is good. You're good. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what the line is now. I just bet plus two sixty. I mean, if it moved more more than two forty, that would be shocking. I can't two, see two twenty five. Now, do you think it's the limit bet or is it you? I mean, because they got algorithms set up. Probably a combination, but they probably have me rated as like an A plus on 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 my XFL because it literally eighty five percent of the time your two year record. I get the number. I, your two year record is. Um, I am. I knew you were going to ask me that. One second here. Let me make sure you I told get it me right. before the show. I know it. Twenty and seven. All right, that's pretty Thank good. You. Now, do you think this could be like a quasi rebate for the like the hundred thousand you dropped to him in the one game? <laughs> I'm a what a good customer. I, <laughs> I mean, am. Like they got, yeah, we got to let him win something. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's be honest. If there's any place that you're going to draw, well, no, actually, you'd rather drop that at a square book, right? Uh, then they would be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, you know, Alan Boston, the book, The Odds, mm -hmm. he's like looking through his like notes. This happened to me. And like I, I, I had a Duke bet minus two in the tournament. That one lost two. And it's like I for had forgotten about it. And it's like, oh, Duke minus two for like, like a big bet. What a good customer I am, which is what Alan said in the book, The Odds, when he had like lost a big bet on the St. John's game. <laughs> at what point during that story did you? know that it probably wasn't a good story the, the way you were telling it well again i think about two thirds of the way through you kind of you got the it. point <laughs> all right we are i almost said straight out of vegas we are the dream preview with aj hoffman who is acting like a kid remember days and confused where school's out for summer where like everything's done aj's got that look on his face like he just he got his c's in his final exam he got a couple of B's and he's happy. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. I mean, it does feel good to like. I, I mean, I've worked. All right. It's, it's, it's a lot. Anyway. No more classes. It, no. No more books. <laughs> no more teachers. Dirty looks. Yeah. It, it is a little bit <laughs> of a relief. Are you ready? It's for a little the bit of relief. That you're not going to ask me anything about college basketball for like six months because Meatballs. you definitely don't care. The movie with meatballs. Meatballs. Boy, Bill Murray. <laughs> Are you ready for the summer? No, I don't. But I tell you this, I'm actually going to get even – this database stuff interests me a lot because we're doing a lot of new things. And I think there's a massive opportunity in the tournament, not just for the brackets, but for picking winners. You know, how do teams do in certain mm. spots? I, I enjoyed it this year. Let's root AJ on, and let's root. Let's be honest. Let's root on my bet against Fez. Let's do that. All good people. Yay. All right, now the shift of scrutiny moves. <laughs> That's my own. <laughs> I'm making the sound, and it's Scott. Time for baseball, baby. Scott, how are we going to do this? So uh, I, I can go any way you want. I have season-long uh, awards 
that I like, uh, players. I can give you odds. Some of them uh, have moved, and I awards, won't bet it anymore. But two awards last, sure. But I only wanted a you current number. So I don't numbers. care. I don't. That's I don't. Fun. I don't want any of this. He only wants current numbers. I have lap stuff. I have some best bets for opening day on Thursday. All right, that'll be your best bet. And you asked for something that is unlikely to occur. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but right. I can see it happening, and. It's a pretty big long shot. All right. So this is what I want to do. I like this. Um, by the way, I got a, I got some baseball bets on Thursday, too. Uh, or one, I'm going to let Scott winnow down a couple games I like. Sure. I could also give you uh, players impacted by the new rules. That, I want to start there. First sure. off, what do we see as the big picture effect of the new rules? And real quick, rattle off real quick for me what those new rules are. Okay. So the first thing that is obviously everyone's going to pay attention to is the pitch clock, right? And the pitch clock is going to have an impact on pitchers. And we know they have to 30 seconds in between batters. 15 seconds when nobody's on base, 20 seconds when there is runners on base, and that clock starts from when they get the ball from the catcher to when their delivery starts. Now, what does that mean, delivery starts? When they start their motion. If you're in the stretch, as soon as you lift your leg up, that's when your delivery starts. If you're in the windup, as soon as you take your step back, that's when your delivery starts. Funny instance that occurred, because there's also a rule where you have to like, make eye contact with the batter. You have to establish that you are starting your pitching delivery. Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, who's known for messing with batters, quick pitching, and uh, holding his delivery for an extended amount of time, in spring training today, actually, got called for an automatic ball for a quick pitching a batter. He caught the ball from the catcher, stepped on the rubber, and delivered the pitch. But the umpire said, nope, you got to look up. And make eye contact and establish that you're starting your your motion. So the next pitch, you know what he did? He lifted his leg up and he held it and he rocked back and forth and he held it and then he pitched to the batter. So he kind of was taking as much time as he could I'm guessing, with his delivery. I'm guessing he had a few suspensions in high school. <laughs> now batters, this is the interesting part of the other the time rolls. Batters have to be in the box with eight seconds left on that pitch clock. If not, it is an automatic strike as a penalty. I don't know. I don't understand this. I got to ask a question. So it's really a seven-second pitch clock. Why would a batter not take the maximum before stepping in to put pressure on the pitcher? It's up to the batters. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. an eight-second pitch clock. Well, what we're saying is there are going to be some pit batters that want to get settled in and want to take longer. That I, said, I think you're right. The onus feels like it's on the pitcher, and you can increase that onus by not stepping in until the very you know. Mm-hmm. It's a night. good point. Some batters want to dig into the yeah. dirt and, and stuff. There is, okay. there is a sense of, like, if you have to rush in, you are going to have a disadvantage. Right. Yep. Now, you can only call time once per at-bat. The batter. The batter can only call time. A bug in the eye or whatever. Whatever. Just call time. The umpire's going to grant time. What we've seen in spring is Max Scherzer is trying to just figure out how is he going to screw with batters as much as he can. So he got on the rubber literally as soon as the catcher gave the ball back to him. Mm -hmm. And he stood there. And the clock started ticking and ticking and ticking. Now he's got 20 seconds. And he, or or he's got 20 seconds, right? There's there's a man on base. And ticking and ticking and ticking. Is finally, the batter in the box, though? Yeah, finally the oh, batter. The batter finally, doesn't have to be in the box. Finally, the batter calls time because, hey, I'm ready. I'm getting in my stance. I'm getting my rhythm going. You're not delivering the pitch. I'm going to call time. 
So what does Scherzer do? When the batter calls time, he gets on the rubber and ready to pitch. As soon as the batter stepped the batter in the box, he delivered a fastball. Okay. So he's so screwing he with contact? the batter's. No, swung a miss. He's, did he make eye contact? Isn't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's screwing with the batter's timing, and he's trying to utilize this whole only allowed to call time once to his advantage mm-hmm. as opposed to the pitch clock being a disadvantage to the pitcher. So, Fez, you're saying, oh, why was he even in the box? For And, again, maybe that's something that they'll evolve into is not getting in the box till then. But then it sounds like a Scherzer that will be ready, he can quick pitch the batter right when he steps in the box and the batter won't be ready. The batter can't call time. You, only heard you, you can only call time once. Scherzer's staring him down. You know, but as he's stepping act, in, the act of quick pitch, like if you step into the into the box, like w- at what point are you allowed to pitch at that? Point? Immediately, immediately, as long as you're so, making eye contact, as long as you're looking up at but, the batter and you're ready. So if you're looking up, mm-hmm. and they put one foot in, like I guess I'm one confused. foot's not in. That's not in the batter's box. Right, Both so feet put, in the batter's box. So the minute the second foot hit, is it when it crosses the line or when it hits <laughs> the ground? I mean, I don't know. Probably yeah. when both feet hit the ground. But batters yeah. like to dig in. They like to. Then, st- if you like that, you should be in the box early. Then. Yeah, but then you mm-hmm. got to wait. Like, like, and you're gonna. That's get, the, yeah. hey, It's just like life. Uh, something you always it's complicated shit. Now this is I. I hate this. I, I'm all for speeding up the game and doing whatever they can. I like the clock in between innings and whatever, or in between batters even. But during the course of an at-bat, I think it's going to affect relief pitchers more, to be honest with you. We've seen, and the stats show, that the pitchers that have the slowest tempo in between pitches delivered are closers. And so in the bottom of the ninth inning, when the game is on the line, and I got a pitcher out there who's trying to get on the same page with his catcher and is in the high-leverage, stressful moments, all of a sudden he's got to worry about not getting an automatic ball called on him because he's not delivering the ball within – he's not starting his delivery within 20 seconds. Yes, so think about this from an NFL parallel. Imagine, oh, it's a two-minute drill. It's highly leveraged. The game's on the line. So we'll, we'll, instead of having 30 seconds on the play clock, we'll put 45 seconds, and we'll let them all have more time. No! Keep it the same. (laughs) Come on! So, I think it's going to affect closures. I think we're going to see some blown saves this year because of it. And uh, I'm I'm curious to see how these players adapt. And we've seen it in spring, but I'm I'm curious to see how players in the higher leverage moments Mm -hmm. deal with the pitch clock. So, to me... All the machinations of, okay, how are they going to do this? How they, It's all going to get worked out, mm-hmm. right? And to me, it adds a little intrigue for now. I think it'll help some pitchers and hurt some pitchers. Yeah, but in general, the game's going to be fat. I mean, much better. they're taking a half hour off is what sure. I'm hearing. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Now, the other thing is no shift. You cannot shift anymore. All right, so all, the way supposedly that's supposed to be said is it restricts the shifting. Mm-hmm, yes. Because like, there's rules of— All infielders must be on the dirt with two fielders on each side of second base. And what this is going to do is it's going to help lefties. How many—you know, with lefties that you pretty much get shifted on every time. So lefties pull more as batters mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And so just think about this. The, the batters that were shifted on the most— in Major League Baseball last year, Carlos Santana, who's now on the Pirates, 98.1% of his plate appearances last year he was shifted on. Think about that. Mm-hmm. 98.1%. Cal Raleigh of the Mariners, 96.2% of his at-bats. Jose Ramirez of the Guardians, 93.9% of his at-bats. All of a sudden now, 
Can't shift on those guys. And you have to play on the infield dirt. So this is where the, this is the killer. So you can't be far back. Can't be right. far back. You on could the grass. basically play. You could play ten feet into the outfield. All right. And if it's a slow lefty and he hits a hard ground ball, you just throw him out every time. And now those ground balls are going to get through the infield a lot more. Not to mention the fact if you got a man on first, you're holding him on, so you got a big hole to throw, drive the ball through the infield, and you can't have your second baseman cheating over to cover the hole. So now like the, you play, could before. The, the player that. Everyone is circling that is going to see probably the greatest increase uh, to his performance this year is Corey Seager. Corey Seager of the Texas Rangers last year hit into the most outs into the shift in Major League Baseball. Why didn't he bunt? 100. <laughs> Fez, it's the million-dollar question that you ask all these Major League ball <laughs> Sorry. Players. Okay, why, why, you know, I mean, why can't Joey Gallo lay down a bunt? He just can't. Uh, Corey Seager, 123 outs into the shift last year. Now, you can't just say that they're all going to result in hits, but if we give the guy 20 more hits out of those 123 outs, he's going to have a pretty good season this year. Now, I heard that in spring training, for those that the shift would have been on, but it wasn't, it was a, a ground balls had a batting average about 25 points higher. That on ground balls, and I guess they estimated based on where the shift would be. So, I don't know what percentage of hit uh, of times the ball is batted or ground ball, but it, it feels like we're looking at for someone, let's say, that had a decent amount of shifts against him. You know, the most it could be would be, you know, obviously half that maybe. So we're looking at five to ten points on batting average. It feels like. Which Boy, is that kind of, seems low. So I've seen projections that you're probably going to see points. The highest I've seen added to somebody is point three five. So zero, 0.035 okay. to the batting average. Point zero. No, it'd be point. Oh, okay, so like point oh three five. Yeah. So they're so, going to go from a three hundred hitter to a three thirty five hitter. That's the most extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And I think somewhere in the middles. Yeah. Like which is th- yeah. Three twenty. That's maybe the, See, that was the projection on Carlos Santana. He has the highest uh, mm. projected difference in his average. Now, this do, year. do they they have it for every player? I just have a list of the top players that are yeah. affected. Yeah. What I'd be interested in is like a runs weighted. Mm-hmm. Per team, as sure. in, I, who generated the you know who was most involved in scoring and how are they going to be affected? Yeah, uh, I can tell you this: the Astros last year had two of the top ten players that hit into the most outs into the shift, in Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. So two good players, two really, including like two MVP candidates this year, and in, in fact, one of my MVP picks in Jordan Alvarez. If you if both of those players see marginal upticks in their batting averages from what they already hit at last year, the Astros are going to be right back where they were, which is World Series champions. Okay. Now, do you have any, uh, like, division bats or anything like that for us, too? That'd be nice in the mix. Sure. Uh, Uh, One one other rule change also, larger bases. Mm -hmm. So 15 to 18 inches now. The distance from home to first is actually three inches shorter. Hmm. The distance from first to second is now four and a half inches shorter. So there will be an increase in stolen bases this year. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at... I heard at, it like 50% increase. I, th- I think so. Only because you can over. also yeah. only throw two pickoff attempts per plate appearance. If you throw a third pickoff attempt and you do not get that runner out, it's a balk. And not just that runner, but in a balk, every runner advances one Ooh. base. So if it's first and third, guess what? You're never throwing over a third time. 
So after two throwovers, guess who's stealing second? It's, it's, the runner on it's, first. It's almost like you can't throw over the second time because if you throw it over the second time, then he's going to take. He's going to steal, yeah. and you can't balk. This is perfect. Because it means that we're going to make it. You know what it's like? It's like two-point conversions when it was a five-yard holding penalty. And now it's only one yard to get the the two points. People go for it all the time. Now, this is my fear. Okay? And this is where I think the whole pitch clock and these rules, uh, it might be counterintuitive. Because I can envision the, the, like, as as a baseball mind, my counter to this is after I throw over two times, Guess what I'm doing? Pitching I'm, out. No. I'm stepping off the rubber. I'm not throwing over, but I'm stepping off and looking them back. But the, the Now there's going to be a dance between the pitcher and the batter. But, but the every pitch clock, a tick, no, the 15-second When I'm off the rubber. You only get to, you only get a certain number. You can't you can't just keep stepping off the rubber. Yeah, there's got to be a limit to that. No, you can't. The, the, the clock's they still ticking. Give, they probably give the pitcher the same one they give the batter. I guess I, one timeout. I don't think they give them that. I don't... Yeah, they're going to give them yeah, one. They're, yeah, but they're not. They, you can't keep doing but that. Well, that's what I'm saying. So otherwise, you could just do it again and again. Yeah, I think that pitcher odd. can step off twice. There you go. Oh, I don't like that. I mean, they can, can reset one. They can reset twice per plate appearance. That's stupid. Well, hey, listen. All I know is this: they've done more to try to improve things this off season than all the prior fifty seasons combined. It's a great change. I saw the expected average game time this year is two hours forty five minutes. So a half hour last year, here. But you know what? The people that don't watch baseball still aren't going to watch baseball. I disagree. Uh, yeah, I, I disagree, disagree with that too. too. Yeah, I, I think once a week you have a hot game, a Sunday night game. That used to be a big game. That Sunday yeah, night game, absolutely. I'm I'm going to be more inclined. I would take Johnny to go, to watch a major league baseball game. Now with this, not the way it was. Not, who has three and three hours and forty minutes? Forget that. Screw I, I, you. The energy. There's more energy to the start of this regular season than I've had seen. Yes, a lot. and I think yeah. it, a lot of it has to do with the World Baseball Classic. Also, no, I don't. I, I mean, it might from baseball to, fans might have added to yeah. it. Yeah, I think the baseball well, purists right about that. Actually, the baseball fans love the World Basic Classic. Yeah. The rest of us, we 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 didn't even know what was going. But on. But the sport has so much juice now because of what just happened. Happened a week ago that now everyone you can't wait like for opening day. If there wasn't day. these rule changes, that the, this would be maybe fans that are going to be engaged anyway are more engaged. But do you think anyone new would be engaged? We would. We. I don't think I we've think, ever done I, a baseball. Preview. I do think that new. Fa- I do think because of the World Baseball Classic, especially the way it ended with Otani versus Trout, that yes, people would be engaged by the start of the season. And by the way, that Otani versus Trout at bat. They didn't. They, the World Baseball Classic didn't utilize any of these new baseball rules. Mm-hmm. A couple of those pitches, and maybe all of them, would have uh, resulted in automatic balls. They would have exceeded the pitch clock. And watching that at bat, never once did I feel this is taking too long. Well, yeah. that's because it's the highest it's, leverage yeah. moment and in the guess world. What? They all would have been violations of the twenty seconds. Yeah, you know but what? But it that's... wouldn't have been any less exciting if he pitched five seconds sooner. It's not Kansas City at Oakland in the yeah. eighth inning when they're in an eight-two game. No, I, I, you watch that at bat and you don't think, "Oh wow, we need to set a timer on this guy." But you do when Kansas City plays Oakland. Yeah, I, I agree. Here's the thing: what you're saying, I think. Is exactly correct, Scott, but I think that the conclusion you're having is one I disagree with, meaning I used to – I wasn't a Yankees fan, but for some reason after they lost to the Marlins and then it was like they're not going to win – and they, what did they win in 2008? So there was like seven years that they didn't win. They, 2009 is the last time they won. Okay. Is during those early – you know, my earlier years in Vegas, after they lost to Florida, it was like – 
I got started rooting for him a little bit. I that don't was know 03. He, they lost to Florida. Yeah. Okay. So G, I thought it was 01 for some reason. Jeter was uh, getting older. You know, it was like, and I just, and I wouldn't watch during the regular season, like a minute. But come playoff time, if it was a Yankee game, I, I was watching it, right? And I tell you this, there's something about baseball that when it's like 3-3 three, three, hmm. and it's like any pitch can be the last pitch of the game. Yeah. And the stakes of the game matter. That's the key here. It can't be. It doesn't matter who wins. That's exciting. There's nothing. It's like a, a field goal to win the game every play almost, right? I think there was a Joe Buck call in a game six, and there was a, a game-winning home run in the series, and he goes, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Well, that was a copy of his father's famous call. So Jack Buck made a famous call, and I forgot what year the World Series was, okay. where he made the call was, it was a walk-off home run. He says, and we'll see you tomorrow night for a game seven. Because it was an elimination. And then Joe yeah. Buck did the same thing. It was kind of okay. a cool moment. you know? Yeah, but I thought you were implying they did it during the regular season to kind of say like, yeah, this happened, it's exciting, but tomorrow we do it again. But you're... You, it really, what it was was saying our life has been extended, right? Yes. Which one did you think it was? A little bit of everything, you know, no. really. <laughs> no, because <laughs> they're, they're opposite. No, I mean, it's just like, just that we've got, a, we've got, a, our life is extended. It's going to be another day. Oh, okay. I agree okay. with that 100%. Yeah. So, Okay, so what you're saying is the stakes in the playoffs are that high, and I agree with Scott. The the time in between pitches doesn't bother me. If anything, it lets the drama build a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when when you're playing in 162 games, and let's be candid, most of the games don't matter. I mean, how often does any one game matter? Like how often exactly. that that in the regular season, you got to make the game more efficient. If Carl Yastrzemski is up in the ninth inning of Game Seven, then we can t do away with the pitch clock. But the problem is, is that we've got to have consistent rules the whole year. But that Red Sox team never made the World Series. Did I get did they seventy five? They made it right. Yep. Was was Yas still playing in seventy five? They would have won if Billy hadn't thrown the blooper pitch to Tony Perez. <laughs> All right, so. Um, <laughs> True. Let's let's think about so let's double back for a minute about relievers. Mm -hmm. So do you believe that there's a certain type of reliever that's going to have more trouble with the pitch clock? Yeah, I think uh, flamethrowers. Okay. You know, uh, I think the the hard throwers. Are, I've heard because they got to hurry up, and and perhaps maybe hurrying up doesn't allow them to. Uh, recharge the battery, exactly. if you will. Well, no, perhaps. Yeah. Right? the rest yeah. in between exertion. Yeah, and I also think that. You know, with a with a flamethrower, right? Obviously, you're sitting fastball. You know that that's what the guy has. Mm -hmm. But it's nice when they throw an off speed pitch at you to kind of confuse you. I think if they're you know trying to there's there's not going to be a lot of shaking off of the catcher and and the stare down between the batter and the pitcher that messes with the batter's head that he's wondering oh is this the pitch that he's gonna you know throw the off speed? I think you lose all that gamesmanship when you're trying to speed this thing up. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of, you know, the so mind you, game you that wish, occurs between which the of batter. Rules, which of these rules, if you were the commissioner of baseball. I would eliminate the pitch clock. Oh. There'd be no pitch clock. No pitch clock. What, what about the other rules? I'm fine. Fine with no shift. Do you like, do you like it? Yeah, I do. Because uh, the problem with baseball over, over the past several years is that it's either a home run mm -hmm. or That's a strikeout. Right. Or, you know, there's not a lot of balls that are put into play. And the balls that are put into play are resulting in outs. So there's no, there's not a lot of action. And with. 
Yeah. Taking away the shift, now your more balls that are put into play are going to result in hits. Mm. You're going to get more base runners on, and, the, and there's more action. And, and the hitters are going to be less. In, the hitters are going to be less inclined to have the whatever we call extended launch point or whatever. To try yes, to get because launch angle was really instituted as a way to beat the shift. Mm -hmm. Because how do you beat the shift? You just hit it over the shift, right? You don't want to ground the ball into the shift because you're going to get out. So you have to hit it in the air. You got to hit line drives. You got to hit it to the wall or over the wall. Base. Now there might be less strikeouts. More guys might be inclined to just make contact with the ball because a ground ball is going to get through the hole. Baseball was my favorite sport growing up. I, it was the one I played all through high school, and that was my you know sport I liked the best. And when I think back to the plays that really stuck with me as a fan— it, it's never home runs. I mean, maybe if you win a, a you know some game, or it's you. Like I still remember Dave Parker from right field in the All Star game throwing out on the fly someone from like the warning track at third. It was one of the most amazing. The, the I mean, triple's the most exciting play in baseball. Yeah, that's another example because it's how fast are you? How efficient are you running the base? Do you slide right? Like to I hate triples. <laughs> I hate triples. Why? Because if you're fast enough to get to third, you're fast enough to score from second on a base hit. There's no reason to ever. Get thrown out at third trying to get a triple with one out. Well, there yeah, is, yeah, because of with uh, one out, sacrifice with one out, you got to get to third. Next, if your guy gets a base hit, you're scoring from second. You're don't, not you scoring on a fly ball from second with All one right, out. Well, then you'll move to third. You'll be on third. And then or two there'll outs. be two outs, and you're going to uh, die. No you're going to die a death there. The, the, the amount of times. For well, the, let's just say this. Your point. I think, you get thrown out at third. But how often you. do you see players thrown <laughs> out at third? Baseballs and players are pretty good at. They know that don't make your first out. Or your or, or your last out at third, but you can make the second out at third. But they th know this. Think of all the qualities it takes. Because the thing that we forget about football, and I think the other sports don't do a good job of this, is emphasizing how football is so specialized, and that kind of sucks. Like the idea. Imagine how cool the NFL would be if you had to play. If you had eight guys that had to play both ways. Yeah. Right, like then it'd be like I mean, guys like Dion. Best I mean, play in football is when a, a, a defensive player gets put in on the line and they throw it to him. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fascinating to see. And to me, the thing about basketball, and it's probably the best sport in this way. It's the only sport you play offense and defense. The yeah, same that's a good point. At the same time, whereas you know, there's no timeout, there's no shifting. Oh, hockey, you, you just alienated every well, hockey I don't player. Consider, but the, hockey's trading in and out with those lines. I don't know sure. anything about soccer. It. What I'm the talking about, American sports. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're we're not. We're not in like. You're right. <laughs> Lord. All right. So, um, but don't you agree? With, I mean, don't you like when? Again, I grew up in you know the '80s, so it's like Ozzy Smith at short. The plays he was making. Yeah. To me, that's what interests me. Not some home like like a Mark McGuire hitting some long home run. That's fine, and it was exciting when it was happening. My, my favorite quote: the the umpire, one of the famous umpires. I think his name begins with an L. He wrote a book. Ron Luciano. Yes, so, I think Empire wrote, Strikes well, Back. His name. Is so, so, so he he wrote in his book. He says so. There's uh, this is before all the shifts. So, so there's a hard hit ball right up the middle past the pitcher, and Ozzy Smith dives. Oh, you're exactly right about gets this. the ball, throws it, throws him out, and Luciano says, says I wanted to call. He says I, I'm umped for dozens of years. Mm -hmm. I've seen this play a hundred times against the non-shift. No, he didn't say he said a hundred times because I've seen it so many times. It's always a I've hit. Never seen it caught. Yeah. Yeah. Always a hit. Mm -hmm. like, and, and and here he actually threw him out. He says I wanted to call timeout and thank him for that. Yeah, in a way, that makes such a valid. They say that in the NFL about certain throws that like a Mahomes can make. 
that no no one else can mm. make is that the defenses are built to not cover this certain guy yeah. when a guy mm. starts to roll a certain way, and his ability to make that throw is one of the main reasons. Like they can't do that to him, and thus it opens up the whole field. To me, that's the inside baseball, no pun intended, mm. that that is so beautiful about the game. Which let's be candid, isn't the case in the last few years as much with the home runs and the strikeouts. And my father taught me, he says, you go to a baseball game in person and you watch closely enough, you will see something that you have never have seen before in a baseball game. And the game we went to in particular, we had two guys on the on-deck circle. And one of the, the fans yells, hey, they're not allowed to do that. They're both on the on-deck circle. And the ump actually walked over and said, one of you crumb bums has to go back to the dugout. That's illegal. You're not allowed to have both guys. There was a game in Cleveland, 19-foot high wall. Ground rule double. Ball bounced on the warning track and went over the 19-foot, 9-inch wall. It's happened once in the history of, of, of the Cleveland Stadium. If you just watch closely enough, stuff happens in baseball. Do you guys, like, do you guys not like bunting, or do you guys like bunting? Like what? Well, I think anyone that in, enjoys the nuance of the game is going to think that's part of the game. It's funny. Like So my son's high school team, they bunt all the time. Mm -hmm. Cool. It makes me so crazy. That is, it's Moneyball will tell you well, that well, is a well, bad play. What, 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 a sacrifice bunt or a bunt for a hit? Sacrifice bunt, oh, that's squeeze stupid. bunting. Yeah. Like, and when I when I coached club ball, we didn't even have a bunt sign. Like, well, because if you, you couldn't part of the problem, if you couldn't hit, you just didn't play. Why would you give up an out? That's that, money, Moneyball, right? If a guy wants the bunt, pick the ball up, throw it at first, and say thank you. I, I, well, that's <laughs> a sacrifice bunt. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, see, you guys got a very softball mentality to it. Like, do you even do you think they should run the bases when they hit a home run? Not hitting it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To Although me, there's nothing cooler than pimping out a home run, just trotting, you know. And, yeah. To to what? me, like Luciano in that book, and he wrote three books. His first was the best one because he had all. But um, yeah, I was so in the bay. I read Jim. Jim, I tell you, if you want to read a great sports autobiography it was a diary jim bowton wrote ball four mm. and at the time baseball w was like uh what would you call it? it was like a secret club they had omerta or whatever where anything that went on that you wouldn't talk about in the public if mickey Mantle was running around mm -hmm, you, know, mm -hmm. you know or greenies or whatever yeah, they still what? have their own like invest yeah. there's a dark side of baseball they have their own like investigators that you know it's, the it's, first yeah. guy ever to kind of break <laughs> that somewhat was this ball four book and uh it's a it's a classic um and he it was him he was a knuckleball pitcher with seattle but not the mariners it was uh pilots, pilots. yeah, yeah. And um, he, he was a, one of the first knuckleball pitchers, right? I mean, he wasn't the first, but he was used to be a normal pitcher. He blew out his arm, and he's, like, right on the cusp of making – like, he's a long reliever. So he's on the way to the minors, and it's his diary about, hey, he gets called in the manager's office. He thought he was going to get called down or whatever, you know. Sent down is what they mm -hmm. call it, right? And it's a great book. I mean, it's like if you enjoy that behind the scenes, it was the first of its kind, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um Last thing, Carew or Rod Carew uh, in Luciano's book, the great, uh, he was with the Angels, I think, mo if not all the time. Uh, they said he would start bunting like in July. Like he was a, one of the best bunters of all time. And he won like four batting titles. He had a, he had like seven different batting stances. Hmm. Based upon the way the pitcher threw, he'd have a different stance. So he had a different swing plane for each of the <laughs> or different wow. styles. But, um, he, but once teams started getting tired, like third base, mm -hmm. he'd start to bunt more. It's like exactly. that kind of thinking, mm -hmm. I think, let's be honest, the hit and sit. 
<laughs> not the same. But, but let's the grass keep... probably got longer too. Oh, that's interesting. All right, you want to keep going? Yeah. So that's as far. That's where we got on the uh, the rules now. Well, now. okay. No, there's a By couple the way, more. Eight, right? Eighteen time All Star Rod Carew. Oh, he was amazing. I, like the guy's career was nineteen years. Eighteen time All Star. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. What did he bat? Like, so he was almost 40. What did he bat his last couple? I mean, because he was batting like 370, like multiple years in a row. Uh, he was one of the guys. Him and George Brett were the two guys they thought could hit 400. I mean, not Pete Rose? No. He Never was Pete Rose. Pete Rose was a grinder, man. He always he had he had 200 hit season after 200 hit season. So his last year of baseball. Oh, why wouldn't it have average there? That's dumb. Uh, last year of baseball, he hit. 280. That's pretty good. Rose was hitting like 238. Oh, by hanging on to like he was batting. He was so. Who, you said Rod Carew and who? Uh, George Brett. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not what Tony Gwynn? I guess Tony Gwynn's a little yes. later. A little later, but yeah, Gwynn. Gwyn, he seemed like the one that challenged it the most. I, I think agree. he hit 390 one year, right? Yeah. But George, I think George Brett was the latest into the season, like July 4th past. The yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, I tell you those things. Now, it, now. What do they so like the batting title champions during this hit and sit here or whatever you want to call it? They were like th- what three fifteen or something, right? Like the best uh, in the league was three fifteen. Yeah, like you might get like a three forty. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? I think it? what was Luis Arise last or Jeff McNeil last year? Oh, Jeff McNeil last year was three twenty six. And Luis Arise three sixteen. Yeah. You know, the the guy that coaches your son, younger son won the batting title. Yeah, right. yeah, won yeah. three batting titles. Is that right? I knew yeah. well, ba- Bill Madlock. Uh, I was thinking, how old is he? Is he like 70? That's a good question. He's got to be know. like 70. He was a, a Pirates third baseman. He won it. But, um, oh, here we go. So here's- LeMay, who had a 364 average he's, in 2020. He's 72. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. So that, let's see. It was a 326 for the Mets last year, it looks like. And, and there's a batting champion in each. Oh, this is interesting. Usually it's each league. Oh, he has the National League. Okay, yeah. So what do you think yeah, look about... Look at LeMay, who had a 364 in 2020. So this would be a... Um, There's only 60 games. So that's interesting. Who's the last guy to hit 370? Ichiro. Oh, is that... Boy, he was good. Well, I, I say that as a guess, but uh-huh. I, I don't know for sure. Altuve hit 346 in 2016. Ichiro hit 351 year, 372 in 2004. That's a good year. How disgusting is 372. that? 372. 262 hits that year. Jesus. <laughs> Okay, so. And they called him a rookie. Okay, so keep going back. I want to see George Bryant and stuff. Uh, Ichiro's the best hitter I've ever seen. Like, just from back control and, like, putting the ball where he wanted it. He's incredible. Okay, so that's 1990 he's looking. George Bryant hit 390 in 1980. 390. Oh, look at Rod Crew. Just go down a little bit. So Rod Crew won the batting title in 72. Only 318, 73, 350, 74, 364, 75, 359. Now that's a run, Fez. And then he won at 77, 78, too. I know. George Bratt snuck in in 76. So six out of seven years? Yeah. That's crazy. And then Wade Boggs, look at that. Boggs to Mattingly. Oh, his my back hurts. 368, 357. This is box. 363, 366. That's even more impressive. It's because he ate chicken before every game. They say that one of the most amazing stats you're ever going to see is George or Wade Boggs popped out. He didn't pop out for like 12 years. It was like some crazy stat. I think we looked this up like a couple years ago. Oh, 
the legend says Mackenzie's on it today. The legend says 107 beers. Yeah, yeah, cross country flight. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. He's like, Andre that, the Giant. Yeah, I mean seriously, that's interesting. Look at his pop up numbers. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Last thing on the changes. So we talked about the pitch clock, and we think and it's going to be uh, closers mm -hmm. who take a long time in between pitches. The th and usually they throw heat uh, to get their strength back up in a way. Yeah, now, take how, a couple do, deep breaths, how yeah. do we exploit that? Because I, is there any one team that has like a majority of their, or like to say their two best closers are heat, uh, you know, heavy heat pitchers that maybe take time in between. Is there any situation like that? We can look to maybe in game fast play against this team with the lead. So the Phillies, for example, have when they have Gregory Soto and Jose Alvarado, they're two of the hardest throwing left-handed pitchers in baseball. And they're both, I mean, Soto was a closer for Detroit. Now he comes over. He's going to be in a setup role here. And Alvarado, same thing. Sir Anthony Dominguez is a hard thrower as well. So they got some. And His name's Sir? Sir Anthony. That's nice. Yeah. So they, they, they got some flamethrowers in their bullpen, the mm -hmm. Phillies do. So perhaps it, 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 these are it, slow work or the main two are slow workers? Um, Alvarado is a slow worker. Um, not so much for, for really um, Soto. Okay. So it's going to be hard to exploit necessarily in any given game. I guess it's a situation where, like, again, this is going to be niche and you're going to have to be a daily baseball batter. But like, let's say that the guy who does it, that works slow or doesn't work slow, mm -hmm. Soto is that. Let's say he pitches the night before, and now he's kind of eliminated, and now you're in game, and the team's up by two runs, you know, with in the seventh. That might be the recipe for a bat to think, hey, we know we're going to go to the closer. We know he struggles. And again, we're going to see once the season starts how much these pitchers are struggling. What do you think, Fez? I think I agree completely with what you're saying mm -hmm. that you're going to you, you can identify some bullpens that are maybe we're good that aren't going to be good anymore mm -hmm. with the, with this change. You know, I'm going to look to the grand salami. I'm going to okay. look to overs. Okay. Because I think we're going to see some just horrendous. So the grand salami is you add up every run from every team that day there's an over under on it. Yes, because I think that 15% of the pitchers are just going to absolutely suck. They're going to just not— Initially, at least. They're, they're going to have so much trouble adjusting, and then things start going south, and they're going to blame, God, God damn, pitch clock, and I've, my arm hurts already, and they're just going to get— Yeah, first, what's the, the, first the sticky substance, and ban, and now— uh, So the I think clock. you're going to see more 12-3 to 3 crooked eight-inning runs against All pitchers right, that right. can't get anyone out. What's the average grand salami on like a Saturday where every team's in action? Add all add all the totals for all the games and add three. So it's three because there's a there's a bias towards the over because you can go uh, now approximately. Here, now it's time to really stop and think what the H is going on. <laughs> what the H is going on? Because check this out: opening day totals. Last year to this year. So over-unders and all the opening day games, we're looking at averages. This year, the average is 7.97 on Thursday. Now, what we did was, hey, if the line was 9 over minus 120, well, each of the set, each of the numbers have a, uh, a break point. Uh, so, Fez, like a 7 is like 27 cents. On or off the 7? Yep. Yeah. So we did it, or McKenzie did it decimal point. So a little less than 8. Last year... Doesn't matter how many games there were. These were the first games, so not opening day, but game number one, eight and a half. 
So literally this year, it's a half a run less. Last year was eight and a half. Now it's a little less than eight. So a half run or so, even more. What the H hell is going on? Last year was was last year the abbreviated spring training. I, I mean, these years run into each other, but we no. Had, I think last year was abbreviated. We had abbreviated spring training. They had labor unrest or whatever. Yeah. So, okay, so perhaps does, what, that does that help pitching or does that help hitting? No, I think it might have hurt pitching because pitchers weren't ready. But hitters were ready. Yeah, well, hitters get ready more than better than That's pitchers. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. This isn't to see who's the smartest so about say, baseball. Yeah, pitchers, We're trying to yes. teach people. Yes, uh, yes. Hitters are ready more than pitchers are ready. Okay. And so with an abbreviated spring, guys' arms weren't 100% to start the year. So that was probably why. And plus, well, they also had the humidor effect, right? The humidor being used in all of the ballparks but the for first the first game, time. The first game we yeah. did. Fez had some crazy crackpot theory on that <laughs> one. I mean, that was crazy. I was right about Arizona. <laughs> but perhaps the numbers were Arizona's higher. Arizona's scoring went way down with the soggier baseball. Perhaps the projections were higher last year because of the abbreviated spring. Okay, so here's the thing. We looked at the first two weeks of last year, which still applies that idea. Mm-hmm. The average total was eight and a half. So now, McKenzie, do me a favor. Let's look at just the first opening day. And don't worry about converting. We'll just take a broad on the in the database. And then look at the first two weeks of let's say the year before, but the year before was the uh, the a really abbreviated season, mm-hmm. right? So go to uh, two thousand and twenty. That go was the 20, last. Go to twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty was COVID. So go to twenty nineteen. Okay, twenty twenty was COVID, and that was the abbreviated season. So go to twenty nineteen. First two weeks, you know, let's just say game one through ten. Let's say with the average total was let's just see because in theory that'd be about the same as should have been last year my question would be like if they if the if the totals averaged eight and a half last year Mm -hmm. could the results of the total of those games have because they're not looking at they're not looking at it as in well here's our opening day totals they're not thinking that way they're thinking just in general has scoring gone up has scoring gone down i mean some of it's the betting i mean i wonder where the open is compared to you know we can look at that too i mean if if unders just dominated for the first two weeks last year maybe it's in their head that uh, boy scoring wasn't wasn't the same early in the season. Huh? Well, like I said, I think most of this is batters. So when you say they, I don't think, you yeah, know, you're right. The books aren't thinking about that. You think, Fez? I don't know what the books are thinking. I'm not a baseball expert when it comes to this time of year and how in depth they are. But boy, these, I saw the five, six and a halves. You know, mm-hmm. whenever you, whenever you see a total below seven, you're like, ooh. You know, that's really a low total. So 2019, 8.3 was the average for the first two weeks. So we're below 2019. We're below 2022. And scoring was down last year. Oh, but 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 this is this is apples to oranges. Remember, we got, because we got aces going. It's opening day. But, but so I'm we saying, can't just say the first two stop, weeks. Stop, stop, stop. The first two weeks of 2022 was 8.5. The first two weeks of 2019 was 8.3. So now we have aces going in in week one. Oh, okay, in game one. Yeah. So you yeah. got to compare game one of no, these. I agree. Yeah. Except. Uh, I think I so McKenzie, do me a favor. Do game one only, but do but do like uh do five years worth of game ones. Yes. But wouldn't okay, also from, I'm sorry, one second. From uh six sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. No, go fifteen through nineteen. Go ahead. Wouldn't also the I mean the fact that there's new rules to increase offense, wouldn't that That's why we're confused. Even it, it out? Like, That's why even what out? 
like what he, you know, the humidors, whatever was dampening well, scoring I, a year ago. I'm not ago. even sure what was or wasn't, but what I know is that from last year to this year, it feels like every change has been lending itself to scoring. And yet the totals look the low. The totals half. Now we want to quantify. If I would have told you, Fez, the totals are a half point lower or higher, half run higher, you'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, makes the, sense. the bookmakers made the proper adjustments, yes. and now it looks like they're, they're if anything, they're lower than what they've been historically. If Maybe I, it'll come out to be the same now that we'll do this. No, no, no. We did we did 2022 to 2023, first game only. And, and it was lower. Half run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from 15 through 19, the average over-under for the first game was 7.7. Okay, now that's interesting. All right, so... Hmm. So 21. So let's think about this. If 20 was the 20 was the COVID season, so 21 was two years. How many seasons has there been since COVID? This is crazy. Two. This is the third year. This is the third year. All right. So 2020 is just as valid then, right? 2020 doesn't have labor unrest. Well, 2020 was. Or, or was I mean, twenty twenty was the COVID year. So okay, okay. You, you can't and, count twenty twenty because the weather. And, oh, was, so 21, the weather was okay. warm when so, we started. And then even now the twenty cold. and even twenty twenty one started with you know limited fans in ballparks and, and yeah. Things like but then twenty two is when there was the labor unrest, is what we're saying last year. Yeah. Okay. So we haven't looked at twenty one. You want to look at opening day twenty one because that's interesting. Seven point seven. You know, in fact, McKen, do me a favor. Go the same two thousand fifteen through nineteen, but let's just look at the first two weeks. I just want to get a feel if it was just opening day or those first two weeks were different. I, I would guess it's gonna be eight and a half. Okay. So yeah, but that the point is uh, eight point three it looks like. So it was down a little okay. bit. Now remember last year there was um was was I mean these years run into each other? Wasn't it last year that there was all this drama over the mixed batch of baseballs? Yeah, because there were some base, but there were some baseballs that were from the COVID year that were put in, yeah. and because of production, uh, um, you know, uh, stoppages due to COVID, that they had to use old baseballs, and so certain games had the juiced baseballs in, certain games had the newer, more tightly bound, less restricted flight baseballs, and that you were getting pitchers were complaining at different feel. Every time they, somebody every time they threw the money. pitch, I think someone made a lot of money on this. It wasn't me though. What do you think, Fred? <laughs> we got to find a way to sell these baseballs. <laughs> Can't throw them out. Well, I'm talking about if you. It sounds like if you knew what baseballs We're, were being used, sure. it affected the total. Yes. I wonder. I wonder if we looked at line moves on totals early last year, and saying whenever there was a major move, did it win or lose? See that's how I did the Tim. The, the the thing got me discovered. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be like the Donahue thing though. Though it it, it would because it's a, because it would only be worth half a run. It'd be really hard to like. Yeah. So so that I don't know. Are we sure it'd be worth half a run? Well, sure it wouldn't be worth like three runs. Maybe it'd be worth a run top. I mean, is that is that a, a small thing when no, your totals not, are like seven and a half? But how much? No. But how much could you bet it up? Is the theory like the indicator we'd have is the line moving? Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But but I tell you this, maybe not how maybe then we would bring the threshold down and say what percentage of total moves of 20 cents or more, so that's a modest move, won. Mm-hmm. If more of them won last year, that'd be telling, yes, wouldn't it? It would be. All right, so the average first two weeks of the year was 8.1 during the first two weeks of the year in 2015 through 19, and last year it was 8.1. Five. Interesting. So in oh no, that was opening day. But last year, the first two weeks was eight point five. So in general, it feels like totals went down from twenty twenty two had higher totals, and prior to that, it was generally down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
But now we're saying they're even they're back to where they were. So maybe I actually think Scott might have at least some of the answer. I think the issues about the humidors and all that. I can't remember. Did people? Did you? Did we? Was the consensus would be more scoring initially or not? No, it depended on the ballpark. Oh, that was your crazy theory. No, because it, it's not crazy. It's like all of a sudden, if if you're playing in 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 an arid climate, the ball becomes soggy and it doesn't travel as far, so scoring goes down in in, in Arizona. But if you're playing it's in so- a hot- arid and soggy, doesn't go together, does it? It does not, but okay. but but they, they, that's why the ball comes out of the humidor, so it oh, comes okay. out soggy. But but the ball is always soggy in in in, in my in, in a climate yeah. like Miami. Yeah. So now it's less soggy. So the ball travels further in Miami. So scoring goes up in the in a place like that. And and did you make money from your theory? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest thing you ever said. <laughs> All right, so what's next? I don't. I'll tell you this. I don't know. Yeah. No, what's, I don't ne- know. what's next is the schedule change. There is a schedule change in Major League Baseball this year. It is a balanced schedule, and what that means is every team will now play everybody. They are reducing the number of divisional games and increasing the number of games against other opponents. But effectively, interleague games. Yes. Instead of, you'll you'll have 40-something interleague games instead of under 20 interleague games now. And the number of division games decreases from 76 per team to 52 per team. That's that's, not a small, that's not insignificant. And so think about teams that are in, you know, tough divisions that now either benefit from not playing within their division, a team like the Orioles benefits from not playing the Yankees, from not playing the Rays, from not playing the Blue Jays, or maybe a team like the Mets, who last year really ate up on the bottom of the National League East. They beat the Marlins and Nationals 27 of 38 games last year. They don't have the benefit now of playing against the Nationals and the Marlins as much as they would have in a normal year. Yes, that also means that they're playing less games against the Braves and and the uh, Phillies, so it does even out in that aspect. But I think you look at those teams that have really tough divisions and see how they would benefit or be hurt Mm -hmm. by the the balanced schedule. So the math on this is going to be, and I got McKenzie looking, is what is the strength of the schedule if it was the old schedule Mm -hmm. versus the current? And I think it's noteworthy because – but in general, I agree with you. If the level of competition across the league is higher than your division, then you get hurt by this because you got more games against tougher competition. Exactly. But you have to exclude yourself from the division. So so, so the the NL East – I'm going to disagree on the Mets. Mm -hmm. The NL East is is a loaded division. Top top three, yes. But if you delete the Mets from the division, by definition, when you're speaking about the Mets, Mm -hmm. they don't play themselves. Mm-hmm. It's an average division, so it doesn't matter. Well, that's what I'm saying. It balances out it because balances. They're, they're not exactly. playing the Braves and the and the Phillies as much, but they're also not teams, playing the Marlins and the Nationals teams, as much. So it balances. All right, so here we got – but he found this immediately. Every team, how much are they going to be helped or hurt by the strength of schedule of this change? So the AL East is going to be helped greatly. The theory is they're very Less games tough. against each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and – Who's going to be hurt is the NL East. So the NL East is weak, is what they're saying here. Mets. I think it's because the the Nationals are the worst team in baseball, mm-hmm. and the Marlins are going to be bad as well. Mm-hmm. And so Just it's, it's less patties. games, yeah. less games that you're going to eat up on the bottom feeders. All right. Now there's two divisions that are right in the middle. Whereas some of the teams are going to be helped, some are going to be the hurt. The most extreme is the NL West, where they've got the Dodgers are going to be hurt. The San Francisco is going to be hurt. Uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then helped is going to be Colorado and Arizona. Yeah, of course, the they don't have to play the Dodgers yeah, <laughs> as much, yeah. which kind of makes sense, yeah. right? And wow, look how the NL East is is bigger than anything. I mean, the AL East and the NL East, or the in the AL West. Now, the West is going to be helped massively. Oakland, Angels, Seattle, Texas, Houston. Okay. Now, I heard this is interesting. I've listened to a few podcasts. And there's there's been strong people on the Angels over like this is the year with Otani. And- so now you're, you're 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 leading me into okay, let's my in. you're leading me into my it's not gonna happen. Okay, but I can see it happening. Hey, in fact, we got, we'll have a little special music for this. Let's see here. Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh, Tell us. And that's the Angels at. Plus 750 to win the American League West. Now, it's not going to happen because the Astros are just so good. Wait a minute. I don't want you saying this. Oh, wait. (laughs) The Astros are probably. I have the Astros at what I have, 94, I think I have them at, which means they're going to win more than 94 games. Uh, But the Angels have now, hopefully, a healthy Mike Trout, healthy Shohei Otani, a healthy Anthony Rendon, who was the highest priced guy to come into this team that people forget about because he's hurt all the darn time, but now he's healthy and tearing it up in spring training. That's a really good one, two, three in your batting order. Now, some people say Otani and Trout are the one and two best players in baseball. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. So how think about having the first and best and second best NBA player. Yeah. It does, does, yeah. You're guaranteed to be a top five team. Yeah. Guaranteed. Here you can be, uh, what, what were they, like 22nd last year? This was the joke during the World Baseball Classic when it was the United States against Japan in the final. It's like, wow, the best American player and the best Japanese player. Imagine if they were on the same team. And (laughs) they are. In a way, it is glorious for the game that no one player can meet. Exactly. In football, quarterback means that Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the one sport that that's not the case. And so it's I mean, it's because— not, I, I shouldn't say neither of them pitch because one of them does pitch. Yeah. But the Angels stink because they haven't had good pitch. We, Correct. They had a, there was a run last year where the Angels played 20 games and won five of them. And all five of them, Otani started. They lost every non-Otani start over a 20-game span. Yeah, they were bad. And Trout was not there. So, you know, Trout's hurt all the time. So if he stays healthy, if Rendon stays healthy, and you could say that about every major league team, if they stay healthy. but I, Some are going to be more fragile than others. Yes, but I do like this team. I do like this lineup with uh, – they brought in Gio Urshela. You might remember him. He used to play for the Yankees. Then he played for the Twins. Now he's probably going to nope. be their shortstop. Um, Brandon Drury is another power-hitting player. Hunter Renfro, so how's the not the wide staff? receiver. How's the pitching staff look? Not great. Okay. Behind Otani. It doesn't look great, and that's going to be their downfall. But is I Otani, still is Otani. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Is Otani doing this in five years? It seems like he's going to get hurt at some point. No one think he only done. pitches like every six. Only pitches once a week. Yeah. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that's a strain. Like the strain. The theory is that one thing requires you to rest the rest of the week. But he instead he's one of the best players the rest of. The week. I mean, this is if I would have told you someone was going to do this. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, before this, you'd say no way. No, because I'd say a team wouldn't let him. Which lends to the point: yeah. is it an injury risk? Is that why? I, I yeah, and I yeah, I do think it is. But, but he I is, don't hear it talked about. No, but he's proven that he's he's stayed healthy. He's proven but he's young. And it, it helps the if unicorn. they don't put him in the field either. Oh, okay. yeah, he's a DH. Okay, yeah. I think there were 
hopeful that like he'd become like a dominant batter or a dominant pitcher, and then he became both. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, it didn't resolve itself which one he's better at. When he first came over, the thought was he was going to play in the outfield, and he just he doesn't play in the outfield. You, you think you'd want that arm out there. Yeah. Now, what's the odds of him being on this team in two years? Because there's talk that this, if there's ever a year they're going to try to make this work, they, this year winning might keep him there, is what I'm hearing. I, I don't think he's going to be on the Angels long term. But the, um, but the thing is, Yankee or I'm sorry, the Dodgers won him right because they love the Asian fans. Yes, and, and but but here's the thing: he could have signed with the Yankees when he first came over here. He chose the Angels. But he didn't know any yeah. better, right? But the Yankees have the Yankees are on every day in, in, but, but in the, Japan. The, aren't the, the Dodgers Yankees are the, more into the Asian market? I mean, everyone wants all the markets, right? It's, it, the two the two most popular teams are the Yankees and the, and the Mariners. With the with who in Japan? Okay, I didn't know that. The Yankees okay. had a partnership with one of the biggest Japanese newspapers for years, and there was the so, reason. And, and they had a giant on the right field wall because that's where Hideki Matsui played, and they had the big logo on the right field wall okay. for the Japanese for the big biggest newspaper in Tokyo. And Seattle was driven by Ichiro. Yes. Well, and Seattle has a heavy Asian yeah. population, and I guess the geographic proximity yeah. relatively, yes. right? Okay, yes. which is why Otani wanted to be on the West Coast. Okay, that makes sense. So, but that would fit the Dodgers in theory. Yes. All right, so where would you, if you had to bet where he's going to be, I'm thinking you would take the Angels over any other individual team, or but you just think it's less than fifty percent combined, or what would you say? Yeah, I, I'd say I don't think they can. I don't think they will pay for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Angels will pay for him. I think the Dodgers would wind up paying for him. Uh, I don't know if the uh, I think the Mariners would pay for him certainly if he mm-hmm. wants to go to Seattle. But does he want to you know follow Ichiro in, in, in some? How about aspect? some odds for Shohei Otani next team? Yes, please. Uh, New York Mets, the favorites, plus 300. Well, that's because they got, they got the richest owner that'll yeah. spend as much as it takes. Chicago Cubs, plus 500. Now, I've heard that, actually. Now, that seems crazy. I've heard the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yankees, plus 600. Again, money. Dodgers, plus 600. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'll tell you, this this team wouldn't surprise me because they seem to just be willing to spend whatever. San Diego Padres, plus That ends 600. at some point, though, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Braves, 10 to 1. Cardinals, 12 to 1. Right. Jays, Astros, Phillies, Giants, twenty to one. Mariners, twenty five. That's interesting. Okay, so is that a? I mean, not your best bet, but is that it's a not bet? Even, it's not even a bet. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I, to me, it's a waste of money because I think the Astros are the best team. We worked up to. I could imagine this, but it's now a waste of you money. You asked me for something yeah. that is unlikely to happen, yeah. but I could see a path to so where it. We would happening. generally want the, it to have a better chance than the odds. Well, the bet that I would make is the Angels over their wins. Okay, I like That's that. That's the bet I would make. I like that. But I can see a path to the plus so 750. Your point is you're optimistic, you're optimistic on the Angels. Yes. It's just you are really high on the Astros. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm very high on the Astros. All right, so... I would say this. I think, and we'll move on. The Angels are going to be a high variance team, mm-hmm. meaning I think they could do really well. They could be, they could trade each, or I'm sorry, they could trade Otani after the All Star break. I mean, the theory is if they think if they're losing, and they think he's going to leave, they mm-hmm. trade him, right? I mean, you you've heard that, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want to lose them. For yeah, nothing. so so I think this is a, this could be a wide range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. With the Angels, which generally, Fez, when there's a wide range of outcomes, I tend to want to bet the longer shots on them, right? I don't want over-under, which is supposed to be a coin flip. I'm not as anxious on that as I am to maybe win the division. All it takes is the Astros to screw up. 
Yeah, the problem is it's a bridge too far. The Astros are supposed to win 95 games. The Angels, 82 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no interest in trying to find a 12 and a half game variance. And, yeah. and, and I have no reason to, to, to think that the, although I'm bullish on the Angels, I agree with so Scott. So this is why I actually re- I love their over in the win total. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I did some projection research looking at, you know, some of the more popular uh, projection sites out there mm-hmm. like Pakoda and, uh, and Zips. Mm-hmm. Both of them have the Angels over that 82-and-a-half number. And the money's been on that. 81-and-a-half uh, was the number earlier this month, mm-hmm. up to 82-and-a-half. So and, and this is actually one of my biggest investments. Okay. I have a team versus team prop, and now it's Ooh. not as good as it was. But I unloaded on Angels versus San Francisco mm. because the Sharps are betting Angels over, mm-hmm. and the Sharps are also looking to play the Giants under. So both teams started around 80, right around 81 and a half. The Giants are down to 81. The Angels are up to 82 and a half. They're going in oppo directions. So I, I really like this as a way to get at both the sharp direction. Uh, I, I have the Giants at 80. There you go. So you've got Giants at 80. You've got the Angels winning 83. And what were you laying? What, uh, 110 on this? I, I, I started plus I have 115. The Angels. Okay. And then I laid minus 115, and then I laid minus 25. Fez, I have the Angels at 85. So, I mean, if you have a five-game difference, that would be like equate to like a true line somewhere minus 180. Yeah. So I liked – I really liked the way you told me you did your power or projection. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, in an industry, a lot of people are entering this industry. What you got is a lot of people acting like they are doing all this work from an original place. They're doing it with calculators or a supercomputer, whatever the story is. But in general, there's great stuff out there. If you can find a way to create an amalgamation of those different sources, yeah, so knowing that, the strength that, of them and I the did. weaknesses of mm-hmm. them, then you add your own little special sauce. That's pretty damn unique. So explain quickly how you do your projections. So I look at baseball prospectus has been around forever. They're one of the, you know, they have what's called the Pakoda uh, standings. That's their projections. That's Mm -hmm. baseball perspective simulations. That's their win projections. They have like an aging curve. Yes. And then Fangraphs uses a couple of different uh, projections. Fangraphs is a very popular baseball Mm -hmm. analytical website, sabermetric stats and whatnot. And they, uh, Zips is one of the more popular uh, projections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I use Fangraph's projections a lot when I look at because they they adjust as the season can, goes along. So I look at, oh, what's the team's record now? What's their projected finish? Who's going to win the division? Things like that. Who do they have projected? And then I look compare both the numbers and then I add my own I don't want to call it bias, but it is a little bit of bias. I add, I add my own input. So if I, if I say like, okay, a team like uh, I'll give you an um, or just say the Angels. Like, you know, one one has them at 84, another has them at, you know, 83. And I'm like, you know what? I actually think they're going to win 85. Mm-hmm. So I add a couple of games to the projections. Yeah, um, but you wouldn't go to your number. If your number was, let's say your number was 86 and their average number was 84, you might bring it to 85, right? You're correct. You're just going to go to yours. Correct. You're going to say, mine's a vote. Yes. I, I like that. Like, let's say Yankees... Um, Yankees projected 91, according to Zips. Yankees projected 96, according to Pakoda. Okay, so how many of the... My number, by the way, Yankees 94. Okay, so Fez has the famous bet now, which is the team's going to lose 100 games. At least one team. One team. How many of your projections have a team losing, you know, winning 62 games or less? Uh, I have the A's at 63, so that's right about there. So no... Um, I have his projections say you're losing. I have the Nationals at 61. Oh, 
You don't like those projections, though, right? I think the Nationals are going to lose 100 games, yes. Have them yeah, 661 yeah, wins yeah, is 100. Team that's going to win by one, that's going to get there by one game. That's kind of too close, isn't it? No, because that's like so for me to lose. Like, like, let's assume, let's both these. You've got one team of 101 losses, the other team at how many losses? 99. 99, yeah. Okay, so assume they're both coin flips, okay? Mm-hmm. I got a 75% chance that one of these two teams is going to lose 100 games. You're saying if it comes down to the last game and they're at 99 losses, both, okay. The next and worst. that's just two teams. Yeah. I've got all these other crumb bum, cub, bad teams that, you know, could, you know, they're only supposed to win 66 games, you know, like the, the Detroit Tigers of the world. One of these teams got to go yeah. completely into the like, toilet. I, I have Colorado at 65. Another I've, candidate. I have the Royals at 67. They could lose 105. Yeah, I got the Reds at 69. They stink. Hey, I, was, I was looking at some long <laughs> term. I was looking at. Yeah. I have Detroit sixty eight. So yeah, I was looking at the Massey uh, power ratings for something else, and I was looking at the baseball numbers, and it, it there was like three years in a row the Kansas City Royals were I think between 14, 15, 16. They were three years. They were the best team in baseball. Well, they went to back to back World Series. Okay, how yeah. did that happen? Uh, they. Drafted well, and they had a they really won a lot of games. They lost a lot of games, got a lot of high draft picks, and they had a really good pitching staff. And then they and, cycled right back. And they kind of like they the, uh, other teams followed in their mold of building bullpens, mm-hmm. and mm. they shortened games. And they would live. So your, Tampa Bay is a variation. Exactly. Yeah. They had their seventh inning guy, uh-huh. their eighth inning mm-hmm. guy, and their ninth inning and, guy, and all and all of these guys. Were excelled in the role. So if they had a one run lead after six, they won by one. Yeah, yeah. So, and this at the time, the theory was it was an inefficient market that those good relievers mm. were cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland, and lauded as like the best back end of a bullpen just production wise those those two years. It was so they shortened the cur- every game. What's the current inefficiency? Like right now, what are the smartest teams doing? Uh, openers, <laughs> you know, like usually, like that's what openers. What do you mean? Like uh, you're having a um, instead of a starting pitcher going seven innings, uh, you have a guy that only goes an inning or two. So Tampa Bay, so in a like way, the extending the whole bullpen contest. Yes, and then you have a guy that comes in as your bulk guy, which then takes the second or third inning and then carries you to the sixth. So or he's seven. effectively the starter, but the theory is you want to the, get through. They don't call him a starter. I know, but, opener. Yeah. but but the theory is you want to get that one one inning pitcher through the beginning of the lineup. Yes. Which is the tough. Which is the toughest because most, uh, most runs are scored in the first inning of baseball games than in any inning ever. Okay. And that's every every season. Do you get involved with his first inning score or not? Well, I was very adamant about it last year because, and last year, it actually, because of the low scoring last year, it, it was somewhat profitable to go no, but historically, it's not. Mm-hmm. Historically, the yes is the profitable way to go because, like I said, more runs are scored in the first inning of ball games in Major League Baseball than any inning, and you're a- almost always getting plus money on the yes. So You ever get involved in this fast? Sure. And so, How have you done? I did fine. I, I was profitable, but the it's not as good as it was because it used to be there was an inefficiency of the market because the National League had, relatively speaking, more runs scored in the first inning than any other inning versus the American League. All right, because, because the theory is without the DH, the the non top of the order has more disadvantage. 
Yes, yes. Okay. So, so if an AL game was lined at eight and a National League line was was lined at eight, which one's going to have be higher scoring in the first inning? Well, the National League game obviously has a better chance to score the run, and they and the the, the dastardly bookie would just say, "Oh, the total's eight, so here's the probability there'll be a run in the first inning without distinguishing between the two leagues." Okay, but would you be fading one and playing on the other, yes. or was it neutral on one and play on the other? It was it was more play the National League. Yes, was the better bet, or selectively play the American League. No. I, I hate any system that makes you bet with the with the fucking oh jeez with the pub, with the public. Well, yeah, that's why I like betting the yes in games where like you think, oh, we got two stud aces going, and the no is like minus one fifty. Yeah, I would. I, I always like betting the yes. But, now, some pitchers have a propensity to start slow, and yeah, now, was, that, that was, was that built the, into the number? No, but that was part of the secret sauce that you'd you'd handy you track the pitchers that would mm. st- oftentimes struggle to start out. But it's also the theory; I mean, it makes sense. You're facing the three best hitters, guaranteed, mm. in that inning, no, and it depends on the team you're putting. Because and, some some teams were very balanced, and some teams, just like Scott said, just had. You know, loaded one to four, and the red, the I'll back what, half was facing, bad. If, if you're, Especially if you're, in the NL. If you're looking at an Angels game, and it's Trout, Otani, and Rendon guaranteed to bat in the top the, the first inning. I mean, don't don't bet the no. Plus, you got a pitcher that's only supposed to pitch one inning. Does he, he can bring the heat? Right. Well, that, that depends. Yeah, that, that was pretty rare for an opener situation. Then you might look at the no because an opener situation, that guy is going in. Well, I'm saying that only the pitching that one inning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and then in theory. That third time through the lineup is when the problems start, right? Yes. So you're limit. You're letting the 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 second pitcher, the bulk pitcher, Correct. come in, and he, in theory, if you go one, two, three, or it's one extremely hit, rare now that a pitcher sees a lineup a third time. Okay, this is fascinating. Now, now just to clarify, if the if if the number one guy in the lineup is batting to open up the fifth inning for both teams, mm-hmm. the fifth inning will be higher scoring than the first inning, expectation wise. The reason the first inning is the highest, you know, you're getting the top of the lineup. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because otherwise, unless it hits exactly right, you got the ninth guy, and it's a big disadvantage. In theory, that's a much worse hitter than one, two, and three. Exactly. Like, and in the NL, when they back when they when they didn't have the DH, it was just a dream when the six the six number six guy let off. The inning because the pitcher would kill everything. You know, mm-hmm. you got the eight guy coming up third, and then the pitcher fourth, and well, it was you could really kill two hard. innings that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you could go one, two, three. Like I hated it when they get the the six, seven out, and then they would walk the eight guy. What are you doing? You know, they, they, right. you cannot walk him. AJ, you know what I might do? I'm thinking about it. All right, I think I might do a like a month deep dive into baseball, bump, and then because you know baseball, bump, I do, but you don't handicap baseball. Not anymore. So what I'm thinking is maybe I too because baseball used to be my best sport as a better. Oh my god, that's all I would. I mean, do you have a favorite team? Can you follow one team? No, I was. I I was. Listen, this Pirates. Week, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't back the Pirates anymore because it would be supporting their lack of spending money. That's a good point. In fact, I would not even buy a Pirates jersey, or I wouldn't ever buy a jersey. There was a classic. Uh, remember, you know, the Onion. The yeah, satire. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a classic article uh, years and years ago, before way before the Mets opened City Field, and it said PNC Park threatens to move if Pittsburgh doesn't build a better team, <laughs> and, and it was like New York top option. You hey, know? If, like, <laughs> if you keep supporting the team that doesn't spend, yeah, you're yeah, telling yeah. them it's okay. But yeah, I'm telling incredible ballpark with these new team. stats. <laughs> I think I'd probably focus on derivative betting. I bet there's some derivatives that we could do well, and then you could take it in your own direction, but. You'd have me helping you sift through the 
the advanced. I'd be numbers. interested for sure. What do you think of that, Fez? I, I love it. One of the one of the big successes I had was betting runs hits errors. Runs hits errors was one so of my just favorite thing. Yes, to, to to bet, and it's somewhat of a proxy for the total, but mm-hmm. there's nuances associated with it that well, the are really good. There would be less variance there because there's less luck. If you get a bunch of guys on third, the total can be affected. Here, each hit, you know, is worth something. And you, this whole getting train wrecked in extra innings. I'm not saying it doesn't happen uh, with uh, runs hits errors, but if you go into the, like you go into extra innings and it's two two and both teams have two runs on four hits, you're going to win your runs, hits, errors under. Are you going to win your under six and a half? I don't know, Mr. Hand. You know, you just said 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to tell a 30-second story. There was a guy that was playing basketball with us who was older. Like, I probably was 22, 23. He had to be 40, but who knows? When you're that young, you don't really realize how old people are. But he was like a huge pot belly. But he would sit in the post and was oh. the dirtiest player. Like, he was yanking on your wrist. I mean... But he had this Tourette's-type thing that whenever the score was 2-2, he'd go, 2-2, small train. Small train. <laughs> and, and he wouldn't not say that if if, if the earth was blowing up. And it wow. Was... <laughs> small train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was crazy. All right. I get it. Like, two, two. <laughs> it's, it's clever. It's very, it's very clever. Uh, you want to go for my awards now? Uh, so okay. who's your favorite team or two bet what over under win division just a couple of those maybe uh, the world series whatever just yeah I, I think the astros are the best team in baseball uh, they have the highest win total 95 and a half yeah i think the astros and now they lose out jose altuve for a couple of weeks for like maybe a month and a half now mm-hmm. because of the broken thumb that he suffered in the world baseball classic but this because they're cheating they broke his thumb <laughs> exactly you know Damn. he didn't pay up uh <laughs> but they brought in jose abreu who is going to, from the White Sox, he's a power-hitting uh, designated hitter. He's going to certainly add to their home run count. And as I mentioned, guys like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, who had really great seasons last year, are going to be even better without the shift this year. And even though they lost Justin Verlander, they still have one of the top pitching rotations in all of baseball. Verlander is like 44 years exactly. old. Exactly. At least. Right. They still have one of the so top rotations in all of baseball. So how do we get at this? Do we go over 95? What do we, in half, what do we do? Or do you think it's price right? You just like them. I I have them at ninety five. Uh, right, so I think it's I, I, it's hard to go over. Um, but you, right, you wait a month. You bet it live. When it's, I think I think price that put that, that puts them up throughout the year. Well, so the they, theory is they have a little swoon without this guy. Without yes. Altuve, that's the thing. Yes, if they do start out slow here without Altuve, then you can take an uh, take an opportunity to bet them. So over. of all thirty, is there thirty teams? There are all mm-hmm. thirty teams. That's your strongest opinion. Is you can't. There's not one win total. You're on. Oh, I, I, I like a bunch. I like all of them. I mean, I've you like every win. Well, every, no, I mean, I have my projections. But right, so my which, projections where's, line the proje- up. where's the projections vary from the numbers? Them so up? I have the Angels over. Okay, right? I like that. Um, I have. Let's see. Another team is the Phillies right now. I got an idea, Fez. What about betting Houston under win total, and betting Angels to win the division as a hedge bet? And the theory is, if Houston go, if Houston wins the division, they're going over. So you've, however, that oh Houston must be like some god awful number, like minus five hundred. But win we don't have to play them to win the division. We play them under win total. I don't like him under him because Scott's bullish on him. I'm not. He's, not, he's not that bullish. He's saying his projection is ninety five. It's ninety five and a half. That isn't over. Yeah, yeah Houston's low. Right, let's say that you were neutral on Houston. Just type. Yeah. I'm interested in betting two different ways because there's an inefficiency in the market. Do you believe the Angels have a high uh, or a fat tail? Yes. All right. So how do you get at that? You think here's a team you're high on that's eight to one to win the division, and they and let's be honest, the Mariners might be good, but this is the Astros' division. 
the, the Mariners are catching a lot of money. So okay. you got another hot team that's that's so getting I'll, I'll, give, I'll give I'll give you a bet. And may, and this is eight this, to one's woeful. I'll give you an eye. I'll, I'll give you an I'll give you ten bet. to one if you want it. I'll give you an eye opening mm. bet for a win total. Yeah. Dodgers under ninety five and a half. Now this I like because the Dodgers go over like every year by, by, by a ton. Right. So the but, Dodgers but hold, have to be Let's hold the Dodgers back. Okay. Give me Angel, and we won't go crazy on it. Give me Angels ten to one to win the division. Oh, absolutely. And give me a no vig on the under Houston. Yeah, that's right. fine. So under ninety five and a half, a hundred or, or uh, uh, not a hundred, but a hundred to win a hundred. Yeah. And then you're giving me ten to one. Yeah. All right. I got to think about what how I want to pray do the bets, and yeah. I'll tell you by the end of the show. Sounds good. You want to get in on this, AJ? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not betting Astros under. All right. So. Um, and I also like the give, Ma- give, us, your, give I, us your thought first, though. You had a pick, you said. Yeah, so I, I Dodgers under their ninety-five and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're as deep as they as they were or are last. And I think the division's better. I think the Padres are better. I think the Padres pitching staff, a full year of Juan Soto, I think they're going to be in contention. I think the Dodgers certainly have a chance to win this division, but I think that them and the Padres are going to be very close in wins. Who's better? The Padres I have them both. The Dodgers? At, I have them both at ninety-three wins. Okay, now the market's saying Padres are three games back from them, 92.5 versus 95.5. Like I said, I have them. I have them, I have them San, Diego, San Diego got hit. They're up to 93.5 to 9. They're up to 94. Mackenzie, where's, where's these numbers coming from? You said 328. Just moved in the past 24 hours. Okay. The, well, I got ch- Padres. Ch- well, hold on a second. Check that Astros number. I'm not taking a bad number there. I, I got 95.5. I got it somewhere. It's 95.5, right. yes. Uh, I also like the Mets over 91.5. Okay. Yeah. Is this? Let me guess. You're thinking at some point early or before the trading deadline they spent some money. I think that's always a possibility with mm-hmm. Steve Cohen, and I think that it all obviously again health is the biggest thing. If Scherzer and Verlander, who are their top two guns, forty four year old Verlander, yes, <laughs> if they if they if both of those players can be healthy and make you know fifty somewhat starts, I, I think the Mets. Go way over ninety-one wins. It's ninety-two and a half. And there's four books on the screen, so like you keep saying one number, but there's four books. Well, for, first there. off, let's let's not saying what I keep saying. No, I was saying. Hold on, as if it's incorrect. Is over to the left is the consolidated shop number. That's the number I use. I don't. I wasn't talking to you. Who were you talking? I was talking to Fez, who's oh. looking at a book and quoting a number that, like he's like he said, I've got this number on this team, yeah. and you no, were no, saying I, I updated all these to just today. No, the win, gave, the, 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 the win hasn't been updated, but I've got I, I updated Circa Westgate and 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 four eleven okay. as right. of this morning. I think we're good generally, okay. uh, yeah. but I appreciate the no. I hear you. All right, Looks so like we got a ninety one and a half on DraftKings and the Mets. That's a fire. I agree. Yep. All right, so I can't get anything down. I'm limited everywhere. <laughs> so so far, so so far, Arizona. So far, you give us your picks back. Over Angels wins. Mm-hmm. Over Mets wins. Mm-hmm. Under Dodgers wins. I like that. I don't like the Mets. All right. No, I, I hear you. It's just mm-hmm. in general overs, and and this is a team that. But now they, they won 103 games last year. Yeah, but they faded. Right? They didn't even win the division, did they? They lost the division in tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. When's the last time they won the World Series? <laughs> 87, uh, was it? Against no, 86. Oh, 86 against yeah. the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Is they, it... they lost to the Royals in, like, 2017. Oh, I don't even remember that. All right. <laughs> I, I like those three picks. Fez and I have uh, – and by the way, I'm going to be given a best batter two for opening game – well, I guess all teams play on Thursday – 
Yeah, I have a I have a best bet for opening day. If you now know. here is the thing I've been looking forward to because like a year ago, whatever it was, I started listening to you, and at first I'm like, this guy doesn't sound smart. And then I kept listening, and I go, he doesn't sound smart. But then at some <laughs> point, <laughs> no, and you said he always sounded nah, smart. You're like this I, guy's I, super impressive. Do you remember? I do you remember? Joking. Like this, I, I'll take pride in this. All right. And now it meant nothing for my wallet. But do you remember? When before I came here full time, when I was just you know filling in on the Dream Pod, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we went over teams in Major League Baseball, and you said let's rank the lineups, yeah, let's yeah. rank the bullpens, the rotations. No, I said make is, an algorithm yes. to, for playoff success. And this was way before the playoffs started. This might have been in like July, or like, like August or something. Yeah, or not, it was maybe a couple September. Weeks before, yeah. yeah, and my. You had addition, or whatever the algorithm came out and said the Phillies were the top team. Exactly, and the Phillies went to the World Series. No, that was I, I. In fact, I think Fez was out that week, and I remember I said you should check this out, and it was like very strong. That's why you're here for baseball. Yeah. And and by the way, um, we said it earlier, but why don't you tell us? And if maybe we get Mackenzie to help us, you got your um, package up for the baseball, yes. and. Um, Mackenzie, why don't you put up on the screen what any like what his offering is, how much it is, any discount, and do we have our discounts ready for the? Uh, yeah, I'm up now, and I do, and I'm doing the Major League Baseball podcast with Griffin Warner. Okay, now how the, was that so far? Great, we have uh, we just released an episode, so it's out now for Opening Day. We went through the entire board on Opening Day, gave out some best bets, uh, which I'll repeat here on the show. But uh, I, I, I like that. we have right. that, and we're going to be doing uh, two episodes a week. So we're going to do one episode that will kind of set up the games early in the week, and then one episode that will set up the weekend series. Now, here's what I would say. I like that, but could you let me make a request. Could you talk some more big picture, like ebbs and flows of the league? Yes. Because to me, when if it's not a daily pod, mm-hmm. it, when it has to be daily, it should be seven days a week, and that's tough, you know? Well, I'll go over the schedule every every morning on SOVAM. I'll yeah, go over the th- daily schedule. Go. I love that. So if anything, that is that is the daily dose. Yes. I'm interested in things that are a little bigger picture, as in, hey, I think the Mets are winning, I think the Mets are going to search for me, or mm-hmm. things that aren't just about the next game. Um. I'm not the baseball expert, but I actually don't like this. The the board is too it's it's too crowded with 15 games. I want to hear your three games that you feel there's value on. Okay, but the only on game that. there can be value on is a game that you've got the number for that's coming up the next day. Yes, right? and that's what he's going to do in SOVAM. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. I'm saying for the weekly po- or the biweekly pod yeah, for the major league baseball that shouldn't podcast. be about well we're taping on Monday so we can talk Tuesday games. It should be something that doesn't more globally. Not, I exactly. think the Yankees are undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you used to get, I agree with that. And yeah. I'm going to talk uh, on that podcast. I will talk about, you know, situational uh, situations that come up yeah. where a team that's traveling and, yes. and they have a weekend series against this team and then they have to come home and play a certain team. Because so, you don't need the line. And we don't have the lines for the next exactly. couple of games. We only have the lines for the next day. We don't have, because we don't, sometimes you might not have an announced starting pitcher, but we can project bullpen usage over the past couple of days. I like things that. like that. I like that. And I'll tell you this in general, anyone can. Can do a rundown show. It just matters. Can you handicap, right? Yeah. To look at something globally, and that's a good way to think about it, and talk about trends and what you're like. Like, uh, think if you you're not a college basketball expert, but you were talking about how if it's an unranked team that's favored over mm-hmm. a ranked team, like those things can emerge in a season. Yes, and you can point them out. Yes. I like that. So. Like my getaway day theory, which I will just leave it as a tease. <laughs> You'll have to listen in to find out why I love getaway. Day. Now, how how would you do? How do you do that? Um, 
regarding uh, your pod. So is that is that on my feed or is that on your That's the on SOV a, feed? The, the Major League Baseball podcast is on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. If you're listening to yeah, this so podcast, if, if you're subscribed, then you have it. Yes. Well, if you're subscribed, yes. some people go direct. Okay, so this is the entire season. Now, this is Scott's first season uh, doing baseball, uh, the full season with us and at pregame.com. And let me tell you, this guy, I'm always interested how engaged, first off, you can win without being engaged, and you can be engaged and not win. But it's hard. In general, if you're engaged and smart, you, you, you're giving yourself a fighting chance. And if you're not engaged, it's tough. Now, again, Fez is one of those dudes that can be half engaged in a sport. Now, he gets engaged in football. He gets engaged in the NBA once it's the playoffs. But he can do – he has the ability. He just got great instincts. He knows the math. That's fine. But mostly I want a guy that's living it. When I hear about a guy that's talking about the sixth starter and how he's doing it well because he's got a contract next year, it's like, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I don't know. And that's the thing that you, I think, excel in. And you can get the entire season, well, through the All-Star break, so the first half of the season, for about $400 because we're going to give you, and we gave you before the show, a coupon. And that's going to be play ball 75 So it's one long word, play ball 75 and you get $75 off any MLB subscription. And I think Scott Seidenberg is a strong choice, no doubt. That's why he's doing this here. And that's a $75 off. So it's regular $477. You can get it for $402. I think I would have made it $77 off. But that's me. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what we'll do. This is interesting. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do for Scott. Check this out, AJ. If you get Scott's, you might think RJ's right. It should be 400, not 402. Get Scott's, use play ball, 75. And then the first 10 picks that I bet my own money with, and I won't be doing that for at least a couple weeks, whereas I'm going to dig into the baseball, I'm going to get a feel, I'm going to back test it, and I'm going to get to the point I think we got something here, right? We're going to work on it together. All right. And then the first, I don't ever sell picks. I'll be betting it myself. Well, I guess I do for the the bracket. That was the one time. Right. Again. Is what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, all right, you email right when you buy Scott. And you know what? If you are you doing a baseball package? Of course. All right, it, Fez will be in on this too. So you can get Fez for 402. You can get Scott for 402 using Playball 75. And send in to supportapregame.com. Or Tom, Tom at pregame.com, whoever you usually talk to, and say, hey, I want RJ's special offer. And then when I get to the point I'm betting my own money, the first 10 bets I make will email to you. And AJ will be, and who knows, if AJ does well, he might take off and do baseball with it. But I know I'm, when I bet my own money, guys, you see how selective I am. When oh, I'm betting, oh, very are we in good so. shape? Yes. It doesn't mean you win every time, but I'm not betting for action. So that's a little bonus. You get 75 off and you get the RJ special 10 picks. Now, which one is more valuable? Scott for the whole season, Fez for the whole or half season, or me for the 10? I'll let you decide. But you get both of them. Speaking of that, now what I was jealous of when you weren't full-time was this guy knows these props. He's got this guy at 80 to 1, you know, like season winners. And I love that stuff because I think you got to be hardcore to know it. Give us how many do you got that are bets? I have a, a for every award for MVP, value right now, and rookie of the year in each league. All right, so six different ones. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. 
All right, we'll start. Rookie of the year, I already gave out one bet already for the American League at Masataka Yoshida, mm -hmm. the Japanese player for the Red Sox. I'm going to give you a second so, American League. I know Fez doesn't want to hear this, but what, you gave it out here at what? Was it 8-1? to one? Nine to one. Nine to one. And what's the current market? Five to one. That's good. I'm going to give you another American League Rookie of the Year. Mm -hmm. and he's also five to one. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I do think when it comes to voters, they will go with a popular choice. Yes. And there's no more popular team than the New York Yankees. Anthony Volpe just won their starting shortstop job. He is the talk of the town. And I think that the writers especially the ones that live in the New York metropolitan area, will be voting for Anthony Volpe to be the American League Rookie of the Year. If he lasts the whole season with the Yankees, again, health-wise, he should produce. So Volpe has a long history of injury? No, but he's oh, young. I'm just right. saying, this is, he's a rookie. He's the first year. Uh, I think, uh, and, and you can shop around, find a, a good number somewhere. You might be able to get plus 600 or, or, or plus 650, I think McKenzie said at FanDuel. So, yeah, Anthony Volpe, New York Yankees shortstop. What better marquee position than shortstop for the New York Yankees, right? All right, so what you're saying effectively is you're high on this guy, but not crazy mm -hmm. high, but you think the opportunity of being the Yankees shortstop yes. puts him over the top. Absolutely. Okay. In the National League, another New York player, and it's another Japanese import. It's Kode Senga, pitcher yes. for the New York Mets, plus 950 to be the National League Rookie of the Year. I'm seeing a trend here. New York, by a little New York. Oh, no. What you should be seeing is rookies that aren't rookies in oh, Masataka yeah. Yoshida and Kodai Senga because these are guys that are professional, have professional baseball experience playing in Japan that are now coming over to the major leagues and I think will have impacts. And Senga, everyone's talking about this ghost fork ball that no one can hit. He is going to be the third starter for the Mets, so it's going to be kind of lost in the shuffle behind Scherzer and Verlander, but he's the guy that probably makes or breaks their rotation if he makes it Senga is going to be a good pick for National League Rookie of the Year especially because some of these other players that are higher favorites above him some of them might start the year in the minors because of uh, service time and some of them you know might have some struggles adopting to the, the major league game this is a guy he toes the slab he throws his pitch there's no adjustment needed he just does what he does and that strike batters out Give me Kode Senga, 9.50, 10-to-1, National League Rookie of the Year. Did you just say he toes the slab? Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> vernacular for when a pitcher puts his foot on the rubber. Damn. That sounds almost like I hit and sit, <laughs> and then I toe the slab. Uh, let's go to the Cy Young Awards in the American League. I will give you the Cy Young Award winner, my projections, Shane McClanahan of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays at 12-1. to 1. And McClanahan last season, 12-8 and 8 with a 2.54 ERA. He held opponents to a batting average under 200 last year, mm. and the Rays were building him up. He, you know, a couple, two years ago, it was his first year, didn't pitch a lot of innings. Last year, ramped him up, pitched more innings. This year, full on out. No innings, restrictions, whatnot. Uh, McClanahan, he does what he does, lefty. like he did last year. Lefty. Lefty's good, right? High because, strikeout because guy. All, all these changes have to help left-handed. Left-handed pitchers have to be less impacted by all these changes, right? Because they aren't going to get raked by left-handed hitters. Correct. Hmm, okay. And uh, if he's a high strikeout guy. Last year, he had a 4.0 wins above replacement. I think Shane McClanahan offers good value at 12 to 1, especially when you consider a guy like DeGrom is plus 550 as the favorite. You know, go is a little. for Cy Young. Yes, for the American League Cy Young. Go right, a little now, further down the list and find Shane McClanahan. Okay, now thinking of further down the list, 
I'm seeing a lot of kind of almost chalk here. Like the 12, there's only three people with better odds than him. Right, and there's like five of them at twelve mm-hmm. to one. So we got any long, jumbo long shots coming up? Uh, I got an eleven to one National League Cy Young Award in uh, Zach Gallen. Okay. But if you, if you and listen, if you want some, if you want a really long shot, the pitcher that I just talked about to win the National League Rookie of the Year uh-huh. in Kodai Senga is fifty to one to win the National League Cy okay, Young. Okay. Okay. Now I think he's going to have a good enough season to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Uh huh. And it might just take a little bit more to get him to be the Cy Young Award, but not much more than the talent that it's going to take, the stats that it's going to take to win National League Rookie of the Year. I've got an idea. In the next, by tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific, 3 p.m., Mm -hmm. give me a list, if you want to do this, of the picks you made here, which is going to be, we'll say the, ch- we won't call it the chalk, but like the like the standard pick, and yeah. then give me one long shot in each of the um, s- slots, right? Cy Young, whatever, whatever. And then I'll put that in a little printout and tweet it out and, you know, have your Twitter and everything giving you full credit. But uh, now your Twitter, if you want to follow Scott with his day-to-day stuff is? Scott's on air. Scott's? On air. That's mm-hmm. possessive. Scott, but no possessive mark. <laughs> Scott's on air. Yes. I'm at RJ in Vegas. I'll tweet it out. Should you know get you nice attention and we're giving them free picks. Yeah. And then if we win, we can brag about it. I pro- and I'll tell you what, I will even throw in a one hundred to one. Hey, that's just be part of the medley here. Part of the medley. I'll give you a one hundred to one bet. So you got six different things, so it's gonna be twelve different picks. Twelve and I'll give you more than twelve, because I'll give you a couple extra long shots. Okay, I like it. Faz, you like that? I like it. Because very much. my picks, like like I said, eleven to one, twelve to one, these are standard. They're not yeah. the favorites, but they're like the fifth or sixth favorite hey, down if you're the list. Playing one twelve to one and one hundred to one. Let's just say you only need to win a but let's think about this, Faz. Let's say you put a half unit on the long shot. Full unit on the standard. So you're gonna have nine units in play. As long as you win one that's better than nine to one, you're, you're there gonna, you go. You're breaking yeah. even. So there you go. continue. Yeah. So uh the back to my you know standard bet in the National League, Cy Young, Zach Allen's eleven to one. And Zach Allen had probably one of the best seasons last year that like no one is really talking about. He was twelve and four with a two five four ERA. That's for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And before you say, oh, well, he's on a bad team, well, Sandy Alcantara won the Cy Young Award last year, and he pitched for a bad team in the Marlins. So it doesn't have to be, uh, he doesn't have to pitch for a great team. In his last 15 starts last year, he had a 1.58 ERA, Zach Allen. This is, this is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball that doesn't get enough respect probably because – well, not probably, definitely because of the team that he plays on. Zach Gallen, 11-1 to 1 for the National League Cy Young Award. I liked him in that Vegas movie. That's Zach Galifianakis. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. All right. I'm just saying – <laughs> that's that guy. So that, that took a lot of strength to resist saying that till yeah, the end. Yeah. <laughs> All right. MVP awards in the American League. Another eleven to one selection is Jordan Alvarez for the Houston Astros. And I think again, all the numbers with that he put up last year, and then you take away the shift now, and he's going to improve his statistics last year because he was one of the players, top 10 players that hit into the most outs into the shift. I like Jordan Alvarez for the Astros to be the American League most valuable player. And in the National League, I'm going to— First of all, his name is You're Not Alvarez? You're Don. Okay. You're okay. Don. 
Alvarez. That's interesting. Yeah, you're done, Alvarez. What's the split right now? And listen, it's not any commentary on it, just to understand. So between American-born players, then there's obviously Latin America has mm -hmm. a lot of players. Um, how's that split at this point? I mean, do you get any sense? I mean, it seems it, – it, is it trending towards less – or more Latin American players? Oh, yeah, there's say? a ton more. There's, yeah. there's a lot of it. Is it just players. they love baseball down there, like growing up? It's like a huge yeah. thing? Yeah. It's wild how we got, we're so U.S. centric, right? Because we're in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But like you look at the Roman Catholic Church, it's like around here, you know, in the U.S., uh, church uh, membership or, or going on Sundays is going down generally. We're becoming a more secular society. But then you look in Africa specifically and in South America, the Catholic Church is booming. Really? And, and it's just like, it, it's a different, you know, it's, it's a different market. Obviously. So as of last year, 57.5% of Major League Baseball was white. Okay. 31.9% Hispanic. And then 7.7% black. Boy, that's wild. And Asian, man. other 2.9%. So is that just a matter of baseball takes money? Right, because the, you had to have balls and ba basketball. You need one a basketball and a hoop, right? Yeah, soccer. soccer you just need a ball. You need a ball, right? And in general, you would think if the black athleticism, which is always the oh, they're more athletic. And I, you know, I don't. I'm not a scientist, but you look at the NBA and it seems like oh, there's a white guy back him down. But then only being less than ten percent of baseball says okay, that's an athletic sport. But it's it's not anymore, it, no, it's a it, it's a slow pitch softball sport. You hit home runs. Yeah, there's well, no there's this. There's oh, so no you're more, saying you're saying because changed. of the that okay. Well, Major League Baseball has really tried over the past several years to uh, showcase its black stars more mm -hmm. because a lot of kids growing up in the inner cities they they don't gravitate towards baseball and then they started this initiative yeah. called well, RBI. I think it's opportunity. Too, yes, right? and they started this initiative several years ago called RBI, which is revol reviving baseball in inner cities where they would go in and fix up fields and build a little league field in, in, in a bad part good. of Baltimore and build a little league field in some of these underserved communities. But the only way to get good, and AJ can speak to this, is you got to be part of these special, well, like you can't be on your high school. That's BS. You can't be on your high school team, BS. right, AJ? That's BS. But also, if, you're if you're really good, if you're really good, it doesn't matter. How do you get really good? Well, by being really good. Well, <laughs> I will say, like, you, to make your high school team, you have to play club ball. If you, if you, I mean, maybe not if you live in a small town or something like that, but the, of the all the, I think it was a hundred something kids that tried out at my son's school. Mm -hmm. Thirty kids make it mm -hmm. of uh, for varsity and JV. Of the thirty kids that made it, thirty out of thirty had club ball experience. So, like, if you only play little league, so what is club ball? It's like uh, like AAU in basketball. So travel ball. So travel ball. So yeah. Travel ball is how you make the high school team, and thus you're saying there's by definition there's some travel ball players that can't make the high school team. Yes. So it's harder to make the high school team than make the tra the traveling team. There's levels. There's just like with Scott softball. There's different levels of how good okay. you are. Same with that. Like there's. All right. So what you're saying is everyone plays tra this travel ball. No, not every. I mean, it costs money. It's uh, right. like but you pay kid, monthly if, dues. But if and, a kid is like a prodigy, yes, he's playing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. If if your goal is to play low level Division One something, and maybe it's getting the lessons or whatever. But if you're a true talent. They're not going to let that. They're, they're recruiting those people to play. They, they see, you know, it, it strikes me. I don't know. It strikes me. The money part, I, that's interesting. 
Like, do you, I mean, I don't want to say like LeBron James because he was a different, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But these AAU kids, they're trying to recruit them, right? It's not like their parents are paying money for them to get a chance to play AAU, right? I, I honestly don't know any how basketball works yeah. out, but they, I mean, with with baseball, like there's tryouts, and if you make the team, you get to pay to play on the team. You get to pay for travel and things like that. This sounds like a big scam that the, it does. the suburban America yeah, it does. took. It does. I might want to invest in one of these places to get the money. Because I, I, I never thought that the, that great athlete, when he's 15, he's got to pay a bunch of money. Right? That hasn't been the instinct. There, there are scams all over the place, like all these halftime shows. And they, they, you see, and you see these elaborate shows where all like, like at the, the Super Bowl, at at the bowl games. Okay, okay. L- l- like what they do is like all these all these people or participants are like paying to perform for you. <laughs> they like to join have to join clubs that, that, that well, there's a, like, there's fees associated with it. It used to be like Vanity Press when you would get a book published, right? And you'd have a hundred copies, and yeah, it's fascinating. Um, the last thing I'll say about it, and we'll get to the rest of the picks here, is. It does feel like, like a guy that I've known. He was in my wedding. Tom, you know, he's Tom at pregame. He had a son who was a, let's say, in a small school. You know, where I grew up has like four thousand people in the town. So, but a good football history, right? I think they made the playoffs like eleven or twelve years or something. But he was a. He almost started as a junior, and started on the line as a senior. So one of those dudes. He was a clear starter senior year. He was he was like the swing tackle his junior year, right? So he's on the he's gonna let her one sure. time, he might let her the second time. He was he got approached, you know, Tom, his dad got approached with, okay, uh, give us three thousand dollars, we'll be able to get, help him get a scholarship. Yeah. And it's just like this guy, I, I looked at him, this was like his junior, I go, he doesn't start. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like it's no indictment against it, but like how in a school of four thousand or four thousand people in the town, not the school, how can a kid that's not starting? He should be playing both ways to even think about and it's just like but if you're with these parents who fool themselves, it seems like perpetually sure. it's a chance to spend that money and think they're doing right by their kids. And I like when I was coaching, I had a team that was in majors, which is the top level of club kids. And this is Texas. Yeah. And I had a kid I had a team of double A kids. They their parents all paid the same dues, and this majors team like every every kid that was on that team could play was certainly going to make their high school team, mm-hmm. and most of them are probably going to play college ball at some level. And that, how old were they at the time? Uh, for it was a fourteen U team. Okay, that double A team, there was zero chance any of those kids were going to make their high school team, even like, make the high school team. Ma- n- no way possible. But, but the they parents were, didn't believe. Every parent believed their kid was going to make the high school team. <laughs> But there was – it just was not going to happen. And just answer this question plainly, please. Your boy right now is hitting what? 600 right now. All right, let's continue. <laughs> uh, nationally uh, most valuable player. Do you have an app for that that you get every yeah. time he hits it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, and you'll like this. This is a bit of a longer shot. All right. Xander Bogarts at 35-1. to 1. Uh, Xander Bogarts is the new starting shortstop for the San Diego Padres, uh, coming off one of his best seasons for the Red Sox. I think he finished top 10 in the voting in American League Most Valuable Player last year. The lineup is stacked. It's one of the best lineups in all of Major League Baseball. How are they getting this money? Well, they're spending crazy. Yeah, they got the owner has money. So, but what I'm saying is it's unusual to spend this much, right? I mean, the Mets spend more than anybody. All right. But, so yeah. there's the Mets in New York yeah. and then San Diego. Yeah, but, I mean, if you... You don't think it's curious? 
Yeah, I mean, who's this guy? Pete. Uh, he's the it's Pete. Si- Peter Seidler is their owner. The fact you don't know. I mean, Steve, isn't it seem crazy that that San Diego Padres are spending like top five in major league or maybe higher in major league baseball? Yes, because historically the Padres have been cheapskates. But I know. you know, then again, you look. Say it's a top. What's San Diego? The eighth biggest, largest city in America. I, I mean, it's a big market. All I know is right now their payroll is number three. Mm-hmm. I and it's the Mets, the Yankees, the Padres, and then the Dodgers are below them. Like somehow they're spending more than the Dodgers. Mm. I think it's a topic of conversation. Yes, but I don't. I don't understand the rationale. If the, if the, if the owner's willing to spend, then they can go spend. There's no salary cap. Do you think they're making money? Sure, they have to be. You just said something about the the char- or San Diego being the same. They're the 30th biggest TV market. Yeah, how can it's, that it's be? not that big of a city. I know. At seven, no, it's how not come, that big of a market. How come whenever, whenever I tried to drive down Interstate 5 to San Diego, there's like 12 lanes and I'm well, stuck why, in why do they not? The why don't they have a football team? Why don't they have a, a, a basketball yeah. team? Like, it's just not a huge market. The Clippers used to be in San Diego. You know what it is? Is that I wonder, like, if you add all the um, La Jolla and all the surrounding areas around San Diego... It, it, but, but that like, would take into account TV market. Yeah, it's the 30th biggest TV market. I don't know. I just know. It's How the, many people live within 20 miles of San Diego? What like, I know is that being the 30th biggest TV market, but the third biggest spender hmm. feels off to me. But that said, who knows? He might be like. Uh, the Padres are the 17th uh, most valuable franchise in baseball. Yeah, so more people in Nashville than San Diego. Uh, that at, can't be right. At one point seven five billion dollars. That's what they're worth. R- Riley Durham has more people. That's impossible. Write a letter, Fez. They're they're not <laughs> they're not counting the all the suburbs. So yeah, Padres right now they're worth one point. What I say it was one point seven five billion dollars. Number news. seventeen in baseball. <laughs> all right, that's how much they're worth. So the yeah. uh, owner can spend money. Well, but 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 if you're 17 in baseball, that implies that you're going to be spending less than average. Some teams spend, some teams don't. Portland's spend. tiny that, compared to yeah. San Diego. Yeah. All right, go ahead. I mean, I think Major League Baseball should enforce teams. They should force teams to spend more money. There, sh- I agree. You know, it's it's especially a, if they're getting subsidized. Yeah, it's a, exactly revenue sharing is a joke. Uh, but I like Xander Bogarts in this lineup, which is projected to be one of the best in all of Major League Baseball. He's going to have a big impact. He's going to hit right in the middle, if not at the top of it, and play shortstop for a team that I think has a really good chance to win the National League West. And this is for what, what the pick is for? The National MVP. League MVP. Okay, He's at 35-1. Wow. to 1. Okay. Um, now Juan Soto is the guy who's obviously going to get all the attention, um, and he's the favorite in the National League at plus 550, but I think his teammate is the one who's going to benefit in Xander Is Bogarts. he the second favorite amongst the Padres? Amongst the Padres, yes. So Actually, no, no, Machado is. Machado's 15-1. to 1. So he's the third favorite with the mm-hmm. Padres. Do you think a guy can win MVP if he's the third coming in the year has the third bet? I mean, because I could see if he's second. Because if it's the contrast, it's like we thought it was so and so, but it's going to be. But do you think that obviously it's a long shot? But would you rather a guy like that that was the best player on a shitty team that was thirty-five to one, or would you rather be the third player on a team which can get a lot of attention? I forgot what the term is, but I don't like the, I don't like any team that's got like three superstars because they split their vote, right? The mm-hmm. West, the, there's a regional bias. The voters in the West Coast are going to like, you know, chop up their vote with different Padres. I'd much rather you were the superstar. Yeah, the and team. it doesn't invalidate your pick at all because mm-hmm. it's a long shot. Yeah, it, it's just trying to understand the dynamics of the market. Hey, listen, you can be the 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 most popular superstar on the team. 
The MVP is the guy who's got the best stats. But there are there are <laughs> yeah. times that there's going to be uh, close calls. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I, uh, I mean, like Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani was, uh, you know, it, it, at one point it was a close call, but once Judge hit 62, Magic 60, it's yeah. not a close call anymore. And it is pretty. I heard someone saying it doesn't matter. It's like the American League had Babe Ruth. I mean, and a lot of great hitters, and it's been a hundred whatever years, and it's like he had the most home runs exactly. ever. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. So there's the picks. There's the. All right. I gave so you want to you rattle there. them off real mm-hmm. quick? Yep. In the American League, MVP Jordan Alvarez, mm-hmm. number eleven to one. Cy Young Award Shane McClanahan, twelve to one. Rookie of the Year, Masataka Yoshida, mm-hmm. which I gave out, obviously, at a number that's not available anymore, but I'll give you a bonus pick in Anthony Volpe mm-hmm. at 5-1, to one, or actually plus 650 you can get on FanDuel right now. In the National League, most valuable player, long shot, Xander Bogarts, 35-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Cy Young, Zach Gowan, 12-1. to one. Yep. Rookie of the Year, Kode Senga of the Mets, 10-1. to one. And you're saying half the players or... Okay. What I find fascinating is that it seems like we're devaluing the American League and National League with all the interleague. And last year should have shown them, look, the American League by itself, it, the records matter, right? Because back in the day, those teams would never play. Never. They met one mm-hmm. time in the World Series. And I like the the novelty of some, inter, you know, Mets play the Yankees. But, man, now it's almost like the leagues don't matter. Agreed. And, and remember, uh, they used to have separate umpires. Oh, they don't have that anymore? No, it's just Major League umpires. Mm. And now they have the designated hitter in both? Universal designated hitter. Like There used to be a clear separation between the leagues, the different rules, and they had separate umpires. When did they change the DH? When did... Yeah, just a couple ago, years ago, right? yeah. So, so all our numbers are a little flawed because that, that we show showing the, the totals on because mm. they have National League DHs, no D, no DHs on those numbers, and now we have DHs more That's scoring. A good point. That's a good point. Well, not last year's, but yeah, okay. It's worth like half a run, I think. All right, so um, I'm going to give some stuff. All right, so remember, on Twitter, you can follow him, Scott's on Air, and we'll be sending out, uh, and I'll be sending out at RJ in Vegas, uh, your, your smorgasbord of... Uh, mm-hmm. Props. Would you like a best bet for opening day? Let's do it after my best bet because I want you to help me with it. Okay. All right. So I've got a system. Mackenzie, you want to pop up the team or just? I love systems. Yeah. Um, in fact, Mackenzie, maybe come out and put it on the main screen here if you would. Yeah. Thanks. He's been doing a good job. Yeah. Next week, if he if he keeps up the good job, we'll let him talk some NBA next week. Ooh. Yeah, we'll let him debate. So what did you guys talk yet about the um Yon or not Giannis, but uh Embiid? Oh yeah, we yeah. Yeah. on the on did you give uh, some yeah. this morning show yep. we uh, we talked about it. What, what was the conclusion? It's in it's incredibly confusing that he was all right to play this whole time and then suddenly when you're going up against the one guy that But he's it, not even a great defender. You think he'd want to put up a lot of points? You would think so. Are you Mackenzie? Are you thumbs up or down? Are you are you hard on uh, Embiid because of this? Thumbs up or no, no thumbs down or are you new or neutral? Oh look, oh, thumbs down. Okay, he says Embiid's a bum. I mean that was the code. <laughs> and the odds reflected it. It moved against. Maybe he had a tummy ache. Yeah, but you were just saying how tough he was for playing in the All Star game. He's playing with a hurt leg, and then well, you got soccered in there. Yep. Man. All these guys that are gruff on the outside are Pollyannas. They think everything's on the up and up. Let me tell you, it's not. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. 
here's the sis. I can't tell if you're talking about me being a Pollyanna. I don't you know. are. Okay. Yeah, you're like, yeah, Embiid must have been hurt. He said uh, he was. All right. You don't think so? Do you know what a Pollyanna is? It's a pussy. No, no, God, no. Look it up. But before you try to attack me, make sure you look the word up. <laughs> it's a person that sees the, the world, the glass is half full. You're, you're, you're not skeptical. Yes. You're, you're, be, you're believing. You're a believer. You're naive. Yeah. Naive might be the way. And optimistic. Optimistic. Yeah, okay. Na- right, also right. known as naive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sucker's born every day. <laughs> a U.S. senator would never be on the take. <laughs> All right. So here's the system. A tendency to find the good in everything. And it, I feel like that's not me, but maybe it is. No, it, that's, uh, that's, a na- that's a Pollyanna definition of Pollyanna. Okay. It means naive. <laughs> it's a, uh, they said if I give them $500, I'll get a book, a book deal of my own. You know, that kind of person. Okay, here's the system. Opening day, and it's got to be a favorite over 120. He's laying 120 or more. Now, why would we want a favorite? It's because they're the better team. Right, minus 120 is a little bit more than home field advantages these days. So they're always going to be the better team, and they're focused. You know why? Because it's opening day. There's 161 more of these, but they care about this one. All right, if we do it from 2004 on, this system. And there's one other caveat: don't play the Yankees, don't play the Red Sox, because these are teams that get a lot of money regardless, and they don't really care about it. They're, you know, maybe Red Sox now is kind of veered away from that, but mm-hmm. the system says we stay away from these super popular public teams in general. And this system has won 41 units, over 41 units since 2004. It's that simple. That's 142 winners and 63 losers. The lay price is going to be – Mackenzie, look at where the average lay price is. I'm betting it's minus 160 or so. So you're going to be laying it. So it's not just about the 68% record. It's about the 41 units. And, Fez, this is – what are we looking at here? 210 games, 41 units – ROI looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, so 210 games. Lang, like you said, about minus 160. Mm-hmm. So let's say we're putting out there 330 units, and we're winning 41. That's over a 10% ROI. Yeah, so the the lay price on average on this, minus 160 exactly. So we're making over 10% ROI. Yes. So that's commensurate with what hitting 11 to 10? Like 58%? Yeah. So yes. this is like a 58% system over 200 57.4. Over two, well, is it 57 and a half, exactly 10%? Well, 52.38. And oh, okay, so okay, okay. So, so 52.4 plus 5 is 57.4. So it's over that because we're over 10% here. Yes, over that. So this is effectively like 58%, like you said. Or even more if it's 12, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is good. Is what yes. we're saying. It's 200 games. What do you think of this system? It makes sense. It's, and the numbers um, back it up. Yeah, yeah, what's the, the num- high? What's the 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 peak money line that? You Here's would, the thing. I'm disinclined like, to lay the lumber lumber. Yeah. There's only two of them over th- that was over 300, and they were two and zero. Oh. So I would say if you want to be, but and, and like is minus 200, minus 220. Like is that? Oh, is that? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Oh fine. yeah. Oh, then, it, I got plenty of winners for you then. It, uh, well, that's <laughs> fine if you've got a nice assortment of outs. It's yeah. not fine if you if 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 you play at the wescrewyou.com and their favorites minus two sixty take back plus two ten. So here, so here's what I would say. I am not a volume guy. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to find a three game medley that's the best three games 
that fit into this system. Okay. All right. So looking at this now, we've got Atlanta laying 240 on the road. Now, I, I, that's getting to the point I'm disinclined, unless mm-hmm. you'd be inclined to even bat it by. So what would your handicap? Like, give me who you like on each of these games. Like, a 240, who would you force play? Who would you play? Braves. Okay. Patrick Corbin stinks, and he's had a rough spring training. Okay, so you actually think this is a rare case that you, that you might even lay the. I mean, you're not inclined to lay the two. Yeah, I never, I never do. I find other ways to play this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's Braves in the first five innings, uh, maybe laying a half a run in the first five innings, um, yeah. I find other ways to play these heavy favorites. Okay, how about I parlay the Braves to the over? Because Patrick Corbin stinks. Yeah, but I don't know how much the Nationals are going to score. Only need to get to eight. Braves might do it themselves. They might. I'm so gonna, the, I'm that, gonna, if that's the case, then bet the Braves team total. I'm going to go Atlanta here as one of the picks. Now, remember, when you lay this lumber, you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Okay, next game that would fit the bill, Milwaukee minus 142 right now over the Cubs. Not Milwaukee's touching it. On, All right, so in general, road games and home games have the same. It doesn't really matter here. Okay, Cincinnati minus 137. No, thanks. Okay. San Diego uh, minus 198 against Colorado. I'm not anxious to bet San Diego, so I'm going to say no on that. Yeah, but I, I do like it. Plus, Danielson Lamette is a so former. I see a trend here. You like the bigger numbers. Well, well I'm just giving. I'm just telling you who's going to whatever. If you blindly bet it against Colorado on the road or on Colorado at home, you make money. Yeah, and, and Danielson Lamette is a former Padres pitcher. Every batter on the Padres will have an extensive scouting report on Danielson Lamette. I know. Say that one more time. Danielson Lamette, who is starting for the Rockies in that game, is a former Padres pitcher. The Padres staff will have every batter prepared for so him. I show Marquez starting. Did they change? Herman Marquez. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm, I looking, see I'm looking on DraftKings right now. It says Danielson Lamette. So maybe they well DraftKings is going to be more updated. Yeah. So maybe that maybe there was well, an I got announced circa. change. They should be updated too. I'm betting that DraftKings is better staffed. I agree. I mean, we can find out, but I hope it is. First off, the fact that one of them has something we wouldn't expect tells me that's right. Because I'm guessing— I would expect Marquez. Uh, I was surprised to see— But, uh, that's what I'm but saying. it's 1 in the morning Lamette. for DraftKings, and it's only 10 o'clock at night for, for Circa. So Circa's open kind of in DraftKings. Johnny Avello's first name starts with an A. It does. I, I mean, I don't know what that means, but we kept— <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know, sir, I know Circa's I'll open for an MLB.com says Herman Marquez. Okay. Well, why? So, hmm. let's just say this. I'm not betting either way, but I, if you're right, boy, I would like that if they actually, because I would go team total over for the for Padres mm-hmm. there. I want to isolate it. McKenzie can get to the bottom. It's McKenzie, you want to find out what's going on? There's going to be some place that has on Twitter, someone's going to say, pitching change. Yeah, I'm looking mm-hmm. on Twitter. I don't see anything. All right. Okay. Now, if... I mean, we just got a feed at the site, but the fact ours agrees with everyone else tells me. So, so where's the place where it's someone else? Where's that listed at? DraftKings, right here. All right, that t- I, I'm betting that's right. The Nielsen Limit. Right, Mackenzie, is he just putting up another book and just saying that's the answer? I mean, I saw Herman Marquez all day, so I don't, I don't Which know. Which makes me yeah. think that the change is what's curious. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's continue. Um... My uh, okay, so the Mets are minus 116. That falls below the criteria. We got the Dodgers. I don't want to play the Dodgers here. Uh, I feel like they're the Yankees and the Red yeah. Sox. I would not play the Dodgers because actually, one of my plays is going to involve the Diamondbacks. So, I, okay, I, I'm and this got that Zach Allen and Akis you like, right? exactly. Yeah, that's okay. your Cy Young winner. Yes, all right. So, 
All right, now we go to the American League. First up, we got Boston uh, afternoon. Well, these are a lot of afternoon games, but that is only minus 120, plus we don't play Boston. Next up, ooh, now I'm gutting. My gut feeling is I'm leaning this way. Tampa Bay, Detroit, Tampa minus 220. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's starting for the Tigers, had a really weird year last year where he left the team without any, like, communication. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's back now. Uh, and he's pitching, but um, still not any good. So erratic is what you Yeah, saying. and Shane McClanahan goes for the uh, Rays. He's already my pick to win the American League Cy Young, so you know I'm backing him. All right, Fez, we're laying 230 and 220. You know, that also that Tampa Bay day game stuff, the lighting's all screwed up. No one can hit, and Tampa Bay knows it better. It, it drives visitors crazy. I can tell you all these all these day games in Tampa and Miami go under, and it especially seems to impact but the But if visitors. we're laying the lumber, we don't like low scoring, do we? Well, it seems to impact the visitors more than the home teams. Okay, okay. And right now the total in this game opens six and a half. It's uh, seven under 20, so low scoring. Um, okay, this game got steamed. Minnesota opened minus 110. Now they're minus 142 on the road against Zach Granke. Is he is still this? in the league? <laughs> uh, and he said the, o- the only reason I would like the Twins is because it would be a fate of Zach Granke. There's nothing yeah, else no, there. Don't, but do- Pablo Lopez is making his, you know, he was pitched really well for the Marlins. Now he's over with the Twins. I don't. I honestly don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't have like a read it. on Is this he their number one? Why aren't we betting Kansas City under? Now here's, that right here? here's the question. I had them at sixty-seven. An old pitcher. Do they play? Do they pitch better early until they get tired in the season? Probably. In, yeah, you would think, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Now we got. Or it takes more. Takes longer for them to get their arms built up. Mm. So There's early in the season. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we got uh, a couple games left here. We've got um, Houston and the White Sox. Now, this looks competitive. Houston at home, only minus 147. Yeah, because Dylan Cease is one of the best pitchers in the American League. I, I, I love the Astros, but I'm not, I wouldn't go against Cease. All right, so let's think about the, this trend for a second. The premise is all the players are trying hard. It's not just an easy game. The pitcher's always trying hard. Mm-hmm. So this is more about the hitting. If you've got an eraser on the other side, like a great pitcher can shut this lineup yes. down. I don't like that. Yes. So in general, I want to lean towards good lineups. Against bad pitchers. Yeah. Or not as great pitchers. Exactly. Yes. Non-aces I want to oppose mm-hmm. with good lineups. With example. I don't want to bet on an ace. I'll give, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the third play. All right, go ahead. It's the Angels, minus 225 against the A's. Uh, Otani, there's value on Otani. The A's have a double-A lineup. I honestly don't. I, I don't. This team is pathetic. The Kyle Muller is their opening day starter. I, I, I don't think there's major league fans that know anything about this guy. That's why they're going to lose 100 games. So here's here's why I'm not playing that. Because I don't want to play three games to my people mm-hmm. and go 2-1 and one and lose. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess I, we wouldn't lose that way. It'd be 400. You, yeah, didn't mention, okay. you didn't mention another good pick. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the Yankees. Minus oh, 175? No, yet. Oh. Yet. You don't, you don't want to play the Yankees. No either. Yankees, no Boston. Okay. Yet. Okay. By the way. Uh, Not tonight. I looked at Zach Grinke last year. Yeah. He he stunk in general last year. Yeah, but he had a good opening game. 2.98 for the first six games. That was his ERA for the first six games See? of the season. 
Yeah. Okay. I like, but I bet there's some money to be made on that. Kind of betting. Okay. So let's think. Who do you like? Let's go in order of who you like. Who do you like next? And by the way, just to let you know, when you have a system where there's 28 teams, that are up 41 units, mm-hmm. and then there's two teams that are down like 10 units, and they're public teams. There's probably something there. I th- and I'm not saying they won't win tomorrow. I'm just saying in general, it's smart to stay away from the public stuff. Um, who uh, amongst the rest of the games is there any team? Who else jumps? Uh, and it has to be a favorite, right? It has, to be, it has, it has to be a one twenty favorite or higher. Yes. Mm. Well, one, give it. Tell us out loud the teams you're thinking about. Well, I'll tell you. I, I mean, the Phillies as dogs. I like, so again, not I, I have not. But count, so we I will not. The other what about the Brewers? The uh, I don't want to. Uh, Corbin Burns is not at a good spring, and I don't like the idea of him going from pitching in warm weather in the spring to now forty five degrees in Chicago. I like, so I like that I'm, doing something, thinking I'm, I'm not. I, I just. I, I'm not touching the Brewers. All right. So Philly. What about the? What about going again? Oh, Degrom is too too big name. Degrom. I, oh, he's down to minus one. That got better. Yeah. Away from no. Him. Phillies are the play in that. He game. Might only pitch four innings. Yeah, and Phillies are the play. Trust me. And we can't play the Yankees. Can't play the Yankees. Um, All right. So let's let's. Did go. you already cross off the Mets? Mm. Let's go back to the top. I honestly, honestly don't hate the Mets because Alcantara was so good last year that maybe, I don't know if it was, maybe it's. Uh, the Mets, it was Mets don't one, qualify. They're down minus 116 now. Oh. Yeah, all well, right. it's all because of Alcantara. So let's go back to the front, and now we we just got to find someone to qualify. So uh, what do you think in Cincinnati-Pittsburgh? I kind of like the minus 137. On Cin- what do you think of Cincy? They both are equally shitty, so, so you're, you're just betting the pitcher. I don't yeah, know anything so about Yeah, so Hunter Green's a strikeout machine, but he also gives up a ton of home runs. And in that ballpark, it's the highest-scoring ballpark besides Colorado and Major League Baseball. More home runs are hit in Cincinnati than anywhere else. So it's such a high-variance ballpark that I wouldn't lay anything with Cincinnati at home to be honest with you, because I could see the Pirates going out and hitting a couple of home runs, and it blows your whole game up. If anything, give me the over in that game. I got to be honest. This is, you're impressing the hell out of me with your analysis here. So, real quick, we had Atlanta's one, and Tampa was, Bay, and Tampa Bay. Tampa Angels. Bay's just gone down to minus two twenty. By the way, all right, Tampa Bay, the Angels. All right, so we were thinking. All right, so it's Otani. Now make the case for this. Kyle Muller only pitched twelve innings last year. Mm-hmm. I, and how did he do in the preseason or in the exhibition? Uh, I'll, let's look up his spring training stats. Let's see. All right, so we're going to be saying goodbye. You know, this can be like we, the credits are rolling, and then we give it to him at the very Is, end. Isn't Otani like? We're, I guess the World Baseball Classic was in Florida, so it's no big deal. So in spring training, this, in spring training this year, Mueller threw eighteen innings, eighteen innings in four starts. He had a six point five ERA in the spring. Not good. Not good. So he hardly and I, pitched and last I got, year. And I got the Angels, who have now Trout and Otani in. I don't want to call it mid-season form, but they yeah, just I came like from high-leverage moments yeah. in the World Baseball Classic. They're stepping into the season more ready than they ever had. And they're not fatigued, though. No. But it's enough time. Won't yeah. be any home field advantage for the god-awful A's. And Anthony, there'll be plenty of Angel fans. But, well, there'll be plenty of Otani fans. Yes. Yeah, and Anthony, and, Rend- and Anthony Rendon oh, has been on fire this spring training. I, I like this, right. I like this Angels official. lineup. I like this. I, and by the way, just hearing you talk these games, too, impressed me. Before you get a on Tampa. Yeah. You just asked about the spring stats for the opposing pitcher yeah, yeah. that Eduardo Rodriguez, uh-huh. 13 innings pitched this spring, zero earned runs allowed. Oh, God. P- pitched for Venezuela, zero earned runs allowed for Venezuela. Ah, he's motivated. <laughs> I might bet this. So th- that's backing us up. That's the Tigers. No, that's the Tigers. That's going. That's, that's a crumb bum team. Yeah. Oh, no. 
Maybe, I might maybe be under. Kill Tampa Bay and maybe go San Diego. All right. Can't go wrong betting against Colorado. You know something? You really can't go. The Padres have so much. And they're so excited. They're going to be excited. They have so much hype going into the season. Like, this is a World Series contending team. You know that ballpark's going to be electric. And they're young, and it like they, they hype each other up. I, hey, Fez, do me a favor. And, and Tatis, come on. Do me a favor, Fez. Put this in a part. So what's what's the Padres' current number? Minus 192. All right. P- give me a 192, a 240, and a 200. I just want to see what the payout is. So 240, 200. I'm going Atlanta, minus 240. I'm yeah. going San Diego, minus 192. Uh-huh. And I'm going uh, Angels, minus 200. That's uh, Angels good... are minus 215 at Circa. Okay, well, I don't, I'm not playing this. I'm, I'm not doing this for a real bet. I'm just wanting to see the, what the payout is. Okay, well, I got to go. I got to. Uh, yeah, I, that's fine. Yeah. I can only so punch little, in minus 250. No, it's a good bet. That's a good point. Yeah. If I bet 100, I win 215, plus 215. Okay. Point so, six. So here's what we'll do. I think what I would say is put individual bets for um, a third of a unit and then one parlay for one unit. So now if we, you know, if we go three and oh, it's really sweet. And if we go um, two and one, we, it seems like a break. You know, we'll figure it all out. But that would be the way I would approach it. This is not serious money, but I like this stuff. I, I, I'm going to pick one of these and bet it for real. Which one? Well, we'll do that off air. And Tatis, by the way, still serving his suspension, but he's going to serve 15 games. He's going to play in the uh, minor leagues. He's going to begin the year in El Paso. Then he'll report to San Diego. So he'll be back soon. April 20th, I think. I got to be honest, Fez. I kind of think his point about the Angels is actually pretty good. Like, those guys are ready to go, but they're not tired. It's the same thing. It's like, l- listen, the Phillies, to me, are the best bet on this board at plus 115. They have three players that are coming from the World Baseball Classic that are just that, that are so ready to play in Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber and JT Real Muto. Aaron Nola's on the mound. I, I, Jacob DeGrom is the ultimate fade candidate. Because do you realize that over the last five years, Jacob DeGrom has been the best pitcher on earth, but his team, the Mets, Fifty-three and forty-nine. Well, they don't in score the last, for him exactly. But that that losing not, record. And the amazing thing is, Degrom's a good hitter. It makes no sense. And guess what? The the, the Mets have a better lineup than the Rangers. So now I'm going to expect the Rangers to 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 win for Degrom. I'm going to I'm going to fade Degrom in pretty much all the starts. So Fez, what, what do you? I, I'm going to make my actually. The more I think about it, I'm going to make, make, let me make a suggestion mm-hmm. here. I think you bet a hundred. You risk a hundred on Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All right. You risk a hundred on the Angels. Mm-hmm. And then you also risk on both those games 100 on the parlay where you're playing the visitor, big favorite, to the over. It's, it has a nice correlation because if the visitor wins, you get the full nine innings. So you get that extra – you get the bottom of the ninth, and that makes a difference. Okay, the books so- won't let you play the run line parlay to the over, which is even more correlated, but they will let you play the, um, the side to the over. And if you're betting a visitor – and you know, to the to the over a big favor visitor, that's a pretty good combination. Okay, so that's a consideration if you wanted Steve's second best bet. Now with mine, <laughs> no, that makes sense. And you know what we'll do is a baseball week coming up. You know, a week where we're not talking a ton of baseball. Maybe we'll get into this because mm-hmm. it's a concept. I, I mean, I understand the whole batting in the bottom half of the ninth and all that. It, you do or you don't. But how big that is? I mean, in theory, that would be what uh, nine. So there's 18 different. So, so it'd be seven one eighteenth effect in theory. Yeah, right? and, yep. and 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 speaking of that, like there's a general rule of thumb. You don't lay the one and a half 
with yeah. a home favorite because th- you're not guaranteed the ninth inning. Yeah, and for that one, it's actually going to be one ninth potentially because yeah. it's only the one. Yeah, team so you, you, care you only lay the one and a half with a road favorite. But that's built into the number mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it, do you know in that case if it's fully built in or not. Um, it's mostly built in because yeah. it, because it, because it's different. But but just to give an example, so the Angels total seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say the Angels are ahead. Five to one, going and, into the bottom of the eighth inning. And since we'd be doing a correlate parlay, if they're not ahead, we'd, we're, we're losing anyway, in theory. Once the game's over, if we bet a two-teamer with the Angels, they got to win for us to win the two-teamer. Right. So the Angels are up five to one, and it's going into the bottom of the eighth. Okay? You can see, you can see the beauty of the correlation here, where you're like, you got over seven? You're like, I'm in good shape. I got two kicks at the can with the home team. I got you know, fielder indifference. Maybe they get a run. I got the Angels batting the top of the ninth. I got anything I have to get my run mm-hmm. to, to, to push or, or, or you know, more to, to win. But let's assume the Angels are losing 5-1. to one. I am screwed beyond belief because now I'm only going to get two at bats, you know. And so now, uh, now playing over seven looks like a bridge too far. Now, you said the run line thing, so... It strikes me when I'm thinking that top half of the, or the bottom of the ninth, if you're playing, and I'm thinking, wow, they might get a double. Let a guy, like you said, indifferent. It might be they put up one run because fielder indifference is great for getting they a want out. They, run. they want out, so that's why they won't let you make it correlated to the minus one and a half. But in truth, a nice percentage of the time, the Angels win this bet. They're going to be up by more than uh, one run coming into the ninth. Yes, absolutely. All right, so when does so and and you can just steal it? It could be two two going in extra innings, and the Angels can win eight two in eleven innings. So it happens all the so time. So if you're playing a road favorite in baseball that's more than one fifty, are you ever playing it without playing? No, I mostly always play the minus one and a half run line. That's what you do, or, or the run line. Yes, but with you, Fez, I play the trifecta. I play all three. I play. I, I lay the two hundred. And then I lay the one and a half, and then I parlay the minus, you know, two hundred. Now, the so over. doing that, like a there's third, a, third, now a third. there's a way, and and there's there's websites that help you calculate this, but Steve probably does the math himself. You essentially, and I've seen people give out these picks, mm-hmm. right? They'll go Angels minus one. Yeah, it, it works. And out you're the same. and you're like like what book has so, Angels minus five one? Five dimes steals minus yeah, one. Yeah, but the way to do it is you calculate your bets that you put a certain amount on the money line, a certain amount on the minus one and a half. So if they win by one, mm. you break even and push. And if they win by two, you win both bets. So this you is win like the same. splitting up a money line and an underdog spread. It's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Okay. Yeah. But I'm interested. So of our teams, Atlanta, is Atlanta at home or on the road? They're on the road. All right. So the theory would be the same there. Same thing. Yep. Okay. Now what you'd have to do is shop that. And Atlanta is a absolute – that would be – like the only thing that you worry about with the over with Atlanta is – or the Nationals going to score enough runs? Because Atlanta is going to score. I'd rather play an Atlanta team total. I'm perfectly fine. Atlanta minus one and a so half. So if runs Atlanta too. wins four to one, you win. You win your minus two forty. You win your run line. You lose your parlay. Okay. Yeah. So San Diego's at home though, right? Yeah. San Diego's at home, which I actually like that for this team. So our bet, my three teams are going to be Atlanta, San Diego, the Angels. But what I'm going to do personally is I'm going to play. If as if you put this in for me, and you can do it tomorrow morning whenever you want. Give me Atlanta in the over. And give me angels in the over. Yep. And the theory, and and uh, you know, just uh, do a nickel on each of those two teamers. All right, I, this is interesting. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I like all three of those bets. I, I, I and uh, I'll give you. I, I mean, I teased it a little bit, but, but but just two bets to make. 
For because, me, yes. Because yes. the San Diego, you're just going to give it out to yeah, yeah, yeah. without betting. Yeah. And, and I'll give you, I already mentioned the Phillies, but Phillies. Well, no, no. I'm going to bet it, but I've got a way. I've got my way to get this laid off. But like but this shopping for, for the parlay and stuff, I'd rather. Yeah, yeah. You got it for me. Exactly. So go ahead. Yeah, I already mentioned the Phillies as being one of my best bets. On, on they're an underdog on the money line, but my best bet is Phillies team total over. Now we don't have a number out yet. We'll mm-hmm. get the number out on Thursday, but the total of the game is six and a half. And this is the Thursday, as in the day opening of the day. Game. Yes. Okay. Uh, the t- the total of the game is six and a half. We're probably going to get a three and a half total for the Phillies. In fact, I would expect both teams to be at three and a half. And I like the Phillies to go over one because I love their offense, even without Reese Hoskins, who's hurt, doesn't matter. Like I said, you have three players coming from the World Baseball Classic in Trey Turner mm-hmm. and Kyle Schwarber and JT Real Muto. You have um, DeGrom, who is not going to go deep into the game. So even if he has success through four innings, you're getting to a bullpen that is probably bottom half of baseball. So I think the Phillies will be able to score against this bullpen. You'll probably get Texas, over three minus 30. Texas is a uh, hitter-friendly ballpark. I do think there's not going to be any weather because it's a roof. So I think that you're going to get runs to be scored in this game. I like over six and a half for the game. But my best bet, Phillies team total, I think – if you're asking me just to have them score four runs, easy. I like that because you're isolating your edge. Yep. That's the thing you try to do is what what opinion do you have over the market where you think the market's wrong and try to isolate it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. We'll be having some baseball throughout. Uh, but every day on Straight Out of Vegas AM, and just search, you can, uh, there's a couple days a week you guys are on this feed. If you're not on the new feed, you're missing like three of the shows. And AJ apparently is a funny, and he's all, <laughs> and, he, and he also when I'm not around has strong opinions. Opinionated, he's and he's warm, funny. He's like funny. a guy I want someone like if I had a daughter to date. But here he's AJ as you know him. So hey, at minimum, check over and see if it's true. All right, Fez, let's take us out of here. Hey, hey, <laughs> oh, ow! Let's be careful out there. Ouch. 